Pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned pop thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 371. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Drop by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, can erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. You're listening to Pop Culture Leftovers, one of the lowest ranking podcasts in the world. world. We heard your demand for timestamps and we chose to ignore you, just like your high school years. You'll see Jake with a tramp stamp before we start using timestamps. Sexy tramp stamp Jake. What we're trying to say is, we don't do timestamps and we never fucking will. I just said the F word. So stop asking, you rat bastard cunts. Cunts. <laughs> Welcome to the Timestamp Free Zone. This is Pop Culture Leftovers. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. Yeah, I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. Jake, that was that was perfection, my man. Thank you. Thank you. Been working on my timing all week. That's why I took a week off. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, man. Well, you know what? You came in, you came, you saw, you conquered Venavitivici, sir. Yeah, fuck yeah, it was all worth it. Yeah, it was all worth it. It was all worth it not to have you here last week, Jake. It really, no, I'm fucking with you. Here's the thing, here's the thing. Jake, gotta ask you this question. Uh, you got, and I want to know, were you upset to get the birthday text from me? No, I wasn't upset. I was thinking there's gotta be a little bit of him that's hoping that you could rub it in on the next episode that I fucked up and didn't wish you a happy birthday on your birthday. No, oh, I, I would never. I would never. I, you're such a gentleman. I knew you were going to text me. There's never a doubt. <laughs> okay. Just checking. Cause man, I, you know me, I'm going to rub it in. I'm going to rub it in. I'm going to rub it in with salt, dude. I'm going to take that knife and I'm going to twist it. <laughs> I'm going to twist it. Uh, yeah, I don't remember what time it was. I knew, I thought about it though. I'm like, oh, there's no way Brian's gonna forget. There's no way he's gonna let me like say you did it too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know, I know. It's like I got, I got, <laughs> I got Alexa reminded me. 
I've got, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, it's like, I got it. I got it written all over my walls. Every calendar in the house, every calendar in the house has your birthday on it. I almost replied, thanks, old man. Oh, yeah. Why, why is that? Why is that? Because old nerd? Why is that? No, just because I thought it would be funny since you're like basically a month older than me. Oh, I know. Yeah, the whole like, yeah, month and a half. Yeah. <laughs> I just like the humor of you being the old one. Isn't that fucked up? I've got I've got like the mind of a of a seventeen year old. <laughs> <laughs> We're not alone, Jake. We're not alone, Jake. We got June. We got June. Yeah, we That's get, your hi. Yeah, there she I is. I know. I'm here and actually, you know, while Jake might have gotten a birthday text from Brian, I did not. Yeah, I made note of that. Oh, you didn't get a birthday text from me? No. Yeah, too fucking and this bad. was a big birthday. Two, 40? Yep. Oh, fuck. I'm sorry. See, that's the thing. I'm not like, here's <laughs> the know, thing. When you guys are talking about the birthday thing, I was like, you're like, yeah, Jake can't like come at me now. And I'm like, oh, but I will. Uh, <laughs> hey, do you regularly text me on my birthday? Do I get a birthday text from you? Yes. Uh, yes. I'm, I will look through our, I'm going to look through and find it. I know I texted you last month. I know I texted you last month. Well, last month was February, so you fucked up because my birthday's in January. (laughs) (laughs) I'm scrolling through and finding it. I'm a January baby. Yep. Oh, fuck. Oh, man. Welcome, Neil. How the fuck are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) I guess you could tell it was me, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm good, you know. Yeah. Been playing in my garden, getting some shit planted. That's been fun. Oh, what do you what are you planting out there in the garden? Some weed? <laughs> well, maybe at some point. Uh, but no, it's 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 mostly just wildflowers for bees and pollinators. Oh, awesome! That's very no, that is very fucking cool. Good for you, dude. That's yeah, one thing. Yeah, it's important. It's very important, dude. It's one one of those things that I've noticed. Uh, over the years is that I just don't see as many bees as when I, what, like when I was a kid. You just don't see as many bees anymore. Cause they're dying. They're dying, they're man. Dying. I know, and it's fucked up. <laughs> it's fucked up. You just don't see the bees like you used to. Yeah, I see them all the time. I watch that Jerry Seinfeld bee movie like every week. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I'm having tryouts for a new co-host this week. <laughs> 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 Jesus Christ, Neil, are you free every week for the next 10 years? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, shit. Oh, my God, Jake. You're, you're no in a... way I'd be able to bring that comedy gold like like Mr. Uh, Jake over there. Oh, I know. I know. Oh, my God. Oh, I lie. I, I don't think I've ever seen that movie, actually. Every, I haven't every, either. With it, I have. I, I think I own it on DVD. Um, <laughs> mm. Every passing birthday, Jake, you just get you get one percent less funny, and it's <laughs> and it's sad, man. It's sad. It's 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 like watching is like watching something that that's that that one time was a beautiful thing just deteriorate before your eyes. No, I know. I, know. I have a beer. I see you too. <laughs> that is, is all. Yeah, we're all falling apart, aren't we? Yeah. We're all yeah. falling. Well, apart. Neil's still in his thirties, so yeah. yeah, boo you. Yeah. yeah, for another two years. I know. When Neil said happy birthday, I said boo. That was my response. I didn't want to be forty. 
Yeah, 40 sucks. Yeah, it does. <laughs> mm. All right. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, Neil. Neil joining us from the uh, Smorgasbord podcast. What's what's new in Smorgasbord? Well, we're in the midst of our uh, Mirror Universe foray, which has been... It's had its ups and downs so far. We did uh, our first episode on it was the Enterprise two-parter in Amir Darkly, and then we just did the Discovery Season 1 five-parter uh, on their version of the Mirror Universe. And so next we're going to do the OG Mirror Mirror from the original series, which I'm really excited to talk to Stephen about. Very cool, very cool. I'm doing a uh, podcast, and I, I'm sorry if it sounds very similar to yours, but it's not. It's titled Smorgasborgnine, and it's all about Ernest Borgnine. <laughs> so, it sounds similar, Neil, but it's completely different. It's all an Ernest very Borg... Very different subject matter. Very different. It's it's a Smorgasborgnine, where we talk about Ernest Borgnine movies, and all over, and just, and in no order. It's just all random. It's a Smorgasborgnine. Man, there's so many memes. Well, there's one particular one of uh, Ernest Borgnine as a Borg, and it's the the you know the heading is uh, seven of Borgnine. <laughs> Jake, someone stole a joke from you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Neil is definitely replacing me. <laughs> oh my god! I don't know if it's an upgrade or a downgrade, sir. I really don't know. I'm, oh. I'm having having to weigh my the nicest thing you've ever said. Dude. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> Just to let everybody know, I recently appeared on uh, Billy Blink's podcast with his buddy Dan. They do a podcast called Scene Invaders, and I was on there one episode for uh, one ninety nine. So check out Scene Invaders, where I was uh, guest hosting with them, and it was—I had a lot of fun. Those guys are a lot of fun, so I'm uh, looking forward to our listeners checking out that podcast. I'm looking forward to more crossovers with other podcasts. So yes, uh, check that out, guys. Are you ready to jump into this week's iTunes reviews? Always, absolutely. Or should I say iTunes review because we just got one? <laughs> and I, you know what? I'm totally fine with that, Jake. Yeah. One in two weeks, though. I assume we didn't do them last week, huh? No, we didn't do any last week, man. None what last week. I'm a little disappointed. I know. Our listeners just don't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> well, you can't top that Facebook given. not logging. Wow, wow, wow. We got two people talking, <laughs> buzzing like bees in that bee movie, right, Jake? You know, we got... <laughs> <laughs> we got two bees on the same flower there, Jake. That ain't gonna, that ain't gonna work. I got June and Neil talking over one another. I don't know who who said something interesting. Not me. All right, June. No, I was saying we can't top that Facebook review, the not Facebook login or whatever that. Oh my god, <laughs> that was you got. that was fantastic. I know you can't top that now. Oh, that's the pinnacle of like, like when you start a podcast, like that's what you're striving for. Like that, <laughs> that's what you're, you know what I mean? You're hoping to get a review like that one day. It really brought me to tears. It really did. I'm still emotional from it. Yeah, I know you had to take last week off from it. I know. That's it the reason you weren't here. Jake is like, you remembered that review and you're just like, Brian, I need a week off, man. That, the Facebook, not login app store or whatever the fuck it was. You were just like, man. 
really getting to me. Okay, let's move on. That was dumb. Um, <laughs> it's time for I- <laughs> it's time for iTunes reviews. It's one star Oh man, I'm looking at the iTunes numbers and like I think we went up in the one stars, but these pussies didn't leave like written reviews. They just fucking dropped one stars, dude. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah, dude. Come on. Man up and fucking say something. Yeah, air your grievances. We want to know. Yeah, we want to know. You fucking pussholes. Let us know. <laughs> Speak up. Speak up. Ah, First iTunes and only iTunes review this week is titled uh, My Favorite Podcast, and it's a uh, five-star. It's from MC Ruz, MC, MC, uh, M. Cruz, PR86, I don't know, I don't, uh, McRusper, McRusper86, Jake. <laughs> McRusperator. McRusperator86. Been listening since the uh, Endgame review episode and have and and been hooked since the guys make you feel like you're part of the conversation so much so at times i catch myself answering answers that brian or jake may ask answering answers if we're like jeopardy we say the answer <laughs> yeah like don't should that question shouldn't that be like answering questions yeah it definitely should <laughs> mm. what the fuck we got <laughs> fucking, I don't, answering answers. I, I don't even understand this. We got some kind of like soothsayer, some kind of like psychic or something. Answering answers, I don't know. Everyone on the show is so informative and always have great suggestions of movies and shows to watch. Listening to the latest episode and I had an idea for a mashup that made me think to finally leave a review. Don't worry, people, I'm getting to the content. So what do you think of uh, Moira Rose, Britney Spears mashup of Hit Me Bebe one more time? <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. Jake, I think I found your replacement. The fuck is Moira Rose? <laughs> I think I found your replacement, oh, Jake. Oh, shit's Creek. Oh. Oh, nice. yeah. Neil, you're definitely not the replacement. <laughs> I haven't watched that show in months. Uh, I finally finished Shit's Creek. Such an incredible show and a great recommendation from you guys. Anyways, I truly enjoy this show and keep up the great work. Don't mind the haters. Haters gone hate is what they ended on, Jake. Haters gone hate. Yeah, the old Taylor Swift line. Is that what? Oh, is that what she says? Yeah, in in, uh, in her big song. Yeah, are you still are you still one of those Swifties, Jake? Are you still a Swiftie? No, no, I'm not a full fledged Swiftie. Oh. I'm, I'm definitely a fan of a lot of her music, but I'm not in the club. Oh man, Jake's not a Swiftie. This is news to me. Thank you, uh, McRespirator86. That was quite the review there. Hey, uh, speaking of people that recently finished Shit's Creek, June, I know you did. Yes, I love it. I love it so much. Uh, my husband and I both love it. And um, it was crazy. So the Golden Globes were last weekend. And when they came up for the comedy category, the last two shows 
they went Schitt's Creek, and then they said Ted Lasso. And my husband and I were both like, oh, that's tough. Because we love Ted Lasso. I mean, Ted Lasso is also fantastic. Yeah. But we were both like, oh, that's tough. Like, so with that one, I mean, Schitt's Creek ended up winning, but we were like, oh, if we had a but then we started talking, like, what would you choose? And you got, I'm like, that's well, an impossible choice. No, it's not. It's Shit's Creek. And the reason why is because it's the last season. That's what you give it to him then. Because Ted Lasso's got plenty of opportunities. Yes, it does. Um, but, I mean, just, like, no, between, like, me, like, personally, like, which one do we like better? It's, like, that's impossible to me, like, to determine which show I like better. Because- uh, I spent so many, I've spent so many seasons with Schitt's Creek and all those people from that show that it's just like, yeah. I love that show so much. No, it's so, it is such a great show. It's that, it like really tugs at the heartstrings and I don't, it just everything just about the show is perfect, really. I mean, even, you know, your side characters were fantastic and, um, Dan Livy, I mean, I, I adore him. Like I want to oh, be yeah. his best friend. Oh, he's he just awesome. seems like the best person ever. Did you watch him on SNL? Yes. Oh my god, fucking! That was like one was of the so best funny. episodes in a long time. It was really. I think good. my favorite skit that he was in was uh, the uh, when they were doing the uh, Black History Month, and he was like the white guy who went to all the BLM protests, but he was like way too into it. Yeah, that was good. I I like the Universal Studios tour. That was that killed that me. one. Oh, yeah. that's right. That one was a great one too. The weird rabbit holes that he goes. Down. <laughs> What's your softie? Oh God! <laughs> Norm from Seinfeld is his softie. Uh, oh, that was really that was really it was uh, Newman Newman from Newman. Seinfeld. I mean, not Norm Newman. Yeah, no, he's my softie. No, Norm from Cheers would also be a good softie. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we got a new contest. Uh, you can watch, and uh, this is the movie. We're going to give out five digital codes to this one. Watch the new movie today, the SpongeBob movie, Sponge on the Run. Join SpongeBob SquarePants, his best friend Patrick, and the Bikini Bottom Gang in their most epic adventure movie yet. The movie stars the most uh, stars an amazing voice cast of uh, SpongeBob and special cameos by. Keanu Reeves, Snoop Dogg, Danny Trejo, Aquafina, and more. Uh, when SpongeBob's beloved pet snail Gary goes missing, a path of clues leads SpongeBob and Patrick to the powerful king Poseidon, who has Gary held captive in the lost city of Atlantic City. On their mission to save Gary, SpongeBob and his pals team up for a heroic and hilarious journey where they discover nothing is stronger than the power of friendship. Don't forget to stay tuned after the credits for an all-new SpongeBob mini-movie. Stream the SpongeBob movie, Sponge on the Run, instantly on Redbox On Demand today. Also streaming on Paramount Plus, rated PG from Paramount Pictures. So, yes, we're giving out five digital copies of SpongeBob movie, Sponge on the Run. All you have to do is I'm going to put out a tweet on Twitter and a Facebook post, all you have to do is screenshot those that you retweeted or shared it on social media and uh, take a screenshot, send it to comments at Pop Culture Leftovers, title it Sponge, title it Sponge Robert. Let's go formal. Sponge Robert. <laughs> I like it. Sponge Robert. <laughs> title it Sponge Robert and send it to comments at popcultureleftovers.com. And then next week, 
I'll go over the five winners. Guys, right now to rent this thing, it's $19.99. This is an at-home rental, and you could possibly win a digital code for free. If you've got kids, if you have kids, this is the perfect movie to keep them entertained. So, yeah, SpongeBob movie, Sponge on the Run. So, yeah, definitely uh, enter that contest, and we appreciate – I appreciate everyone who enters these contests, Jake. Oh, yeah. Uh, we love it. It's nice to see some new names and not just the same five people every week. I know. I know. If I have to give out another digital code to Monica Garola, I'm going to shoot myself in the fucking head. Yeah, we, <laughs> she she and, wins and we every time. Parents out there. We, we know you want your kids to shut up for 90 minutes, so enter this contest. There you go. Yeah. Have your kids shut up for 90 minutes. You know <laughs> what I mean? You can have your little Calgon take me away moment. You know what I mean? You can... Flick the bean in the bathroom while the kids are watching Spongebob, Sponge on the Run, or whatever the fuck. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Mom needs a little mom time. (laughs) All righty. Got an email here. This one comes from uh, last week's guest, Rebecca Daling. And uh, it's titled... Cookies email. Hi, Brian and Jake and any guests. You recently read an iTunes review that had a recipe for chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> well, since I'm always up for a challenge, I decided to make the iTunes cookies. And let me tell you, they were delicious. My only critique is that the batter is a little crumbly. But other than that, the cookies came out great. I'll be sending some out to you guys shortly so you can try them as well. Keep up the great work. And that comes from last week's guest host, Rebecca. That's fucking awesome. I hope she really did. That's hilarious. And it's not just pulling our leg. She totally did it because, Jake, earlier in the week, she asked me for the recipe. And I just screen- <laughs> I screenshot the fucking the iTunes review, sent it to her. She was that 100- was one of our crazier reviews. Oh man, I loved it. I loved it. That was weird. I, th- I, I, I they put a lot of thought into it, Neil. <laughs> it's true. There, there was a lot of thought put into it, but it's still a weird thing to leave for a review. Yeah, but man, Rebecca made the <laughs> Rebecca made the cookies, man. You know what I mean? Well, I want some too, Rebecca. Oh fuck! Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> I got, you, know, you fucking drifter. Got <laughs> want some free shit, man. Well, why don't you enter the SpongeBob Sponge on the Run contest? <laughs> <laughs> well, I want my free shit to be something I want. Oh, oh. Anyway, goodbye, got, Paramount sponsorship. Yeah, we lost you. <laughs> I love SpongeBob. SpongeBob is, was super funny back in the early 2000s, man. I was a big fan of SpongeBob. Oh, yeah, me too. I loved Plankton episodes. Those were always my favorite. I love Plankton. And I, I think my favorite episode is the Krusty Krab Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> if you've never seen Krusty Krab Pizza, it's a fucking hilarious episode. Love that episode. Uh, I got an email here from Landon Cisneros, and it's... uh Subject is overdue, thanks, and I recommend. And it says, Hey, Brian and Jake, love everything you got, love everything you guys do for the past six years. Jake, we've been around nearly eight, so those first two years, this guy is like, fuck that shit. 
<laughs> Maybe he was just like blackout drawn for those two years. <laughs> like fuck, <laughs> fuck the early years, man. Those two, those two. I don't know. You know, in that guy's defense, though, it has been 2020 was such a fucked up year. Like time did not make sense. I mean, it could just be last year messed up his sense of how time works because it did for me for most of the year. Oh yeah, just I'm, saying. Oh, I'm. So, I bet he's so glad you rushed to his defense there, June. I'm just trying to be nice, but yeah, in his defense. Apparently, well, could have just been blackout drunk those two years. I mean, like Jake said, I mean, either one is completely. You know, both are logical. Well, if only we had someone to answer these answers. Answer these answers, <laughs> Jake. You're my co-host again. <laughs> Now you're sticking around. You're a, you're a keeper, sir. Oh, you're finally you're not doing that bullshit you did in the first two years. <laughs> <laughs> you elevated your game, son. I know. I probably drove this guy away for those first two years. Yeah. Uh, no, it was me. It was, <laughs> dude. It's me. Anybody who doesn't listen to this show anymore, Jake, it's one hundred percent me. It's a hundred percent me. Uh, let's see here. Let's see here. I love everything you guys do for the past six years. It was perfect for me. It was perfect for when I would be on the road for music and the occasional lift gigging. When I first found the podcast, I thought Brian was trying to do a Randall from Clerks. That's the second time I've heard that. In it, in, I, that's the second time I've had somebody say that. Uh, then was convinced it was him. Then was baffled how it wasn't him, all the while getting more and more into the reviews, guests, banters, and blow-ups. Jake's knowledge and perspective are always solid. He's the coolest. Guests falling asleep, making noises in the mics, not being into Tom Cruise are always welcome and great. So many recommends have made its way into my consumption. And now, being closer to home and helping with parents into family watching. I heard these guys, this is a quote, I heard these guys mention this on the podcast, and we're watching Class Action Park, Palmer, and taking the sage advice on when to pounce on the free subscription for the video game history must see. Brian, thank you for all that you do, and keep, and keeping the beat going. Thank you for keeping the beat going, Brian, is what he says. Keeping that beat going, Jake. I'm keeping that beat going, sir. Mix Master. Mix Master B (laughs) is what they call me, and I keep the beat going, Jake. I keep it going all night long. All night. All night. All night long. All night. All night long. Lionel Richie. (laughs) Lionel Richie. I saw somebody on Etsy made a Lion-O Lionel Richie Thundercats (laughs) mashup. Oh, that's amazing. It's a figure, and it looks like it's so awesome. That is awesome. Uh, Thank you for all you do and keeping the beat going. Keeping that beat going. That beat ain't going to stop, buddy. I'm just going to keep that beat going. It's like I'm the Energizer Bunny of Beats, Jake. I agree. I agree. <laughs> Have I beat this into the ground yet? <laughs> it's I'm. It's like I. It's like I'm beating a dead horse. <laughs> if those are the kind of beats he's talking about, then he is right on target. Do you think he's talking about the vegetable? 
do I think about the vegetable? That shit stains so bad. Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, my God. That Yeah. And like, seriously, you eat one beet and your shit is red for the next week. Yeah. You think you think next time you take a shit, you think your anus is bleeding. Yeah, if you don't remember you had beets, you're you're fucking worried. I was I the last time I fucking ate beets, I was like, who viciously butt fucked me last night? Because what is going on here? Did I get butt fucked by the guy from Saw? What is going on? <laughs> <laughs> did Jigsaw did Jigsaw fuck me in the ass last night? What is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's been eight movies, so it's highly possible. It's very true. <laughs> Jake, right now, as we speak, we're keeping that beat going, sir. Yes. Mm-hmm. That beat goes on, buddy. Bumpers, show running, recording, posting. Lots of work, and I thank you for that. Uh, I know this time has been tough for any kind of com- communal experiences. I miss my mandatory 40X Marvel movies in theater. And being a musician, this has been a whole lot of bullshit. My band put out a project that's available through today and wanted to share with you. It's as close as the live experience can get, and this production spared no expense. Being so in sync with so much of your taste, I think you guys might want to check it out. In fact, it was your review of Rock Camp while I was in the shower. Yes, I'm one of them that solidified the decision to reach out. Uh, here's our YouTube and the link to the show. Yeah, uh, much love and thanks again for all that you do, Landon. And I, I sent you guys the the video and, and and all that. I thought it was really good. I I, I was kind of blown away. I, I I thought it was very good. I enjoyed the music quite a bit. Yeah, I loved it as well. I love the violin playing in it. Yep, that's exactly what I was gonna say, Jake. I really did like the violin. The violin was awesome, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when they just had their like the bridge moment where they're just rocking out, I was really blown away by that. And just the the film technique that was used and the lighting in, mm-hmm. in the desert that that'd be a really cool place to see live music in the desert. Oh like yeah. That. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll post the uh, I'll post the link in the uh, show notes, everybody, if you want to check this out. But what was the name of the band? I, I apologize, I don't have it pulled up right now. Oh, the song was called Space Cadet. Yeah. Let me look real quick. Oh, that was the name of the band. Spirit Mother. Spirit, Spirit Mother. Mother. Oh, okay. Mm. Oh, man. Although I don't really like how his implication, like, like I'm one of those that listen to the podcast. And I, I do, like, that's what I do. I listen to you guys, like, when I'm getting ready and stuff. <laughs> I mean, like, that's he like. in the th- shower. He's a shower listener. That's what he was saying. I know. So, like, what's, that's. I feel like that's what I do. Like, I mean, I have it on when I'm getting ready in the morning. Well, like, you're one take... of those too, June. But I mean, the implication that like that's the somehow negative thing. Like, that shit's that's weird, just... June. No, it's not. I'm getting ready. <laughs> I have the podcast on, and I'm just getting. I'm getting ready in the morning. Part of that is taking a shower. I mean, oh. I'm not listening to Brian and Jake while I'm showering. That shit's weird. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm not. Listen- I like that video too. It was. It was. Um, the projections on the rocks behind them was was super interesting. Uh, I always love it when a bass player is the lead singer too. So like, yeah, it was right up my alley. I like uh, it a lot. Bass players, man. Sometimes they're, they 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 get the shaft. But I mean, if you got a great bass yes, player, yes, we do. In, oh d- <laughs> yeah. But I'm telling you, you, get a great bass player, man. It makes the song. It really makes the song. Yep. I totally agree. Yes. <laughs> so then, so, so wait, Neil, do you watch uh, Metalocalypse? Oh, fuck yeah. So, like, 
you are totally like so do you think murder face gets the shaft a lot or is he just kind of a- <laughs> murder face sucks <laughs> all right I'm just saying. i mean i love it i love it because it's it's an amazing show but he's a douchebag so he deserves the, all the shaft that he gets okay <laughs> Because he gets ripped on a lot for being the bass player, so. Exactly. Like, and as a bass player, I love those kind of jokes. There's that one scene in the bar where uh, he, they're trying to talk to girls, and he's just completely getting shut down. Oh, they're like, you're just the bass player. <laughs> <laughs> you're barely even in the band. <laughs> I don't even feel like it's our podcast anymore, Jake. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck. I feel like we've lost 100% control of the podcast, and it's now a Metalocalypse podcast. Yeah, well, welcome to Slapping the Bass with Neil and Jude. Yeah. <laughs> Do you like coffee? I uh, got another email here, final email, before we jump into our WandaVision. Uh, it comes from Peter Fenlon, uh, and its subject is Second Try at Making a Good Impression. Hello, Brian and Jake. So this is my second email to you guys, and I dropped a bullock in my first email and called Mr. Sinister a doctor. I hang my head in shame and deserved the roasting as a longtime X-Men fan. I should have noticed that. Also, I want to say thanks for the shows. I've been in isolation for two weeks, and you guys are helping me through. Also, jumped on the expanse after you guys speaking so highly of it. Anyway, this was more of a thanks, and I love listening to you guys. So take care, and hope you all stay safe. And that comes from Peter Fenlon. Neil, I know that you are happy to hear that Peter is now watching The Expanse. Hell yeah, The Expanse is fucking fantastic. Uh, I welcome every single new new watcher of that show. it's, It's so goddamn good. I need to jump, I need to jump back on the expanse. I finished the first season, absolutely loved it. And I need to jump back on the expanse. It is such a, it, it is a wild fucking, uh, it, I, I hate to say this, but it is a very expansive show. It really, <laughs> yeah, and this newest season that just dropped in December is, is right up there with my favorite seasons. It's really, it, it does stuff that's like, it splits the group apart for most of the season, so they're all kind of focused on their own stuff. But it, it, it really develops those characters past what we've seen before. Everybody gets their own little storyline. Uh, Holden is sidelined, and I'm happy about that because he's my least favorite character in the show. Um, and so like, we get a lot more about the rest of the Rosanante crew, and it's superb. There you go. Jump on the Expanse. Five seasons are out now, Neil. Yes. Yeah. Season five just wrapped, and season six will be coming at some point in the near future. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, The Expanse, that's on Amazon Prime. Check it out, everybody. This is not even good pop, bad pop, but yet we're all, we're just giving out recommendations left and right. <laughs> the, res- the resounding silence there was just amazing. Thank you, everyone. I- <laughs> I had to mute on. I was still laughing about Dr. Sinister. Doctor, yeah, you fucked up, Peter. <laughs> you can't, Aww. you can't live it down, Peter. <laughs> Dr. Sinister. When did he get his PhD, Jake? <laughs> when did he go to medical school, huh? <laughs> Let's jump into WandaVision. Humans. 
WandaVision. 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 Yeah, man. That's the last time I re- I'm, it's the last time I get to play it. Oh, <laughs> You never know. There could be a season two with as popular as this was. I don't know if it would be titled WandaVision, though. I think we're going to be going, you know, after Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, whatever we get from Disney Plus going forward with Wanda might be, we might get a show titled Scarlet Witch, colon, the whatever the fuck, uh, blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? That's a that's a great title. <laughs> Pretty damn. Pretty, I put a lot of thought into it, Drake. <laughs> I can't wait to do this I know. <laughs> I feel my eyes with that scarlet witch, whatever. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> no disguise with that scarlet witch. Blah, 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 blah. I don't even know what I said. Um, <laughs> Jake, did you see this story? Uh, I'm going to read it from Dark Horizons here. The Disney Plus app crashed for some users during the early morning hours on Friday as fans attempted to watch the season finale of Marvel Studios' WandaVision series. Most, I did see this. Most of the problems were tracked to users located on the West Coast where messages indicated yep. an error code 39 – Though the outage appeared to only last for a few minutes, I have a theory. Do you think error code 39 is Mephisto? Potentially. <laughs> <laughs> Trying so hard. <laughs> He's totally connected to this. Oh, man. Come on. You know what? Here's the thing. Yeah, we got the final episode. Yeah, but there was a big crash when people were trying to watch this. Apparently, I was sleeping. I was in bed. I, didn't, I was like, I'm going to watch it in the morning. I'll be fine. Yeah, I'll watch it. Took it a few minutes for me to get it going on that on, on Thursday. Did right. you get the error code thirty nine? Uh, no. It it just was the little loading circle thing for about ten minutes, and then mm. it just started playing. What if you got an error code sixty nine? Somebody's going down. Ooh, on you. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, ooh, ooh, uh. Settle down, TV. <laughs> <isn't it>? oh. <laughs> oh. oh man, I'm enjoying this finale. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> Fill my dick with that error code 69. Um, that was disgusting. Sorry, I apologize. Um, <laughs> shit. Yeah, so, um, kinda love the title of this one. Very simple. It's titled, uh, the series finale. Uh, and, yes. uh, yeah, it's very fitting. But, um, here's the thing. I, I liked this episode. I really enjoyed it. But on the flip side, like, I think they did set up all these mysteries and things that didn't pay off. And, and I, you know what? You can sit here, you can say that like, oh, we went crazy with our imaginations with all of these theories and all this stuff. But in all honesty, 
I think they set that precedent with this show. I do. I don't think that anything in this show that they put out there was not going to get people thinking. And I think there was a lot of things that didn't pay off. The whole, um, you know, the guy in the witness protection program, the people in the commercials, the uh, Pietro being Ralph Boner. You know, I mean, some of these things. <laughs> but listen, on an emotional level and like with Wanda dealing with, you know, grief and wrapping up that whole story, I think that they did a fantastic job. But I think it's all this other stuff of like slipping in the word nightmare, slipping the devil and all this stuff in there that made us think that there was something bigger going on here with Mephisto and all these other things, especially trolling us with Pietro. I, and I 100% think that they did kind of troll us with that. I didn't think that was the my least favorite thing in this episode was the fact that Pietro turned out to be Ralph Boner. I'm going to talk about that here in a little bit, but overall, I did really enjoy the finale. Um, I think it sets up, I think it could have set up a lot more, but with the finale and what we saw from this show, it does, and I'm going to say this, it makes me a little less excited for the Loki show going forward. Hmm. You connected it- straight to the Loki show, huh? Yeah, I'm not even talking about... Falcon and Winter Soldier is just so, like, not connected to magic and the multiverse and all this stuff that, like, I think that that show will kind of, like, stand on its own, you know? I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm super... Ex- dudes kicking ass. Exactly. And I'm super <laughs> excited to see Daniel Brühl come back as, like, a proper Baron Zemo. Not saying that he wasn't a great villain in the, in you know... In, in, in the previous film, I loved him. I thought he was great, but like he, dude, he's going to be wearing like the purple sock over the fucking head and shit, Jake. I'm really looking forward yeah. to Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, it doesn't take anything away from WandaVision. I, Wanda is still like, if I'm talking like my five favorite MCU characters, she's there now. She's there now, especially after the penultimate yeah. episode, like what they did with her. I mean, She's there now. I'm talking like, you know, Tony, Black Panther, Thanos, Loki, and now, now Wanda. I love Wanda. And, but I do think that this show and the people that were behind it kind of did a bunch of things that were kind of fucked up to us they fans. Were they, underhanded. they trolled. They, they trolled they, a lot. They oh. did. Especially Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany, and you can, people can think it's like really funny that he's talking about an actor that he really wants to work with, that he's always wanted to work with, and it's himself. And it is, it's funny, but on the flip side, like he kind of, and here's the thing, it's like Marvel can get away with this shit because like, it's not like people are going to be upset by this to the point where they're not going to watch any future Marvel projects. Like, (laughs) He can kind of, you know, he can slide on that because, like, I think overall, most people that watched WandaVision all the way through that really enjoyed it, I think a lot of people are going to be let down by the finale. I wasn't let down by the finale, but there were a few things in the finale where I was like, okay, there's no payoff here. There's no payoff here. And you guys did set this up as kind of like this mystery show with all these things where we're trying to connect the dots and you really didn't kind of pull it all together. And basically, this was just a show about Wanda dealing with grief, which I think 
at the end of the day is is a good thing that like we got this story. I think it was really important for important for her character. And I think maybe even too like now that I'm looking back on it collected, like look now that I'm looking at the whole thing, maybe it would be kind of a disservice to just introduce like another big bad at the end of this. Maybe it would be. But on the flip side, I feel like they had so many Easter eggs and like nods and hints and just like all these different mysteries set up that our imaginations and theories ran wild. And we had a lot of fun with them. And I, and you know what, Jake, we took some swings, man. We took some major swings and we're not the only one. Like you go to Reddit, you go to listen to other podcasts. Everybody was taking swings when it came to Mephisto or nightmare. We all took Grim Reaper. We Ultron. We all over the place. Right. Oh, Al Pacino. But all honestly, all the fucking beekeeper theories can go fuck off. Like that was ridiculous. Like, (laughs) but no one was expecting a, a bone. I will give I I will give this I will give this episode a high taste it, um, and the reason yeah. it gets a high taste it for me is because of I think that the, it's a definitely a missed opportunity with some of the things that didn't pay off. I think like at the for this to be a perfect season for me, especially um, with the finale, I think the penultimate was perfect, but I think with the finale for it to be perfect for me, they need to tie most of the loose ends and do it in a satisfactory way. I think the Ralph Boner shit was, it was bullshit. That was the, the biggest yeah. bullshit like dirt in your face. Yes. Yes. Like that was trolling in its highest form. I mean, so, and I'm not saying like our theories had to be proven right for me to enjoy this show because I still really loved what they did here. I really do what I do love what they did here. But I think like with the Pietro thing, with the guy in the witness protection, um, the people in the commercials, um, with, you know, some of these things just didn't pay off for me and, but the story overall and Wanda's journey 100% did. But I want to know your thoughts. Jake, I didn't have you on last week. So where are you with the penultimate episode and where are you now with the finale? I love the penultimate episode. I love that it explained where the sitcom stuff came from in the earlier episodes. I, I thought it was one of the better episodes of the series. Um, just fantastic. I loved, you know, the Stark getting thrown in there and them seeing that missile i thought that was a really interesting twist yeah um but i'm right there with you with the finale um for almost the same reasons but there was another thing that really bothered me it's a high taste it for me as well i was a little bit miffed that agatha harkness was just a one-dimensional mcu villain by the end of it I, I just wanted a bit more for that character, just a bit more gray, a bit more sympathy instead of just cackling evil bad guy and was a little bit disappointed that that was really all we got by the end of it. Well, I mean, they kind of just like put her character, you know, on the back burner, in my opinion. I think she's definitely coming back. And I think that there is still the chance that she can be more of a, a gray character going forward, especially when you go back to her origin back in 1693 uh you know with the with the witches and she's begging to them like teach me 
you know, I, I can't control this. I need your help. And it all sounded a little too familiar with Wanda not having like the knowledge. Basically in this episode, Jake, you know, she's saying like, you have all the power, but you have none of the knowledge. And I think that we can kind of draw the comparisons there that like Agatha after what happened in 1693 sought out, you know, the knowledge and she's got that part of it. And we can also, you know, maybe that connects it, definitely connects it with, you know, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness with Stephen Strange being the Sorcerer Supreme. I'm sure that he's going to be a mentor as well. But Agatha, it sounds like they're setting something up with her going forward. And she's a little bit more similar to, you know, Wanda than 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 she even realizes, you know, that 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 they both need help with and 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 they both need to be educated they both needed to be educated as far as like you know becoming witches and controlling their power so maybe she will help her in the future but i always think that they're kind of going the loki route with her where she can't always be trusted she's always going to have like her own selfish like you know like what can i get out of this you know yeah, yeah, I get that. And hopefully we get to see the character again so we can expand kind of on her stuff. But, man, her arc throughout this series did kind of just leave me a little bit annoyed by the end of this finale. Like, it's just her and Wanda shooting power balls at each other. And I don't know. I just wasn't a big fan of that's the route they took. I thought Catherine Hahn was amazing. I thought she would be willing and able to do a lot more interesting stuff with that character instead of it just becoming a one note, one dimensional Marvel villain. Okay. Yeah. I, I do think she'll be back though. I think they kind of like hinted at that. So I also thought it was weird that like they trapped her into being the nosy neighbor forever, but then they eradicated Westview in the first place. Like that kind of, didn't make any sense to me. Well, she's just going to live in that house with Ralph Boner now. <laughs> like, Yeah. 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 I don't know. <laughs> I just, it was just really disappointing to me. And I, but I do agree. It, um, the emotional way to the finale did work. I, I did like, you know, Wanda dealing with loss, even though she didn't really fucking lose anything. Vision's still alive with his memories. And it looks like she's going to be able to bring her kids back. But <laughs> you know, not minding that I, she doesn't know any of that at the time. So I thought that that emotional weight carried pretty well until you kind of find out there's really no loss in the first place. By but is the, is vision still vision? Um, I want to get, um, but that, that's something I want to tackle is vision still vision now because we can take what they said about the ship of Theseus and kind of like dissect that and talk about is vision still vision at this point because i we'll jump into it we'll jump into it but i want to get neil neil's thoughts what are your thoughts neil on this on this finale yeah i'm kind of in the same boat with both y'all um i really really enjoyed the fact that it was just wanda's story uh it, it really helped establish that character in the mcu better than she'd ever been even hinted at uh, earlier on. Um, it took, like, the worst 
movies that exist in the MCU and and kind of turned them on their heads and and took this character that was really underserved uh, in the past and and gave her something real to to deal with and, and to grow from. Um, I, I kind of liken this whole uh, this whole season, this whole series experience to watching Lost live. Um, you know, week to week, you were speculating about what's going to happen, what's everything mean, and ultimately, uh, it means not all that much, and that's fine. It's still a good, compelling story. It's the journey that we as an audience go on every single week, and all the and all the hype and the talk about it is is part of the experience. And I I actually appreciate um, Paul Bettany for trolling us and. Um, yes, there were there were parts that I was disappointed in, um, like the fact of Ralph Boner, but I, I also am not sure that those are hard and fast um, endpoints for these characters that we've been introduced to in this show. Um, kind of one of the things that has kept me engaged in, the, in this whole thing is the unreliable narrator aspect of it in that we don't really know who to trust as far as the information we're getting. And so we don't know that this Ralph Boner thing is actually the truth. We don't know that there isn't some ma- malevolent force behind uh, Agatha. We don't know all this stuff. And I think that they've, they've laid out all these seeds for us to, you know, kind of pick at and, 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 uh, that are going to germinate and grow and everything. And, and it's going to resonate, uh, more fully in future Marvel projects. Um, but we didn't get quite the payoff we were expecting from this final episode, but I still really enjoyed it. Uh, I'll give it a high taste as well. And I loved the, uh, the vision versus white vision, uh, face off. I thought that was great. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I like it more looking back on it um, now than I did at the time I was watching it, and I need to watch it again because I watched it at midnight on Thursday night. Mm. So uh, I need to, in order to really fully appreciate it, I'm going to need to do a full season rewatch, obviously. But yeah. I, I, I really like what they did with it, and I, and I, I like them kind of stoking the flames of our speculation and then popping that bubble be like haha fuck you uh <laughs> it kind of it kind of tickled me i want to get back to ralph boner here after i get june's thoughts on this i want to definitely i want to dive into this whole ralph boner thing which was not followed up on in either the mid credits or post credits. So it, it is kind of like, is that just what it was or is there more to Ralph Boner than just, I don't know. So June, Boner. yeah, uh, June, what were your thoughts on the, of the finale? So my, the part of the finale that I liked the best was the end was super emotional, like basically her having to say goodbye to Vision again. I mean, when after the big fight and everything, um, and the family, you know, they're standing there in the, you know, of the town square and Vision's like, you'll set it right. 
And then he says, but not for us. And then the look that he and Wanda exchange at that moment, I'm like, oh, shit. But then they go home and then watching them tuck the kids in, like watching what, like knowing at that moment, you're like what Wanda's going to have to go through. Yeah. And she's going to do this like that. That is what helps us be a high taste it. But honestly, the stuff before that, I just, I was kind of, I was disappointed in the finale for a couple different reasons. I mean, I think the Catherine Hahn character, like Jake said, that was one of my biggest issues. She ended up kind of feeling like a one-note typical Marvel villain by the finale, and I wanted much more. Because Catherine Hahn, I think so far, you know, has been – she's been amazing. She's been fantastic in the show, and then just to sort of have her just be, I want all the power. It, that that bothered me. Um, also, I felt like the show – the finale kind of swept under the rug the really huge emotional toll on the townspeople. I mean, the fact that they this whole time have been under Wanda's spell, but they they were being tortured this entire time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, Deborah yeah. Joe Rupp's character flat out says, like, if you aren't going to free us, then just let us die. Like that's that that line actually kind of really hit me. I'm like, that's how horribly tortured they've been under Wanda's spell, and it never gets addressed again. Like, yeah, and then she like frees them, but that's it. And I'm like, oh, she did say that even if she said she was sorry, they would not accept it. Like it would not it wouldn't change anything like she she made her decision and it wouldn't change anything. And so, right. It was kind of I just was like, oh, I was like, Jesus Christ. Um, And so I don't know who Mephisto is like I have no idea or nightmare. So I, I don't. I don't know more like a, that much about the comic book characters and ones that haven't been in the movies yet. So that I didn't really care about. But the issue that I had though with like the Pietro not being Pietro reveal is that it was at the end of the day that was it was just pure trolling. And not not everybody who watches these the Marvel movies, not all of them watch X Men movies. I mean, I'm sure you have some people who have no like my husband was like why he didn't get like why that was such a huge reveal in that episode and then trying to explain to him the whole like Fox Disney thing. And then, uh, yeah, he was like, okay, that this is stupid. I don't want to hear anymore. But for those (laughs) of us, but for those of us who have watched the X-Men movies, like knowing that that is the Fox version of that character. I mean, I felt like they knew what they were doing. Like Disney knew what they were doing by choosing Evan Peters to play Quicksilver and not just like he wasn't even playing. He was he wasn't even playing a different Quicks. He was playing the exact same Quicksilver from the X movies, the snarky, yeah. sarcastic, juvenile Quicksilver. Like that was, you know, he was playing the exact same Quicksilver. Like it wasn't. He didn't differ in that characterization at all. So clearly, like they knew what they, they knew that everyone's mind would be reeling from this, and then for it just to be some random dude who lived on the block. Like I thought, ooh, that's um. That's worse than the Paul Bettany joke, you know, the, the, Paul I agree. Bettany, oh, I want to work with an actor I never worked with before. Like that, that I feel like that's a little much. And so yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. And then also, and I know that the finale, I, I know that the show itself, yes, it is about Wanda and it is about vision and is ultimately the origin story of the Scarlet Witch. Like yes. it's the, and I get that, right? But we have spent a good deal. We, we spent a lot of time with Jimmy Woo, with Darcy. And with Monica. And no payoff like, for Darcy. <laughs> not, none, oh, and not, not even like Jimmy or like, I mean, I guess there was some for Monica, but like, 
you spend all this time with these characters throughout the series. I understand they're not the focus of the show, but you at least need to kind of tie up some stuff with them, you know, in some way. And there, I guess, aside from Monica, there really was no, like, Jimmy never found the, you know, his witness, the guy in witness protection. And, and like, well, and that- those reasons are why I think that it's not the end of this story. I, yeah, I, I I would not be surprised if you know in a in a year or so they announce that they're going to do a Westview limited series where they kind of tie in all this stuff, or they introduce these characters into bigger movies or or stuff like that. Like they understand what they've done; they've laid out all these these threads that need to be picked up, and, and like that's kind of what I was getting from the show was that they're using it as a springboard to to test out what's popular, maybe to test out who's going to click with, with the audiences, and then they'll move forward with those characters. Yeah, I kind of even wanted to see, like, even Darcy, all Darcy, does she, um, you know, she stopped uh, the sword the sword director, right? But, yeah. You know, she's now, that now that she is, like, a bona fide astrophysicist, she, I kind of wanted even just some something small of her, like gathering up her research and everything that she has learned about all the th- like the cosmic energy and everything, you know, around the hex, and then even what you know the information that Sword had that he she found like you know on Haywood's computer. Like I kind of wanted something like to show that she was going to be investigating this. Well, a lot of the thought behind like why she wasn't a big part of the finale was because, you know, the last, you know, few episodes were recorded, filmed, you know, during, you know, COVID. And so maybe she wasn't willing to come back and do a lot for like the finale. Um, yeah. Because of, because of COVID. I don't know though. I don't know though. Um, it actually, no, you're right. That might be. So, um, I, um, Joanna Robinson um, from Vanity Fair, she's got a podcast I'm still watching. And so I was just – I haven't finished it, but I was just listening to their most recent episode. And they interview Emma Caulfield. She's the actress who plays Dottie. Yeah, I, I actually listened to the exact same oh, episode. Oh, my God. But the crazy thing is like Emma Caulfield was like – you know, she started getting scared of the finale because she knew mm-hmm. that she wasn't – like everybody was like, oh, if you're in a cast, you know – Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Emma Caulfield in something. Clearly, she's not just going to be some neighbor in this little town. Like, she's clearly something more. And as, like, the theories kept piling up, she was, like, nervous about it. But she was talking about how filming of this got really, it got really hard because it was in the dead of summer. They had horrible heat waves. And then you had the fires and then windstorms. And so, I mean, it could be that um, Kat Dennings, for whatever reason, wasn't able to and then with the pandemic, wasn't able to shoot any more scenes. So, yeah. Back to Ralph Boner. Um, oh. Here's the thing. Wait, could who has a picture of themselves? Okay, so that picture of him, it was like a picture from him as a teen. It looked like him, like as like a late teen, early twenties. It's a headshot. It's a headshot. He's Wait, an who actor. Has, who has it? So he's supposed to be an actor. Like I'm like, who has just has a random picture of themselves laying around? I oh. have stacks of them. But yeah, but I like you are in theater though. Like there's nothing to suggest that like this guy is in theater. Like I guess it was more like That's what suggests it to me. That's what suggests it 100%. I don't know. He had a headshot. I, yes. I guess I didn't pick on Bob. I didn't pick up on that. I was Here's just, the like, thing though. Let- has a headshot of himself lying around. Like there's nothing to like he did nothing. There's nothing in that apartment 
to indicate that he was like an aspiring actor or something. No, well, the headshot. The apartment itself. <laughs> also. I, no, I agree. I, here's, but here's the thing. Let me bring this up. Is that could this, could Ralph Boner, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna break this down the best way that I can. Could Ralph Boner possibly be the guy that was in witness protection program and that's not his real name? Yes. Also, I want to bring this up that it sounds like a name that this character might have picked for himself because when the name is revealed, he laughed at the last name, even repeated, even repeated the last name. He laughed. He's like Boner. He laughed at his last name. Like it's almost like he chose that last name. But at that time when he laughed and said the name, he was also still enchanted by Agatha's spell. He still had the, the necklace on that was enchanted by her powers. So, and we saw her powers on display this season. Another thing that I wanted to bring up real quick before I forget, and we might get back to this later, is remember early on when the twins were born, she sprayed both of them with that lavender mist, which is basically <clears throat> like her power. Like, so that, that's odd. Um, but, um, I think that there, there is a chance that maybe, that maybe he was the, the person in the witness protection program. That's not his real name. He chose his, he chose the name of Ralph Boner for himself. And, uh, so he could laugh at it every time someone said it. Right. And, and I'm not saying like at the end of the day, he's, he's going to be, you know, the Quicksilver from the Fox universe. I really wish he was. <laughs> I really do. Something did. that that character would do. It is something that character would do though, right? That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like they, he didn't change. I mean, he is the exact same Quicksilver from Days of Future Past. And then the bad one that was right after the the one after the whatever that one was <laughs> the bad one lips. yeah but like oh god I know I texted you Brian I was like if Pietro is if, if Peter is actually like Fox Quicksilver I'm like oh my god like I would love I would have loved to get a you know Sweet Dreams or Time in a Bottle sequence mm-hmm. in the finale I was like oh come on give me give me just give me another one of those just one more that would have uh, been. That would have been a fist pumping yeah. moment for fans of those movies. It really yes. would have been. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree with you. So we'll find. I think Evan Peters Quicksilver really got a great moment, even before the Ralph Boner stuff. It almost seemed like a waste to use the character. Like he was the best part of those two X Men movies, but he never really had that like scene defining moment in this series. Mm-mm. Like it. It was never. It was cool that he showed up. Yes. Was I excited at the possibilities? Yes. From then on, nothing really happened with the character that I was ever, like, fist-pumping or cracking up. Like, they, they really underutilized the actor and the character, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I agree. I well, agree. same with Emma Caulfield. I feel like, okay, so that's this is what... I feel like you're giving Emma Caulfield way too much credit here. I, I love Emma Caulfield, <laughs> but... I mean, I do, Lord. but I, I guess I just feel like... I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I thought she was going to play a bigger role and... No, everyone did. Everyone did. She had refused to do, uh, and I believe it was because of her Marvel handlers. She had refused to do a couple of interviews. One I know one was for uh, Kevin Smith's Fat Man Beyond, and then 
like you said, with Joanna Robinson, she was supposed to interview her a couple weeks ago. And those interviews, those interviews did not happen at that time. They said, you're going to have to wait to talk to her until after the finale. And that led, that was just another thing that led people to believe that there was something bigger going on with this character. And, 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 and the thing that I kept thinking to myself is like all like the, the Wizard of Oz imagery that we keep seeing in these episodes. Yes. You know, and, and we saw it again in this episode with like the, the boots underneath the car and it looked like the house, you know, that had landed on the Wicked Witch. And I kept thinking like, okay, we know we had a good witch and a bad witch in the Wizard of Oz. Maybe, maybe Dottie's the good witch, you know? So maybe she's part of like, you know, she was one of these, Sal- these Salem witches that like survived. And, uh, but Agatha, you know, put her under the spell. None of that happened. None of that happened. And, and so it, it was kind of a huge kind of like let down that nothing happened with her character. I agree with you, June. I thought that there was more. And it's not just because of stuff in the story. It was basically because of like these interviews not going through. Yes. You know, exactly. It leads she you to believe. She wasn't even able to tell people she was in the show well, until after the second episode like she wasn't even able to like they were like don't even she was like i can't even do like a shout out like hey wandavision looks really cool they were like no just don't like just don't mention the show like they didn't want anyone to know that she was in this until she actually until episode two one of the biggest things that happened in this episode is like as you know wanda and agatha are talking before they kind of battle each other agatha says to her that it's she says, quote, it's your destiny to destroy the world. And at the end of this episode, we see Wanda in the astral plane reading the dark hold. And I mean, you know, like that book, it's, you know, that's that this is dark chaos magic. Like, is this good? Like, I think, and I've even said this in previous episodes, like, we're not getting another Jean Grey, you know, Dark Phoenix movie. Could they be doing this, like, end of the world kind of, like, you know, movie uh, going forward with, with the Scarlet Witch here? And it sounds like they're definitely doing that. Agatha says it's your destiny to destroy the world. This is not going away. This is part of the Darkhold. This is part of this character. It's her destiny to destroy the world. Is that where this is leading in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness? Or is, okay, or is Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness, basically like Doctor Strange trying to track down Wanda going through the different multiverses? Because now she's in the astral plane at the end of the episode, you know, in the post credit scene, she hears the voices of Billy and Tommy and help mom, help, help us. We saw a previous commercial in an episode for Nexius, which is, uh, you know, if we're still to believe that, you know, she's this Nexus being that can, you know, control uh, the, you know, all the multiverse that she's the prime in our, in any universe, but she can basically bounce between universe to universe uh, are we to believe that she's going to go into the multiverse, open up the multiverse, and then Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is Doctor Strange trying to maybe track her down as she's trying to pull her children out of the multiverse? I mean, I, I'm, I'm throwing it out there. I don't know. What are you guys' thoughts? I think that she will be a villain in 
Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, but not the ultimate villain. I think she'll be like the the, the initial um, reason for him to you know start the movie basically, and eventually by the end of it he'll have convinced her to you know come back to the light or whatever, and then they're they're going to tackle whatever be, dimensional being that that she's encountered along her travels. I don't hmm. think she'll be the villain villain. Like I don't think and I don't and I hope they don't actually So for me at the end of this, I was it wasn't that I was not scared of Wanda. I was actually scared for her. And it was because they were able to garner enough empathy for Wanda herself like when she sees the town people when um and I get the raises, you know, her mind control spell over them and they come to their full selves. It, she didn't know that they were being tortured. Like she wasn't aware of what they were going through. And, you know, she realizes she can't keep people there. And, you know, she's a, and then, you know, she is also everything that she's gone through. And the fact that the hex was created out of her own grief, they, they there's enough empathy there where like, I didn't, I was not, I was not fearful of her. I just, but I actually do fear for her. Like I'm like worried about her now. Jake, I know you got thoughts on, on all this. What's going on? I do think they're going to go forward and I don't think she's going to be a main, super main player in Doctor Strange, but we obviously know that they've built this as, you know, a, somewhat of a prequel to what's going on in Doctor Strange. So I, I think it will be touched upon, but I, I think he's going to have his own kind of thing going on. It's just going to be continued just a little bit. I could. What see if he's just build- following the breadcrumbs of like what she's done in the multiverse? Like he's never. We don't get like a scene of him and her together until like maybe the end of the movie. Like it's all Doctor Strange trying to, you know, like track her down through the multiverse, which. You know, and this will be, this will be kind of like Doctor Strange's, you know, we've seen Doctor Strange, like in the astral plane, you know, kind of like he, he can see like what, you know, like this is the, this is the one, the one thing that, this is the one way that we beat Thanos. But have we seen Doctor Strange actually travel to the multiverse and, Maybe it's just like Doctor Strange tracking her down, following her breadcrumbs from different multiverse to different multiverse. I mean, they could have a lot of fun with this, Jake. Like we could go into Doctor Strange could be like an ensemble thing where we see like different versions of Thor, different versions of, you know, whatever. I mean, you know, we know Chris Evans is going to be doing more appearances and I'm not saying like this is going to happen, but, you know, we could see like a different cap. We could see the Hydra cap in the Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. And maybe I'm getting a little crazy with this theory right now, but... Um, I do think a major movie is, will sorry. happen involving Scarlet Witch as kind of the villain of the movie going forward. I could possibly see the next actual Avengers movie having to deal with them confronting Scarlet Witch. Or having to, like, have... Like, here's the thing, like... When you have a character that powerful, and we've seen this in DC Comics where, you know, Batman has basically been like, you know, I've been keeping tabs on all these other superheroes and how to take them down because, 
you just never know. Like, what if Superman just fucking flips out one day? Like, you know, like, and, and, and they, we might have a meeting of the minds here with like the Avengers. Like, what if, you know, what if Scarlet, you know, like it's her destiny. I'm familiar, you know, Dr. Strange, hopefully being familiar with the Darkhold, realize that like, this is her destiny. Like, yeah, we might have to take down Scarlet Witch. We, you know, it might be one of those things where they don't know if this prophecy is something that they're going to have to act on. Like she might be, she, yeah, she might be that powerful. Like you're always kind of worried about like a Superman type of character. Like what if Superman just fucking flipped out? Like the injustice storyline, you know, like I like that a lot. And the paradox of her becoming a villain could be her finding out that those conversations are happening in the first place. You know, that could be the thing that pushes her, to be the antagonist is knowing the other characters are talking about what they would do if, you know, she would have that much power or it would turn bad. And think about a mother lioness protecting her cubs. And then we saw that in this episode, man, you know, she'd do anything to protect those children. And it's like, now we've got those children calling out to her in another, what I'm guessing, what I'm thinking is another multiverse. Like they're communicating to her because it's definitely, it doesn't seem like it's like, you know, the, we saw the kids, we didn't see them, but we know that they went away in what version of Westview. So now, like, they exist on another plane. And, yeah. <sighs> yeah. Hopefully they don't do something predictable, like she does go bad guy, and then that's when White Vision shows back up, and White Vision talking to her, like, convinces her to step down. Hopefully it's a little bit more nuanced than that what happens with white vision now here's the where'd he go (laughs) well that's the thing that's another question but here's the thing with white vision the way that sword built him was to basically destroy vision and vision tells him you know explains like the ship of theseus which is like it's like it's a ship that's rotting and as it's rotting, they take out the old pieces of the ship and they replace it. And so by the end of the day, is it the same ship? And like, it really makes, it really taps into the logical part of, um, of the old vision and makes him think that they're both vision. And his goal was to destroy vision. Is this vision, are we meant to believe that this, this, this vision is going to destroy himself or, you know what I mean? I mean, I don't, what's going to happen? I think he vision and the error vision. <laughs> Hold on guys. We we're both talking at the same time. What, what's that Jake? I, I think at that point, once he like gets all the information and all the memories back, I don't think he has that same like prime directive anymore to kill himself. I, yeah, I don't think that like the next time we see White Vision, it's just going to be him just detonating himself or you know <laughs> taking himself offline. They're definitely going to be <laughs> a montage of different ways he kills himself, tying himself uh... in front of trains. Honestly, I think I think I think Twitter is going to take down this new Vision hashtag Vision so white. Oh God! <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that was bad. Um, but yeah, I. I, w- with white vision going forward, I still don't think, I think it, I don't think it's the same vision, Jake. I think it's, it is a version of vision, but it's not the exact same vision that she fell in love with, even with the memories being re-implanted. 
I don't think that there's going to be like a future relationship between Wanda and this vision. Oh, interesting. I, I assumed there would a hundred percent be one, but what about, um, okay. So, you know, in, in infinity war, they were, t- Shuri was using her genius, um, to take the mind stone out of, uh, vision, but I guess creating a replica. So vision would so vision could still stay alive. So essentially, right. Like what she was creating was kind of like vision's brain. Like, I, I mean, that she, that's still there, right? In Wakanda somewhere, right? Like, she has that. She didn't finish, though. I thought she was, like, just about, like, she was just about finished. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, if she was finished, she would have, they would have been able to, like, remove the Mind Stone and he would have been, you know. But she's got enough of that data, like, yeah, it all goes I mean, back though. It all goes for me. It just go, all goes back to like his wishes. Like you know, he died. He wants to be buried, and that's it. And you know, but what do you do? What do you do now with this new vision that you know is that now has like the memories of vision, but isn't one hundred percent vision? Like I think this vision, this new vision, is going to find his own way and figure out like what the what he wants to do going forward like now that he's not under the control of sword anymore like that's the big question here is like what you know what is this new vision going to do this new vision i i just can't see him getting back into a relationship with wanda and everything working out that way with this whole season dealing with like her grief and 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 basically you know putting that putting that relationship to bed and getting over it. I, it just seems that just seems, ah, uh, it just seems terrible if they're just like, oh, okay, yeah, he's back. <laughs> so I mean, technically, <laughs> I agree. That's kind of why I didn't like it. I mean, technically the white vision is vision. I mean, it, it's all the pieces of the original vision minus the mind stone, right? Minus the mind stone. Yeah. And, 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 and the memories have now been implanted from, the old vision that was basically created just from the powers of the mind stone. But that, even that vision didn't have all the memories of the original vision. Yes. But when we saw the playback, Mm -hmm. we saw the, the mind stone getting ripped out by Thanos. We saw them falling in love. So somewhere along the lines (laughs) yeah somewhere along the line like those 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 memories were implanted into this into the old vision again (laughs) sure uh i i am agree i'm in agreement i don't think that this white vision will have a romantic relationship with wanda again um i i am curious as to where he went though um, yeah, I kind of thought that there's a few different possibilities. One is he went to Avengers headquarters um, to try and you know get some answers. Uh, another would be that he may have gone to Sokovia, where he's such in, like such formative memories were made. Um, what about Wakanda? Oh, no. What about Wakanda? Like we Wakanda's another option. Yeah. yeah, we've seen, you know, we saw like Bucky when Bucky was having problems with like, you know, his personality and like all the, you know, like the the words that would activate Bucky as a winter soldier, you know, from Hydra. And, uh, you know, he had to go to Wakanda to get uh, 
to get back to I, normal. To get only to that, washed. Not only that, but that's also where he died. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. Where the Mind Stone was ripped out, so those were would go be back where to his go, last memories were. Yeah, go back to the place where he died. Yeah, yeah. I like that a lot. I really like that a lot. Another, I guess, another th- option maybe is to go up out into outer space with Monica Rambo and hang out with Nick Fury. Yeah, yeah. I like the Wakanda stuff a lot more though. It's more emotionally uh, viable, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, like, I think you're talking about you know, how valuable he was to sword three billion dollars worth of, vi- <laughs> of vibranium. And, uh, maybe the only place that can protect him at this point, or maybe even a source of vibranium. It's a, yeah, where you get vibranium. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, cause he can't, he can't, he can't go back to Tony. Ultron's dead. For as much mu- for as much as people wanted to think that Hayward was Ultron, that was a rumor that was out there. <laughs> oh, oh God! <laughs> so both of his daddies are dead. Yeah, so he's got to go to the one place that or where his last memories were formed. Right, where he he because he would obviously remember the procedure that Sherry was doing on him before he got the Mind Stone removed. So right. maybe he's gone there to try and talk to her maybe that's part of what black panther 2 will be about uh i think black panther 2 if anything we got the post credit scene of well it wasn't even in black panther but the post credit scene of uh bucky and wakanda we might get a post credit scene of like where vision is like that might be the next time we see vision is in a post credit scene of a movie whatever movie that may be yeah you know who knows? I mean, maybe Falcon and Winter Soldier. I was just thinking that, like, yeah. maybe, maybe Falcon and Winter Soldier can kind of tie this in, you know? Like, we know that Bucky has, um, you know, connections to Wakanda. Yeah. And like, as we talked about previously, Falcon Winter Soldier was supposed to have come out first. Yes. But because they, they changed up the release schedule of everything, um, Maybe they've reshot some stuff that we don't know about. I mean, mm. they've they've been pretty good about being secretive. It seems like at, over at Disney. Yeah, yeah. I wonder. I wonder what time. Like you know, this all of the stuff in Wandavision happens. I imagine like what a couple of days after Stark's funeral. Um, a couple so, of weeks, I think. Well, it was anywhere from nine to fourteen days is when. Within the month, like within a month of Stark's funeral, essentially. So I'm wondering, like, when uh, Falcon Winter Soldier, like, at what point in time is that? What time period it takes? Yeah, like how far? I guess how much further out from the big battle and Tony dying? Like, how far out are we then? Can we look that up? I mean, is that on Google? I mean, can I just let me find this out? I don't think I don't think you know. I don't think they're going to tell us that yet. I think we won't know until we watch the the thing. Well, one thing that I'm being secretive with the time there. One thing I'm wondering is is uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier going to be a prequel like Black Widow is is going to be? Is it going to take place directly after Civil War instead of after the snap? Let's see here. I. Well, I honestly and what's weird about um Black Widow is like it it does take place, you know, in between you know, Civil War and Infinity War, right? But yeah. but 
Anthony Bresnikin from Entertainment Weekly says that he's been hearing that it has major ramifications on the future future of Marvel. And I don't know what that means, but that's what I, he's saying. Um, I, I every single that one be, has that. Well, that's <laughs> and, and, and that's every that for, that's every comic book that comes out too from Marvel. Like it's it's going to yeah. change the the landscape. It's gonna change everything. It's going to change everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess on the ramification. I just thought it would be Florence Pugh just being coming the new Black Widow. Well, sure. Yeah, we can all come to that conclusion that she's going to take over the mantle. I just kind of felt like that's what that means. Like the future ramifications. We're getting a new Black Widow. Well, there's always there's post credit scenes and there's here's the thing we don't know and uh, like as far as like the characters that we're going to see in the Bla- in the Black Widow. We don't know which of those characters, like when the snap happened, like were some of them taken, you know, we, we don't know any of that. Like, could we see still scenes of, could we still be seeing scenes of people like being taken away from the snap, from Thanos' snap, even in like the black, in the Black Widow movie? I, I think that's a high possibility of, mm-hmm. you know, the very, the, like a, a post, a mid credits or a post credits scene of the major characters we've come to love in the Black Widow movie. I would happen to think snapped. that he'd, well, we might see him, we might, instead of seeing them being snapped, seeing them come back. Mm. Seeing them come back, like. Like a time jump within the movie? Yeah, yeah. Like we get to a post credit scene and like all of a sudden Florence Pugh's character is is back into the universe now and that's the I reason that a lot that's and the, that makes sense of her picking up the mantle of black widow because she hasn't been yeah. around for five years right and, all, and black widow's dead now so right yep. right she, she's the only option right yeah the yeah. official synopsis for falcon and the winter soldier begins saying directly following the events of avengers endgame Okay, oh, so okay. we're well. We're honestly, we're still in the past. Then we're still in the past. We're right around the same time of uh, Wandavision. The farthest we've gone forward in the timeline has been Spider-Man: Far From Home, which is eight months after the blip when people come back. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So we're still in the past, technically, even with even with the Falcon and Winter <laughs> so Soldier. It's our future, and I think we have to stay. <laughs> yeah. I think we have to stay in the past until like we start getting into this multiverse stuff. Because as far as we know, Wanda has not opened up the multiverse next, you know, uh, uh, yet. Because because you know, with her, if if she is the Nexus being, and we're going into the multiverse, the multiverse hasn't officially been been opened yet and it didn't open in wandavision so everything that we doctor strange it's got to be doctor strange in the multiverse of madness which i have to think that has to take place post far from home right i agree right yes okay how how do i wonder how eternals fits into all this well isn't it set like thousands of years in the past didn't we talk about this before we we might but i know that the eternals like as far as i know i think that there's a part of the eternals where we're gonna see these characters living in modern day new york city and just like living these lives right yeah and do they get snapped or do they avoid it because they are older elder beings Mm. yeah yeah, that's a good question. I have no idea. Dude. <laughs> that's a good question. It's a really so good question. So many questions and so few answers. It's a really good question. It's a really good question. Um, 
I did love uh, in this in this finale. I absolutely loved. I'm going to read an email here in a second, but I did love just the two visions together talking, and oh, yeah. um, just seeing both visions on screen together. For as much as like that troll was kind of funny, on the flip side, <laughs> on the flip side, I kind of hate it. <laughs> it's like, oh, you son of a bitch! But yeah, like, yeah. all the memes about uh, Paul Bettany afterwards, you know, like. You saw him in a, in a Knight's Tale. Did you really expect him to not kind of be that guy anyway? Yeah. Oh, I love a Knight's Tale. <laughs> Knight's Tale is such a fun movie. It is. It's, oh, it's yeah. better now than it, than I thought it was when it came out. Oh, I loved it. You had to stick up your butt when it came out? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, very pretentious. Um, <laughs> but... I, it's one of those movies that gets better with age and, and rewatch and, and just appreciating all Heath, of the talent that was involved in it. Heath Ledger. And you look at like yeah, Heath Ledger, yeah. Uh, Paul Bettany, uh, Rock and Queen Tudy. soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it, it's a kind of a timeless movie. Uh, looking back on it, at the time it felt it was very of the moment, but in retrospect, it, it's definitely shot up there as far as my enjoyment of it goes. All right. Let's get back to a WandaVision tale here. I got a, I, I, <laughs> hold on. I got, I got an email here. It's from Javante Evans. Uh, hello leftovers. The subject is it. The subject for this one was WandaVision underwhelming. And it goes, hello leftovers to clarify, because I know you were wondering, yes, this is the same Javante who critiqued your pronunciation of actress Zendaya. This guy. Do you think? Do you think that? If- <laughs> this guy. If someone makes, if someone makes a Venn diagram of Zendaya, would you call it a Zen diagram? <laughs> Zen nice. Diagram. I mean, if there's circles in it, then yes. Yes. Zen- <laughs> I have no malicious intent with this email. LOL. Just excited about WandaVision. And he only gives two exclamation points there, Jake. <gasps> Fucking Javante. That's on purpose. You, you guys totally said yeah. two exclamation points is a slap in the face. Fucking Javante, you son of a bitch. No malicious intent. I declare this is war sir um after watching the (laughs) after watching the finale of wandavision i immediately was pleased with the ending i enjoyed the series from the very first episode and while i love listening to all the internet's wildest theories about what's happening week to week i really enjoyed the kind of bubble atmosphere the series set for the protagonist at the end of the day it felt like a series that was about wanda and vision (laughs) hence the name right javante Yeah. Way to connect the dots there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Poindexter, for that. I ain't fucking with you. I'm fucking with you, Javante. I feel the same way about the, uh, I'll feel the same way about the Falcon and Winter Soldier show. At the end of the day, it was a show about Falcon and Winter Soldier, you know? I kind of want to. So smart, you guys. So smart. I kind of want to mispronounce Javante's name. (laughs) Just, just. Javante. Javante? Yeah. Javante. Um. (laughs) 
that was that was terrible. Uh, I was perfectly happy with this show focusing on them and not trying to cram ten different MCU plot points into a fifty minute finale. Oh yeah, I want to point out that like our our source on Reddit was correct about that fifty minute finale. They were right. I'd say they were right about the forty seven minute one. They said it was uh, they said it was forty seven minutes and it turned out to be forty six minutes and change for the penultimate. And then they exact same person said it was going to be fifty minutes for the last one. They were totally right. So. Um, not gonna lie, it was funny seeing how Marvel trolled us with a boner joke with Evan Peters. Unless y'all have some other theories on that, then I'm all ears. We talked about that. Looking forward to hearing y'all's review on the finale and the series as a whole. P.S. What do you guys think about Sword getting Vision's body in the first place? I still find it really crazy that the heroes at the end of Infinity War, who fought so hard to protect Vision from Thanos, would just let a government entity take his body from Wakanda of all places. Cap for sure wouldn't let the government just take his body for who knows what reasons. Would love to hear y'all's thoughts on this as well. Could we get a flashback scene of like sword, you know, showing up to the scene after the battle and, and taking the body? I mean, would that, what if it was a scroll that was disguised as one of the major heroes? Okay. Okay. We're, we know we're getting secret invasion. Could this be a, something that we see in secret invasion? Hmm. I don't think we'll see it in Secret Invasion. I, I feel like that was just to – it's going to continue Monica's storyline, obviously, but I don't think it will continue much else. And also, who is her mother? I, I just, the one from Captain Maria. Marvel. I can, Maria. I mean, at the time, she was director of S.W.O.R.D. So, you know, Before she – Before the snap. Then again, they didn't know Captain Marvel, though. So it's not like they would have that association. Never mind. Sorry. Wrong. They would, they didn't know about her yet. So. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying. To, it gets confusing the timeline. When There's a lot people, of threads. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I just, I figured that since she was director of Sword at the time, like they would have been like, oh yeah, we trust you because you're an ally of Captain Marvel. Except that's not a thing. So yeah. How did how did Sword or anyone get into Wakanda to take this? Like Wakanda, like we saw at, or was Wakanda so defenseless at this point because of what was going on at Endgame that it really made it kind of like easy pickings for sword to get the body out of there because like, yeah, the shield was done. Yeah. Like the, the big shell shield thing that they had was gone. Right. right? And like, so they could get in there without like going through security checkpoints or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. Like, like, is that something that they're they're going to tie up in another series, though? Or are they just going to just be like, okay, this is something we don't need to address. Fuck it. We don't need to address I don't think this. it is something that needs to be addressed. I mean, it, they got the body. That's all that matters to me. How they got it, <laughs> it seems like the least fascinating like thing we could explore in the MCU right now. Oh, we could do like a whole Mission Impossible style uh, movie in the MCU about how they stole Vision's body. <laughs> I mean, sword in general is kind of one of the least fascinating things in the MCU going for me yeah. right now. It's really Same. no different than Shield. And Hayward was just a big bust. It's just more corruption within government units within the MCU. And why even disband Shield if we're just going to do the same exact thing with Sword? Which is quite a shame because Sword is one of my favorite organizations in the actual comic books. Could they do more with Sword? With Monica Rambeau now going up into into space, I mean, she, we we know that she yes. is an astronaut. We know, and 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 the scroll that talks to her at the end of the episode says that he wants to meet you. He meaning probably either Talos or Nick Fury. I think it's Nick Fury. 
She's already or met is Talos. It, is it Talos as Nick Fury? Who met Talos? When she was Monica. Oh, when she, she was a little him? girl. Yeah, yeah, so it's not like, yeah, so she's already met him. She knows him. Um, I, I thought it was Samuel Jackson. Yeah, I wondered if the old friend that she was talking about was Talos and not on the nose Captain Marvel. Possibly, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I don't think that it was Captain Marvel, the old friend that she was talking about. She's She's got beef with Captain Marvel. She wouldn't have smiled. Yeah. And she, yeah, I and, think it was Talos, honestly. Okay, so yeah, everybody's saying it's Victor Von Doom. Everybody's saying it's Reed Richards. <laughs> what? Yeah, no, that's some wishful fucking thinking. Didn't that's they just see the one division finale? I know exactly. None of that. There's no Mephisto. None of that. Got another email here. Uh, this one comes from Kevin Shanks, who was on last week. Hey there. Just wondered if you could offer a comment on this. The one thing I still don't understand about WandaVision as an entire series is that Doctor Strange should be aware of all this, correct? I mean, if you go back to Thor Ragnarok, Strange intercepted Loki, Thor pretty quickly, almost instantaneously when they visited Earth. So why didn't Strange make a cameo appearance at the least? I mean, he is the protector of Earth against magical threats, and you had some pretty large magical threats on full display here. Or do you think they'll just they'll use Doctor Strange uh, to ex- in the multiverse of madness to explain why the Sorcerer Supreme didn't or couldn't make an appearance in WandaVision? Maybe he was tied up somewhere else. It's either that I think he was definitely either tied up by something with something else, or it was Agatha all along, right? <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's very possible. She was shielding like, it, yeah. I think the answer is really simple. I, I, Doctor Strange kind of can see all these different timelines and know all these different cause and effect situations. Maybe he knew that showing up during this time wouldn't actually solve anything and potentially make things worse. Maybe he saw those possibilities uh, and those outcomes already. Yeah, like in order like for that. in order for you know Scarlet Witch to do this journey to grieve fully. He just can't show up and fix everything. Exactly. Like his, his intervening could have made things worse and he could have actually seen that that was the case. So therefore he didn't intervene. But now with her seeking out knowledge, reading the dark hold, this might make him not really know what she's up to. And that what, that's what makes the next movie so interesting. Yeah, exactly. gets him off the sidelines that way. Yeah, like now he, now he, now he's got his work cut out for him in the next movie. Like he was observing this whole thing happening, right? Right. He was keep, keeping track of it, making sure it didn't get out of hand, and now it's gotten out of hand, and so he has to actually step in and do something about it uh, rather than just watching it play out. Right. Yeah. Or maybe he was just at a spa because he was trying to recover from the events <laughs> of. The big battle. I'm just saying. I mean, guys <laughs> he needed need some, some personal time. time to, he needed some me time. <laughs> He's in a seaweed wrap. <laughs> Come on. Uh, he was just treating himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hate you guys. Let's <laughs> 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 uh, see what we got. Oh, oh, this is funny. Let's read. I want to read some of the emails that came out before the finale. This one comes from Jerry. Theory before episode nine of WandaVision. Let's see how correct Jerry was here. Thanks for reading my email last show. Love the joke about the title of the email. Laughed my ass off. Oh yeah, that was the the white white vision title. 
my theory, Dottie is Clea. <laughs> Clea is working with Dormammu. They need Wanda's power to open the dark dimension. Agatha is trying to warn Wanda of the danger before Clea stops her. Wanda is kidnapped <laughs> as Doctor Strange shows up in this end credit scene. And that comes from Jerry. Jerry, wow. Wow. So wrong. Wow. You, you sound like me <laughs> spouting Mephisto every episode. <laughs> By the way, I am so glad I was vind- vindicated about. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. You smug son of a bitch. I, I the, the, whole, the whole, the whole episode, I was just like, oh, fuck. I got to talk to Neil about this. Ah, fuck. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, no Mephisto, no Mephisto, no Mephisto. <laughs> that whole episode. Uh. And, and uh, check out these theories. This came from Murphy's Multiverse. These are finale spoilers from Mur- Murphy's Multiverse. Benedict Cumberbatch, Doctor Strange, is reportedly set to appear in all three projects of the Multiverse trilogy. WandaVision, <laughs> Spider-Man, No Way Home, and Doctor Strange. Of course he's reported to appear in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. That's probably the only thing you got right there, Murphy. So. Is this Charles Murphy? Charles Murphy. Eddie Murphy's brother? (laughs) No, not Charlie Murphy. He's he's dead. He passed away. (laughs) It could be the multiverse version. (laughs) (laughs) So is he going to come back as white Charlie Murphy? (laughs) That's why his name is a little bit different. It's Charles Murphy. (laughs) There's a Reddit personality that's Charles Murphy. It might be. Spouting a bunch of vision, like, uh, not visions, but theories. Yeah, this is, well, this is the dude from Murphy's Multiverse, the website, so if it's Charles Murphy, then yeah, it's the same guy. I don't know. I, 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 I need to be more, I, I'm very, I'm very educated when it comes to certain Murphys, like Murphy Brown. <laughs> Also, RoboCop's partner, Murphy. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, Neil, you weren't expecting that one, were you? Nope. No, that was a, that was a deep cut. That was a pull, wasn't it, sir? (laughs) Very, very good pull. Mm hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, so, yeah, that's, that's WandaVision. I don't know. Any final thoughts on the old WandaVision? Yeah, it was a fun ride. I mean, I, I'm glad that this ended up getting to be the first Disney Plus MCU series. I, I think this played out a lot more fun than Falcon and Winter Soldier will. Not that that's going to be bad, but I don't think it's going to have the kind of rampant speculation topics that went on here. Oh, God, no. Yeah, it, it, it was definitely a fun ride, and um, I do think it has maybe possibly done a disservice to Falcon Winter Soldier going forward in that uh, it, it has provided all the speculation and stuff. Um, as I said earlier, uh, it's very, very similar to me watching as, as watching Lost live. Um, that kind of the water cooler talk and, and all that, all that kind of extra outside stuff. Um, but the story itself, I think, was very, very self-contained, and it was beautifully done 
uh, as an exploration of this character's grief and exploring a character that we have only seen as kind of a side yes. character throughout this, the, the movie series. And now we actually know her way better. And yeah. it really showed Elizabeth Olsen in a great light. I mean, I knew Paul Bettany could do comedy. Uh, as we talked about earlier in Knight's Tale, he's very, very good at comedy. And it showed that Elizabeth Olsen also has those chops. And this was kind of a coming out party for me. Uh, for her as an actor um, to really show a very a varied range of of stuff and, and it was very effective in um, not only as an actor but as as a character expanding upon the possibilities going forward yeah this is like one of our biggest complaints jake was like the fact that we didn't get to see like the romance between uh you know wanda and vision uh you know in previous movies and i think this really delivered on that for us you know and fans oh oh yeah i mean not only that but just wanda in general was kind of just really lacking in any character development at all I mean, not that she wasn't cool in the previous movies, but this really finally opened her up. Oh, and now she's earned whatever story arc they got for her going forward. She's totally earned it, and we're all invested. Plus, that costume is fantastic. Love that. Oh, the new costume. Oh, my God. Yes, I absolutely love it. I think it's fan. I love that new costume. I was so happy to see that. I was kind of mad on the costume. It had like a Brian Singer X-Men vibe to it that I wasn't the biggest fan of. Oh, it just looked like you said you think it looks like Magneto, don't you? Yeah, I, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't like it very much. I thought the headpiece was good, but everything below the headpiece was a little meh for me. I'm looking forward to the Disney Plus series Ralph Boner coming out in 2023. <laughs> the old Ralph Boner TV show. Guys, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. Uh, with Good Pop, Bad Pop. We're back, and uh, this is uh, the part of the show where we do good pop, bad pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with good pop, bad pop. Good pop, bad pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. Hey, Jake, the guy that recorded that, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't even know if he's alive, dude. That could be a dead guy. 
<laughs> I like that. I like that. You asked this before. You've actually questioned whether or not he's alive. Before. I don't know. I, I didn't. I didn't even realize I did that. But the guy could be. <laughs> he could be dead, dude. I do that when I watch old sporting events. I'm like, I bet half the people in this audience are dead now. Yeah, man. I do that when I watch a lot of TV. Like, I'll watch something and I'll be like, are they dead? And I'll look them up on IMDb. Oh, I'm I'm watching a dead man right now. Thank you for that wonderful performance, dead guy. People could be listening to this episode like 20 years from now. I mean, you could be both dead. Very true. I could die before the end of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Die on air. What a way to go. Oh, my God. Finally, we might be number one on the iTunes charts, Neil, if I die (laughs) during the episode, man. That would go viral. I got to be on it. Oh, I can't. I, I would love to read those iTunes reviews. <laughs> can't believe they got somebody to fucking die. Oh, I know. I know. I was listening. The dude died. He. I didn't believe it, but he fucking died. <laughs> the people who you, the people who had left one stars are now going to leave five stars. I'm kidding. And the one guy on the show, fucking Neil, made a joke like, "Oh, did Brian die?" And like, he died. <laughs> 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 Junior Jake just laughs the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh yeah, um still watching American God season 3. I was two episodes behind. I got caught up. And uh listen to this, Jake. Listen to this bit of casting. So, I didn't think Crispin Glover was going to come back. They Mr. World had been replaced by a black actress, and then all of a sudden Crispin Glover comes back a couple episodes ago. And then comes back as the black actress, and then Mr. World now is none other than Danny Trejo. Whoa. (laughs) I'm not kidding you. Fantastic. It's fucking great. This season, I'm telling you, this is a return to form. Season three has just been fantastic. I am a I am back. I am back on board with American Gods, and that makes me really worried that we're not going to get a season four. It really. I, I love. I love season one a lot, and I fell off after the second episode of season two. Just kind of stopped caring about it. So it's, yeah. it's good to hear that it's back back on track and is steaming forward with full speed. Ian McShane is fantastic. I mean, this season has just been, I, I have Ricky Whittle's great. I, I, I love season three. It is back on track and I, it really feels like even with the loss of Orlando Jones, not being in season three, I still am loving season three. It is just so bizarre and so much fun. So if you're not watching American gods or you like dropped off in season two, like I did, do go through and just finish season two if you want to, or you can just start with season three or just, you know, like read a, read a Wikipedia entry about season two and then start with season three. So it isn't really, there's nothing really from season two that's carrying over that we need to be super aware about. When you watch the first episode of season three, most of like the previously on stuff that they show you is from season one. It's like they knew. Huh. 
that season two, I would say watch the penultimate episode of season two and then the finale of season two and then just jump right into season three because something, okay. something major happens in the penultimate episode that I think people would be shocked. They do cover it in season three, but I think you need to watch season two in order to really kind of appreciate like what happened there. But man, I, I, I fucking Tupperware season three. It is absolutely fantastic. Um, nice. I want, I went to the theater yesterday. Uh, it's been over a month since I've been to the theater, but I wanted to watch the new movie Chaos Walking. Uh, I saw this in IMAX, so I dropped the 15 bucks to watch this in IMAX. Uh, it's uh, Chaos Walking with uh, Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley in the not-too-distant future. Anytime I hear that, Jake, I think of the theme song from uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000. <laughs> yeah, it's such a cliche. In the not-so-distant future, next Sunday, A.D., <laughs> There was a guy named Joel. Not too different from you and me. I love it. Um, in the not too distant future, Todd Hewitt discovers Viola, a mysterious girl who crash lands on his planet where all the women have disappeared and the men are afflicted by the noise, a force that pulls, uh, the, a force that puts all their thoughts on display. In this dangerous landscape, Viola's life is threatened and as Todd vows to protect her, he will have to discover his inner, his own inner power and unlock the planet's dark secrets. Uh, it's a dystopian action film. It's directed by Doug Lyman from a screenplay by Patrick Ness and Christopher Ford. It is based on the sci-fi trilogy Chaos Walking, adapting its first book, 2008's The Knife of Never Letting Go by Ness. The film, uh, like I said, stars Daisy Ridley and Tom Holland alongside Mads Mikkelsen, Demian Bashir, Cynthia Erivo, Nick Jonas, and David Oyelowo. And this has been beat up in the, um, on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes has this, last I checked yesterday, I haven't checked today, it may, may have gone up or down, but, uh, yesterday it was at a 26% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oof. The audience score was, higher I, I think it was a fresh rating possibly maybe a 60 percent I, I can't remember but um yeah the critics 2472 right now 2472 so yeah it's very it's one of those divisive movies where like the critics are hating it the audience is liking it and uh i you know what it's one of those where it's like is this gonna is this, is this enough of a detractor for me not to go see this in the theater that the critics are hating it or should I fucking, you know, should I just basically be like, you know, I like Tom Holland. I like Daisy Ridley. I like David Oyelowo. I love Mads Mikkelsen. Should I go to the theater and watch this one and decide for myself? And, uh, you know, critics are saying like, this is just like one of these YA novels that didn't work and blah, 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 blah. Um, you've got Tom Holland in this, in this world. It's, it's the new world. So, um, Earth, I don't know what happened. Maybe it was like global warming or something like they couldn't live on Earth anymore. So they had settlers on this new world. And um, this new world, once you get into the atmosphere, it has this effect on the male population where it's called the noise. And you can actually hear men's thoughts. So it's like that movie like 
what women want or what men want, you know, like you can hear, he, he, you could, and, but it gives off like this energy. You actually, <laughs> you, you actually see like this fucking like weird energy coming off the heads of like these men and you hear their thoughts. It's very, and I think like, like to see this in the theater was, was like a good experience for me as far as like that aspect of it. Like, you know, you get to hear all these inner thoughts of like, you know, Tom Holland and all these other characters. Some people can control the noise better than others. Like Mads Mikkelsen, he plays the mayor of Prentice Town, which is like, you know, this town, there are no women alive. They, they, there's these aliens on the planet. They're natives, but they call them aliens, even though that they're natives. And they're called the Spackle, I believe. And that's something that's not really explored in this movie. And I think that that's something that they explore probably further in the books. And maybe if they come out with, you know, future movies of this, they'll explore this alien species of the Spackle. They're not really explored too much. And we only see like one member of the Spackle in this movie. But um you've got... Daisy Ridley's character who lands on this planet, she has been on a 64 year uh, voyage. Um, so she was actually born on the voyage to this planet. Like her grandparents started out on this voyage and then she was born on this voyage. And, and, um, so now she's, you know, she's never been on a planet before. She's always been in a space station, but her ship crash lands there. She's the only survivor. And the thing is, like, when she lands, she comes into contact with Tom Holland's character. And, you know, Tom Holland's character is kind of, like, really in good with the mayor, played by Mads Mikkelsen. He's not related to the mayor. He's not the mayor's son. Tom Holland's character actually has two fathers. So, um, and the fathers, they keep trying to tell Tom, uh, Tom Holland's character that, you know, uh, he plays Todd, that, you can't trust the mayor. You can't trust the mayor. And they don't tell him why. And that's something that's, that, that's explored in the movie. They don't tell him why you can't trust him, but they're really worried about the mayor getting, you know, his grips into, into their son. And, um, it's funny. I kept thinking like, as Tom Holland is like blurting these things out in the noise and, and Daisy release character can like hear what he's thinking. He's thinking like, I've never seen a girl before. I like her voice. It's really high. Um, I like her hair. She's really pretty, blah, blah, blah. And the noise, honestly, like sometimes the noise is so powerful that you can actually see the visions that they're thinking in, inside their brain. Um, you know, like there's a guy who's sleeping in the movie and he's dreaming about a baseball game and you can totally see the baseball game happening, you know, um, through the noise, uh, that this guy's putting off and David Oyelo. So he, he befriends this girl, her, her ship lands and, and, and the mayor wants to, to, to basically interrogate her and this story is basically about Tom Holland's character protecting her and getting her to another town away from Prentice Town where she's in danger. Um, and, and you've got Mads Mikkelsen's a fantastic villain in this. I really think he was really, I think he was really good in this. And then David Oyelowo Woe, uh, plays a character who's a preacher. But he's super violent. He's not like a, he's not like a preacher that you would, you know, confide in. He's very kind of, 
fanatical and um, crazy. Um, and and when his noise goes off, man, he is just like like a sociopath, like crazy. And it's it's scary because there's there's certain parts in this movie where like Daisy Ridley is hiding from these characters, and you can see their noise as she's hiding you can see their noise coming up from like you know like behind bushes and stuff like that and she's gotta she's gotta be very quiet um so she doesn't uh, arouse it like bring it like bring their attention to her but they can't see they can't hear women's thoughts in this which is which is really interesting um I like this movie a lot i really oh, wow. i liked it a lot i i i don't agree with the the critics on this one i i really really enjoyed this movie quite a bit there there are a couple scenes where animals are injured so i had to not watch i had to i honestly had my hands over my face at one point in this movie because i couldn't watch what was going to happen um tom holland giving away his thoughts in this movie i kept thinking like as he's blurting out all these things you know giving away details and and all this stuff, I kept thinking about like how he would spoil like the Avengers movies and stuff, and I was like, "That's that's really funny." <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> I think like I think I people are going to watch this, and everybody's going to have their own opinion about this movie. I I loved it. I'm going to give it a Tupperware. I'm going to say fuck what the critics are saying about this movie. I really enjoyed it, and I want to see more in this world. I think honestly, like. This might even be one of those things where this might get explored in a TV show. There's a whole lot of world building that's set up in this. And I think it's a really interesting kind of like, uh, future, you know, and, and I, I really enjoyed everything, <laughs> the acting, the performances in this. I thought Tom Holland was great. I thought Mads Mikkelsen was great. I love David Oyelowo. And I really enjoyed Chaos Walking, and I'm I might be in the minority here, and I think people are going to think I'm crazy for Tupperwareing this movie, maybe even after they've seen it. But for some reason, this movie struck a chord with me, and I really, really loved Chaos Walking. And it may just be that I saw it in IMAX; it was a theater experience. Maybe you know, people watching this, like I know, like some of the critics have been watching these screeners at home, and. But for me, I really enjoyed the movie, and I don't understand like all the hate for it and the twenty six percent. I don't get it at all. So that's me. That's Chaos Walking, and it's out in theaters now. You can only watch it in theaters. So hopefully, it'll be available on video on demand here shortly. But yeah, I thought uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought Tom Holland was great. Mads Mikkelsen's fantastic. I love the movie. Sorry, sorry, not sorry. I don't know. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, gosh, it's been so long since I've seen an IMAX movie. I guess Tenet was probably the last IMAX movie I saw, but even that's been a long time when I used to oh, go yeah. every other week. Sure. Yeah, uh, I haven't been to the theater in over a year. Yeah, it's been, yeah, California. Yeah, absolutely. You guys haven't had any theaters open we, there. Except, have you just, guys, what about uh, drive-ins? What's that? What about drive-ins? Have drive-ins been open for you? I have no idea. There aren't any around here. Uh, we had one theater open up yesterday. Um, that's the first one to start welcoming people in. And Chaos Walking was one of the movies offered. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, haven't 
didn't have a chance to go. But, yeah, they, uh, man, they, I, I miss that shit so much. <laughs> I mean, they are social distancing at these theaters. I mean, that is a thing, you know. Uh, it it yep. that um, out here they're not selling uh, concessions because they don't want people taking their masks. I wish that they would. Ins- I wish they would implement that here. I really do. That's the one thing that burns me up. But I keep. I don't go to concessions. I don't get a drink or anything. Um, I keep my mask on the entire time. I, you know, like I hear these horror stories about COVID and, you know, losing your smell. I know people have lost their taste and smell for months. And Mm -hmm. you don't die from it. Like, like there are lasting repercussions to this disease, even if you survive it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, one of my friends, she got, she and her um, parents both got it over Christmas and they were really, really sick. Um, and, you know, it's been, what, like two and a half months now, and she said red wine tastes funny. Like she, red wine in particular just tastes weird to her now. Yeah, yeah. And it hasn't gone away. And it hasn't gone away. Right. Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, I know somebody that has a friend that had COVID eight months ago, and they still have not been able to taste or smell after eight oh, months. Wow, eight months. Like, like there are, there are lasting uh, – pulmonary effects, the uh-huh. lasting cardiac effects. I mm. mean, there are a lot of issues uh, for people who have gotten it and have survived it yeah. that will, you know, affect them for the rest of their lives. So mm-hmm. it's not just about the mortality rate. It's about, <laughs> this is a serious fucking thing. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. It, it, it not only, you know, we, we have a member, a friend of ours who lost a parent to it. And, like, it's not just about the deaths. Like, there are other issues at play here that this is not something we we need to start treating lightly now at this point in our lives. We have to. We're so close. That that affects us forever. We're so close to, like, being done. So just hang in there. Just continue to social distance. We're so close. Yeah, I don't think we're ever going to be done with it. Personally, I, I, I think it's going to be something that affects the world for decades to come. Well, I mean, I all, all I know is that when I go to the movie theater, I don't get concessions. When I go out in public, I, I always have the mask on and um, just try to be as safe as possible. I've got hand sanitizer in the car on me yeah. at all times. Um, uh-huh. so it's, you know, it's one of those things where like, if I'm at the store and I touch a shopping cart, I, I'm using the sanitizing wipes on the shopping cart. I'm using the hand, you know, hand sanitizer on my hands as I'm pushing the shopping cart. It, these are things that I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm very aware of like, you know, that I still have to go out and I still have to like do things, but man, it's like, I honestly think I have no problem going forward wearing a mask in the future every time I'm out in public at this point. Like seriously. It's not about yeah, like yeah, same. what an inconvenience it is to have this mask. Like I'm thinking like this mask is like saving me from from possibly hurting other people. And I'm yeah, like, exactly. That's the, big, that's that's, exactly that, that's the yeah. biggest thing. It's to protect other people. Yeah. And so like I honestly I I'm, I'm, I'm scared to even, even after like 
you know, every, everybody's been vaccinated and all this stuff. I still, I still can't see myself not wearing the mask out in public. I might be one of the big, I might be a big holdover from this and still wearing the mask out in public. And to be quite honest with you, I haven't gotten a, I haven't even gotten a common cold wearing the mask. And that's been like, that's been pretty awesome yep. too. So, you know, well, you look at like a, a lot of like, um, you look at Japan, um, they, they, they have mask wearing as a part of their culture where when you're sick, you wear a mask out so you don't get other people sick. And right. like that it's that, that idea of what my problem is should not affect you um, that we seem to not be embracing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree. Uh, anyway. Boss level on Hulu. Um, Neil, June, did you get a chance to watch Boss Level? I did. Boss Level. Roy Pulver, a retired Special Forces soldier, finds himself trapped in a sinister program, which results in a never-ending time loop leading to his repeated death. Boss Level is directed by Joe Carnahan and written by Carnahan and Chris and Eddie Borey from a story from by the Boreys. Joe Carnahan directed uh, – a movie I love. He directed Stretch with Patrick Wilson. I'm a, I, I, I personally Tupperware this, uh, on Pop Culture Leftovers back in 2014 when that movie came out. I, I love Patrick Wilson. I loved Stretch. So I've been kind of a big Joe Carnahan fan. Joe Carnahan, if I'm correct here, at one time was going to direct a Daredevil movie before Fox lost the rights. He even, he even, he even made a Daredevil sizzle reel that I think you can still watch on YouTube. And they hadn't cast. Oh, he directed Smoke and Aces too. Smoke and Aces, another movie that I really love. Um, Boss Level stars Frank Grillo as a retired Special Forces soldier who tries to escape a never ending loop. Uh, a time loop that results in his death. It also stars Mel Gibson, Naomi Watts, and Michelle Yeoh. Um, and I watched this one because I, I, I love Joe Carnahan. I'm a big fan of Frank Grillo. I think Frank Grillo is, 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 you know, for as much, I think Marvel wasted him with crossbones and that really burns yes, me they up. Did. It really, yes. doesn't that burn you up, Neil? Yeah. Yeah, don't and you he think was fantastic as that character? Well, don't you think he could have been a fantastic Punisher? He would yes. have been, yes. But I, I wish they had not just, you know, used him to further the Sokovia Accords right. in uh, Civil War. Um, you know, he was he was fantastic as like that um, that special forces guy who is disenfranchised by the people he's serving and has turned to a life of villainy. Um, like he plays that particular character really goddamn well. Yeah. Um, like, like, and like that, that, that works for both Punisher and Crossbones. They, they're both very similar characters, but Crossbones is obviously more villainous. Right. And, 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 and like, I, I wish that we had gotten more Crossbones in the MCU, um, because he was so fantastic in that role. Yeah, yeah. I really, I really like Frank Grillo quite a quite a bit. So to see him kind of like in a leading role here, working with the director that I really like, I was looking forward to this movie. My question to you guys is like, 
why are we getting all of these repeat the same day same Groundhog Day, the Groundhog Day plot. Yeah. Oh, yes, okay. But here's the thing: Groundhog's Day came Palm out in nineteen. Well, Groundhog's Day, Palm Springs. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we reviewed a movie a couple weeks ago, um, the Map of Tiny Perfect Things, which is the same kind of thing. Yep. Um, uh, the, the The Edge of Tomorrow movie with Tom Cruise, uh, Russian Doll. All of these are kind of like these repeat the same day movies. But see, here's the thing. Groundhog's Day came out in 1993. So why all of a sudden has this become like its own new genre of science fiction? Is it is it because we all feel like we're repeating the same day because of COVID-19 being being <laughs> being corn being I don't understand. Well. I don't understand the popularity of the I'm not I'm not saying I'm <laughs> I'm not enjoying these movies. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just like, why this? And it's not even a resurgence. It's kind of like just a surgence of these movies. Like, like we got Groundhog's Day and then there was like a lull. There was like, I, I, I <laughs> 20 years. It, it, like we were doing like time travel movies. We've always done time travel movies, but like now it's like everyone's doing like their own kind of like Groundhog's Day take. On like, okay, let's do an action movie. Let's do like a drama with this. Let's do a romantic comedy. Romantic comedy with this. Like now it's just like it's blown up. And and in this one, we, we get this like special forces soldier and all this action movie. And it's it's boss level where basically it's like this character has to relive the same day over and over and over again. And he <laughs> encounters like different people. Like if you're in a video game and you encounter a new boss, you know, through each stage that you yeah. go through. I like how they leaned into that whole video game aspect in this movie. Uh, yes. But as far as your point about the surgeons uh, of these types of movies, they all were made before COVID. Yeah, so that can't yeah, be yeah. The reasoning, but the, like these these things happen. Um, like this world brain kind of mentality takes over the industry every so often, where there's a ton of different movies, or uh, I like got a ton of different. Um, things that that are all kind of similar that sure. just kind of just happen kind of out of out, out of well look at look, look look at look at what uh you know david gordon green did with the halloween franchise now we're getting you know other yeah. movies that are basically like ignoring you know we had the terminator yeah. the terminator movie that ignored you know the bad movies and like oh we're gonna just you know we're just gonna make a sequel to like yeah. Terminator 2. We're going to ignore, you know, 3. We're going to ignore Salvation. We're going to ignore, you know, Genesis. And and the same things happening, you know, like that's that's a big thing. And then like all the movies that are giving us like, the, you know, like the Stranger Things 80s nostalgia. <laughs> you know, like yeah. like the, these different like world brain ideas just kind of take over the industry every so often. And you get you you look at like um, when Armageddon and Deep Impact came out. Oh yeah, of each other and Volcano. And, like, they were both- Volcano and Dante's Peak. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like these ideas were developed independently of each other at the yeah. same time from different studios. Just they had creators coming up with this stuff on their own that that just so happened to be around the same time period. 
it, it happens a lot. Right. It's the same with like um like the Doomsday movies. Like didn't yeah. like didn't we get a couple of those like in the like early to mid two thousands? There were like two or three. Like there was one with Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh yeah, yeah. We had, oh, we had, yeah, we had, and then there was like twenty. Yeah, we had twenty twelve. Yeah. The day after so, tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, the, we had, these ideas just kind of happen almost like in a void, and uh, it's like these these creators are pulling from the same stuff, the same creative stuff that's just out there. Oh, uh, the uh, happen to like touch hands occasionally. The like the Blair Witch. You know, movies where it's the shaky cam, the, or the realistic uh, sort of like That's documentary, more like but cat thing. Well, the, I mean, we had we had the Blair Witch, and then we had Paranormal Activity, where it was all like you know found footage stuff. Yeah, that's what found footage, like uh, Cloverfield, right? Cloverfield, like those, yeah, like, those were all aping Blair Witch. Oh, totally, totally, totally bla- aping Blair, Blair Witch. Um, but yeah, we're getting a lot of these Groundhog's Day movies. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm getting caught up in a lot of them. And Boss Level is another one that I got caught up in. <laughs> and I really had a lot of fun with this movie. I, I, I mean, as far as like when it comes to like him taking on like these different bosses at these different levels of like reliving the same day, it had a very Scott Pilgrim kind of vibe to it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Frank Grillo, I thought, was a fantastic lead in this. I loved, you know, uh, he would go to, oh, here, some, the movie starts with like this amazing, like five minute action sequence of him, like, waking up and fighting this guy called Mr. Good Morning. Every morning he wakes up and he's got a guy that tries to kill him <laughs> to the point where like I love how he's always nicknames for people. Oh, yes. the the the, the, Damn. the little person was uh, Mr. Kaboom or Kaboom. Mr. Yep. Kaboom. Yes. He names that one woman Pam. Pam. And she's like, what? Pam? <laughs> I never knew your name, but just Pam. I called you Pam. I will say that I absolutely loved Guan Yin. I loved. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Guan Yin. And I did this. I am Guan Yin, and Guan Yin has done this. Like blowing in the wind every time she says her line. Yes. Oh, that got me every single time. Guan Yin has done this. I am Guan Yin, and Guan Yin (laughs) has done this. I love it. Well, hold on. Every time. I'm going to give this movie a Tupperware, and I am Brian, and I have done this. I really, (laughs) I I really like this movie a lot more than Joe Carnahan. Just really surprises me, and Frank Grillo super surprised me in this movie is like how good he was leading this movie. It was the action was a lot of fun. I loved for as much as I hate Mel Gibson as a person, like you can get this guy on the cheap and he fucking really did bring it as a villain. I ended up. Hating. Oh yeah. And it's yeah. so much fun to watch him get absolutely fucking wrecked. Yes. Yes. Like, yes. He died yes. so many times. It's amazing to watch Mel Gibson get his ass handed to him over and over and over. Yes. So and, and because he is such a shitty person, cause he is a shitty person yep, exactly. when he delivers those lines like the super cheesy typical like this movie knew exactly what it was right like it knew it it knows what it is it did not take itself it just had fun so like it just leaned into like the cheesy corny action lines and so mel gibson like he does deliver them with that like venomous sort of like underlayer and the boy it but in it 
he sells it because you know partly because he is a shitty person and he's not and he's and he's and he's you know a good actor but whatever you know but like uh, yeah, he does sell it being a villain and ken jong is super funny in this i love ken jong i love him so much well, he was super funny in this i loved him i loved um the fact that his uh you know, you, you, Frank Grillo, that, that boy that he's, you know, that he's involved in that boy's life and that boy goes to that. That's his real life son. Oh, really? I just read that in a magazine article. Wow. I think that's his real son. Let me well, find the article. Well, that eighties, nineties arcade that he goes to where he plays like, you know, all like the, you know, altered beast, street fighter two, mortal Kombat, like all those eighties, nineties games at that arcade. I thought that that was a fun way to tie in the title of the movie boss level. And, yeah. um, I, I want to know what you guys thought about this movie, but I really loved it. I thought Naomi Watts for the time that she was in this movie was fantastic. I, I had, I just thought that this was a fun movie and it's like, I am not for some reason. I do not have like this repeat the same day movie fatigue. I'm, I'm eating all of them up. <laughs> I'm eating them all up, Neil. Well, like so well done is the thing. Yeah, the they're map of tiny, the map of tiny perfect things was so much fun. I liked that movie a lot. Russian Doll was one of the best series that I'd seen. Natasha Leone was great in it. Palm Springs was a fucking absolute Tupperware. And this was a, the, another kind of like, it was like taking this like you know Groundhog's Day thing and turning it into like this fun kind of like Scott Pilgrimish action yeah. movie and it was just a lot of fun i i really like this movie a lot yeah this one really surprised me um i you know i i read the synopsis on imdb uh during the first after that first action sequence i was like okay what are we actually doing in this movie and again like as you were saying this this conceit of this this same day repetition has been done a lot lately but Every single time they've, it's been done in, in recent years, it's been done with a, its own twist. It's been done originally. It's been done um, using this device as just kind of a plot point, but it's not the main thrust of each of these movies. Right. And, and this one was also like that. Like it, it, it was more, way more poignant than I expected. Like the whole sequence of him with his son um like it, it got me emotionally yeah like, it, it worked for me and yeah we, we, we talked about like the the uh guan yin like she was super fun i love seeing michelle yo be a badass yeah even if she's barely in it uh you know i'm a big star trek fan and she so, was great dude she's so good one of the best like scenes in this is the fact that like this guy gets killed every day he can't get past yeah. a certain spot a part of this there's like a scene in this where he's talking to kenya uh ken jong and he's talking to another guy in that bar that restaurant mm -hmm. and he's talking about he's just like he gets fucking pissed drunk just so he can't <laughs> just so he can't feel himself dying he just wants to get so blasted that he can't feel the pain of him dying and he's talking to them about he says have you ever been shot in the face and he talks about how someone <laughs> shoots him someone shoots him in the face in the it's like they, barbecue they, but it's sh a tongue. they shoot him in the tongue and his tongue 
is hot from the bullet. And for that moment, he tastes the best steak he's ever had in his life. And he realizes that he's tasting his own tongue took uh, cooking in his mouth. And I was just like, you're not going to get that fucking monologue in any other movie. Than a movie. And the way he delivered it too. Yes. The way so he because he was so dead serious as he delivered it, and there was so yeah. much gravitas in that model. Oh, <laughs> that yeah. something so ridiculous. Like this is a. I think this will be Grillo's star making ish kind of turn because he proved that he can carry a movie on his charisma alone. Uh, he can almost. do comedy. He can do com- he can do all the aspects yeah, that, yeah. that it takes to be a well-rounded leading man, and he proved that in this movie. He can do the action, he can do the comedy, he can do the drama, he can do the introspection, he can do all this stuff that that an actor needs to be able to do in order to carry a movie. And he carried this movie. Uh, I mean, that's not disrespecting any of the uh, supporting actors who did fantastic jobs as well. Yeah, and, and like this, this movie really like really got to me. Well, there's uh, that point there's that point in these Groundhog's Day movies where the character is just like so fed up with the day that they just fucking don't care and they just want to die and the point of what happens in this movie is the fact that like Mr. Good Morning, the guy that tries to kill him every morning when he is just like so like I am done with this day the fact that he just stays in bed and lets this guy repeatedly yeah. kill him, kill over, him and over, over and again. over again is so. Why can't you let me sleep in just one time? But it, but but see that's that's what makes this movie so good is because we've seen all of these other repeat the same day movies and how it has that trope in it where they all give up on that day and they're like fuck it and this one is just like so it gets to the point where it's just so murderous like it's like the. <laughs> <laughs> and the deaths are so much fun. Yeah. Uh, the ending is great too. Like, yes. I was really worried. Don't spoil. Don't spoil. I'm Don't not gonna spoil. spoil it at all. Yeah. I was really worried that it was not going to stick the landing, and it totally fucking did. The way it ended was perfect. It, 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 there's no other good way this movie could have ended. Yeah. And I, like you, I'm going to top wear this movie. Awesome. It was super fun. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. And as I said before, I was very surprised that I liked it so much. Anytime Joe Carnahan can come out with something and Frank Grillo can fucking prove himself as an actor, I'm all for it. What did you think, uh, June? No, I thought this was, this was a, I kind of went in with little low expectations because I was like another Groundhog Day type movie. But it, it, I was very pleasantly surprised. I, thought it was a lot of fun um i like the whole every time of him trying to advance but you know he gets a little further and i I thought there were some great comedic moments because he's like all right i've passed it right and then like the next obstacle right like turns the corner and he's like shit yeah and then he's got to start all over again i did it was very much like a video game though you know you're kind of leveling up every time um i give this like i will give this a very high taste it it was a very fun you know just action movie i I was disappointed with like how they use Naomi Watts in this. She's one of my absolute favorite actresses. Um, I don't know. I just, I, it didn't, re- she didn't really do it for me. Like her character didn't really do it for me in this. Um, and that really was, and it, for me at least, I did not really think the chemistry be- 
like the romance between her and Mike Grillo, it, it wasn't quite there. But I I mean overall though, I mean the movie is I think the movie shows you that it was all there by the end of it. I disagree I, with you and I think yeah. that I think like what he finally realizes about her at the end of the movie and like how I don't I'm trying to say all this without spoiling it. I think it worked very well. I think it worked very well. I mean, yeah, no, I, it did I, come. I it did why, come yeah. at the sacrifice of her not being in the movie that much. But I think for the time that she was there, I think it worked. That's my opinion. Yeah, um, I did like this, and the reason why the stuff with this with the son was great, though, because I yeah. So it is. Um, yep, the uh, let's see. I'm looking at this uh, San Francisco Chronicle article. He's on. He also this ex uh, played by Naomi Watts, with whom he shares the custody of a son, played by Grillo's real life son Rio. So that is Frank Grillo's son. Oh, so that's awesome. cute. He was really good. He was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Then I love the whole like, what is these like? Oh, are you dealing drugs? And the kids like, I just, I just turned eleven. <laughs> like, <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, I love this movie. I love this movie. It's on Hulu, and uh, I recommend everybody check out uh, Boss Level on Hulu. It's I thought a great palate cleanser after the first movie I watched this morning. Oh, uh, we'll get to that here in a moment. Um, I don't know what movie that was, but we'll get to it eventually. <laughs> let's talk about, Ooh. let's talk about, uh, Raya and the Last Dragon. Uh, this, uh, dropped on Disney Plus premiere. So this came with a $30 price tag. So I was like, you know what? I am going to go back out to the theater and watch this. I watched this at the Avon, which offers $5 tickets. So I saw this for $5 in the theater today. Um, cause 30, man, $30 for these is steep. I mean, if you go to Fandango, Fuck that. if you go to Fandango now and you want to watch one of these, uh, premiere releases, you know, straight, straight from the theater to the home, it's 1999, but Disney adds, they, it, Disney adds on this $10, you know, you know, $20 is a lot. $20 is a lot to watch these movies at but you home. Get to keep Watch it. a movie once. No, you don't get to keep. Well, well, uh, with Raya, it's gonna. They're gonna have it as. You're, everyone's gonna be able to watch it here in about three months. Yeah. Just like Mulan, where it's not gonna be premiere. I guess, like Which in terms so of value wise, though. I guess the the, the value wise aspect of it, though, because I think with these, like rentals, like video on demand, the twenty dollar ones, you don't. You only have what, like twenty, like forty-eight hours to Can watch. Can I it, just right? remind so. you, there's a service called HBO Max that lets you watch these movies for the first thirty days for free. Right, but I'm saying if you're going to rent a movie, twenty bucks to only have access to it for twenty-four hours. You know, thirty bucks having access to it for thirty. This, I don't know. <laughs> it's thirty dollars, <laughs> June. It's thirty dollars. It's thirty dollars for this. I can see if you have a family that you'll have kids that will watch a movie over and over and over and over again, paying yeah. that kind of price for it. Right. But for somebody like me, who's a single dude, I, I, I'm not going to pay 30 bucks to watch a movie that I'm only going to probably going to watch once in my life. Right. Yeah. Did you not get to see this, Neil? No. Oh, you hit me up after the podcast. Okay. If you want to. 
I do. I really want to see this. It looks really good. I'm glad that's not a musical. And I was really excited to see it, but then I saw it was Disney premiere. I was like, well, fuck. I don't get to watch it right now. <laughs> Ryan the Last Dragon, long ago. I feel like we just fucking beat down June. And no, you <laughs> shame. No, I, I paid the thirty. Do you, hey, Neil, now I'm like shame. Neil, do you remember that? You deserved it. Do you remember? Do you remember that scene in the boys where they're all beating the shit out of Aya Cash's character, and they're That's just me. They're just. I am oh. not a Nazi. I'm not a Nazi. Listen, just saying. There's a little difference in like mentality there. <laughs> no, I feel. It, I feel. It's one thing to pay thirty. It's one thing to do it, but it's another thing to defend it. I, if anything, you deserve more beating. Long. <laughs> 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 uh, I paid thirty bucks too, but I'm not going to sit on the soapbox and. Defend how it was a good idea. It's terrible. I still feel better, Jake. The song it's terrible. It's terrible when you have another streaming service called HBO Max let, lets you watch Judas and the Black Messiah, lets you watch Wonder Woman 1984. That's going to let us watch Mortal Kombat. That's going to let us watch Kong versus Godzilla for free for the first 30 days. But Disney insists that we pay thirty dollars to watch these movies. <laughs> It's it's you know, I it's get a, it. yeah it's I know. fucked up. I, I was just trying to justify it to myself because I feel <laughs> like honestly like it is. I remember my husband was like, "Are you seriously? You're going to pay thirty bucks for this?" And I mean, he wasn't going to be like, "No, you can't." But he was just like, "I mean, okay." Yeah. And I then I did the same spiel to him because I'm trying to make myself feel better. Okay, like I get it. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. I just want to. I, I just want myself to feel better, okay? I'm just trying to justify it to myself. Well, it didn't work. No, it didn't. It, it really back. <laughs> it, it really backfired, Joe. It did. It did. Oh, I know. I get it. I know. Yeah, yeah you I are. Tried. Hey, you know what? I tried. <laughs> June, you are the weakest, weakest link. Bye bye. <laughs> uh, long ago, yeah, that was a weakest link reference from 2000. <laughs> um, long ago in the fantasy world of uh, Kumandra, humans and dragons live together in harmony. However, when sinister monsters known as the Droon threatened the land, the dragons sacrificed themselves to save humanity. Now, 500 years later, those same monsters have returned and it's up to a lone warrior to track down the last dragon and stop the Droon for good. It's directed by Don Hall and Carlos Lopez Estrada. It's co-directed by Paul Briggs and John Ripa. Uh, and it stars... A predominantly Asian cast, Asian American cast, including the voices of Kelly Marie Tran as Raya and Aquafina as Sisu, the dragon, along with Isaac Wang, Gemma Chan, Daniel Day Kim, Benedict Wan, Sandra Oh, Talia Tran, Lucille Sung, and Alan Tudyk. And this one, it's a, this is a Pixar movie, correct? I think it's just a Disney in-house it, animation movie. Is yeah. it? Is it? And we got the we got the animated short at the beginning, which was uh, what was it called? Us again? What was it called? I paid thirty bucks. I didn't get that. Oh, nobody. I didn't get that either. Oh, there was an animated short at the beginning of this one when I saw it theatrically, and it was called. I think it was called Us Again, or so, it was called Us Something. I think it was called Us Again, and it was like a an elderly couple and the old man like wouldn't get off the his recliner and go out on a walk with like his 
with his wife and she went outside walking Wait. by herself. What? You guys paid 30 bucks and you didn't get the intro? I paid Thank you, Neil. I know. Dig the knife yeah, in Neil, more. We, we, we very yeah. much pointed that out already, Neil. I paid $5. Neil, I paid $5. Yeah. I fucking, I paid the wow. same price as a fucking Subway foot long to watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and just like Jared from Subway, June and Jake got fucked over. Oh, do not compare me to that man. No, we're the victims, not the man. Okay. Yeah, you're definitely the victims of Jared. Um, oh, that's so gross. It is gross. It is gross. He was a, he was a, he was a pedophile. Um, Ryan, the last dragon. Uh, so yeah, this is not Pixar. Is is so is the new Pixar? No, it's, it's Disney in house. It's, it's the same people that did like Frozen and, uh, and Moana and the uh, Wreck It Wreck It Ralph, right? Correct. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, honestly, the animation in this when I saw it in the theater was beautiful. Oh my god, the animation is gorgeous in this. I thought the animation was was fantastic. I I, I really enjoyed. Uh, the animation in this. Um, and, uh, I think that, like, I think that the, the story here, there's a lot, um, that, that really, uh, like, like this fantasy world of Kumandra and, and the humans and dragons and all this stuff. I think, I think it was uh, really kind of like well, uh, thought out and this whole world was well thought out and it looked beautiful. What didn't work for me was the humor here in this movie. I, I didn't find it funny. And for as much as some people don't like the movie Onward, I thought the movie was funny. I thought Onward was funny. I just did not laugh at this movie. I wanted, I guess I wanted like with this fantasy world, I guess I wanted it to be a little bit more serious. It just, I, the little, the baby with the little fucking monkeys and shit was the dumbest shit I've ever seen. I didn't, care for that i like this family that she builds along the way from these different tribes and these different places that she goes to i never felt like a real connection to like the character and to those people that she's coming across and the humor didn't work for me i'll give this a solid taste it um but man i think the animation is top notch and i think like the the world building and the story and stuff like that is great i just didn't think like i i think the humor kind of took me out of it at times because it wasn't for me it just wasn't funny and if it hit you guys differently fantastic but man i just i just didn't i i think like there was i I really enjoyed aquafina in this as the dragon when she was kind of like more serious in the role i just and I, I usually love Aquafina in everything I've seen her in. I think Kelly Marie Tran was great throughout the entire movie. But as far as Aquafina and the jokes and stuff, it just didn't land for me. It just didn't make me laugh. I, I but, um, so I'll give it a taste it overall. And thank God I didn't pay 30 bucks to see this. That's all I'm saying. I'm glad I saw this in the theater. I thought it was gorgeous. I thought the animation was wonderful. But man, it's definitely not worth $30 to me to watch this at home. Uh, I would gladly pay five, ten bucks to see this in the theater. 
and and leave it at that. But uh, I want to know what you thought, Jake. Yeah, this was an absolute Tupperware for me. Maybe it's a bit of the June effect, and it's the thirty dollars I spent talking. But yeah, I love no. It. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do agree. Um, the animation here is top notch, and honestly, I think for the last five six years. Disney in-house animation has surpassed what Pixar could do. And it's something I never thought would happen. But the last three, four in-house animation Disney movies have looked way superior to the Pixar fair, which I, I thought the whole point of Pixar was to deliver the most cutting edge, you know, CGI animation. And it's just not the case anymore. I just shut the shit down and just call it all in-house Walt Disney at this point. I don't even see why they bother, but Oh yeah, I mean the the water, the best looking water I've ever seen, the the best looking fur, just the animation was mind blowing. Um I, I do agree with Brian's criticism that it wasn't the most hilarious movie. But the the but, comedy didn't it took me out of the movie and then also like the whole emotional like thing of like uh, spoilers her dad dies at the beginning. I didn't care. I just didn't care. Like I never felt like in the movie up like within the first like 10 minutes, like I'm hooked on this movie emotionally. I never got emotionally invested in this movie at all. I, it just yeah, never. I, wa- I definitely was emotionally invested in this movie from what happens to her dad to uh, what happens, you know, the way that the jewel gets taken from her. And I did enjoy her ragtag group of people that she picked up along the way. And I did get emotionally invested in those characters. I I mean, it did work for me. And I I was definitely like getting that like swelling emotional feel during the last half an hour. Maybe I should have paid 30 bucks to see this fucking movie then. I mean, maybe that's what did it. (laughs) (laughs) I I honestly, I think I would have been emotional. I would have been more emotionally invested looking at my empty wallet than I yes, would yes. be. I mean, anger is definitely an emotion, and you definitely potentially would have gotten it. Yeah. But yeah, I, I absolutely love this. I also do not recommend paying $30 and for anything. Like, we've talked about this before in the podcast. I, I, I wouldn't feel good paying $30 for new Marvel movies. Like, I just think that is such a crooked move by Disney to kind of force this upon families, and it's just such a shitty practice, and I completely agree that it's not worth 30 bucks. I, I get annoyed when I have to pay 20 bucks for a new movie and 30 bucks is just next level. Um, yes, you get to have it indefinitely, but like Brian said, just like Mulan, this is just going to be streaming forever on Disney plus in two and a half, three months. So yeah, it'll just be part of your regular subscription after a while. Yeah. It's a Tupperware for me, but I still strongly suggest you just wait until it's part of your Disney plus subscription. If you can't see it in the theater. All right, June. Um, what? Okay, quick question. I mean, I don't remember us bragging on the price point of Mulan this much. I'm just—is it because oh, we did I this we twice? Did. I no, we did. Not, not not this badly. Um, granted, you're right. It. All right, let's let's let's, let's correct that. Okay, then I think that right, was bullshit right. too. Thirty bucks is ridiculous. It is ridiculous, and it's a terrible practice. Um, no, don't pay 30 bucks to watch this but it is a tupperware for me as well um although i the comedy did work for me it wasn't but i didn't expect it to be laugh out loud funny i just i found the comedy just more charming i guess um you know it made me smile maybe chuckle a little um, it worked for me i really liked the message of the movie it 
I don't know. It, it, you know, the whole thing of um, we have this common goal. Can't we just put our differences aside and work together? Like that's very. I mean, that resonates today, right now, in particular, with what everything that's going on. And so, I really like the message that it had. And obviously, I love the fact that it's another Disney animated film featuring our, you know, an Asian culture, and like having more representation of Asian culture in film, especially in Disney movies, because now you have kids that can see themselves in these movies. You have little girls who now have like another princess to look up to. That's not, you know, a white girl in a castle, you know, like this is, and the fact that she's a warrior princess, like she's a badass fighter. And I thought the fight scene were really great in this too. That's what I want to see. I want to see an R rated version of this in a fucking dystopian world where she's fucking riding what took took or whatever the fuck that little armadillo looking thing was and i just i want to see blood i want to see gore because like the whole that shit was fucking dope to me i loved that kind of shit where she's just rolling around on that roly-poly looking took took and i was just like man that's fucking cool i just my big i, I think i want i i want you to talk more about this june because i know you love this movie, but like the whole thing that just didn't work for me was just like, I felt like it was very paint by numbers as far as like, um, you know, okay, dad's dad, let's, you know, dad's dad. And it just didn't do anything for me as far as like the emotional impact. And I felt like every, I wanted, I wanted a little bit more with the characters that she came into contact with and, and like to feel like, you know, she's basically taking on kind of like this, new family from people that are from different cultures, but within the same world. And I just didn't feel like there was like this as strong a bond between this new family that she's building to where like where we, to where the end of the movie, where they're all kind of like together and, and fighting and trying to stop the same thing from happening. It just, I I just wasn't emotionally invested in this movie as to where like, a lot of the Disney stuff really hits me emotionally. It just, and, and I, and I really wish that I loved this movie as much as you guys did. I think one of the things that I really like too is Raya as a main character. Like she's very flawed. You know, her distrust of people is her major flaw, but it doesn't, but in a way, her, that flaw is understandable. I mean, given everything that has happened to her. Basically, the thing that sets off this like the world just crumbling apart, and you know you have um, Cece the dragon played by Aquafina, who I thought was fantastic in this. She's just pure joy and light, and just I don't know. I think I liked the interaction. I think I liked the optimism that Cece had, and um, and I like and I think that, to me it was smart of how like. Every time, you know, CC tried to do something out of just, you know, pure love or just being a good person, it or a good dragon, like the things went to shit. And it was almost kind of like furthering Raya's, you know, like it was kind of justifying, like, see, this is how the world works. So for me, I think at the end, when she finally does, you know, when things come together, I, it, it paid off for me, I think. I think just the way that the directory went. Um, and I kind of got, I, I did believe the little family dynamic. Um, uh, I really liked that. I actually, that whole thing at the end, it gave me sort of like a guardian to the galaxy kind of vibe. 
I think it could have done. I think it could have been done better. I, I feel like some of the characters were just kind of like not explored that well. The baby was just used for laughs, and I it just I don't know that that the 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 big guy with the axe from the one um, group was. I really didn't know anything about that character other than the fact that like he was like the last remaining member and he was really missing the other people from his group. I, I really didn't feel a connection with him at all. I felt like maybe he could have been introduced. A, maybe these characters could have been introduced a lot earlier in the movie and um, we could have spent more time with them as they like journeyed throughout the, you know, trying to collect these different pieces of this, um, of this orb. I just, I'm glad that you guys enjoyed this movie as much as you did. I just wish that I would have been more emotionally like invested in this movie to where like the ending would have like hit me that much harder. It just didn't. And I think like as much as I love Aquafina and I think she's super talented and super funny, like, the comedic moments with her just didn't have me laughing. And I want to laugh. I want, I, you know, if you're going to have these jokes in there, I want to laugh. And I just wasn't, I just didn't, I didn't find it funny. I felt like I, if you're going to, if you're going to do that kind of stuff, then do it to where like, you know, we are all laughing as an audience. And I, I didn't get that. And maybe just, it could have been a little bit more serious. Hey Brian, yeah. How uh, full was your theater when you saw this? Uh, it was mostly parents with their children. So, um, you know, everybody was socially distanced and everything. I would say maybe there was 20 to 25 people in the theater and it was mostly children. Do you think that may have affected your viewpoints? The Poss- fact that it wasn't like a huge full audience all laughing at the same time. Possibly. Absolutely. That does play into it. But here's the thing. June and Jake saw this at home. So yeah, but there wasn't that expectation of having a group shared experience. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Maybe if I would have heard more kids laughing and enjoying themselves and, and, and maybe it would have been better for me, but you know, I, yeah, that, that's a good point, Neil. I can't argue that. I can't argue that. All I can say is like how I felt when I watched the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just wonder. I'm just trying to figure out. You know, like it's not a bad. I'm not saying this is a bad movie. I'm just saying as far as like, like, uh, as far as like Disney goes, like this, it looked beautiful. I thought like the fantasy world that they set up here was awesome. I just. And I thought Kelly, Mitch, Kelly Marie Tran did a fantastic job as the lead, but it was, it was kind of like, you know, Aquafina and the comedy and the baby, this little baby character with these monkeys that, you know, and like the whole Ocean's Eleven scene where they're like, I, I kind of rolled my eyes at some of the stuff and, and, um, I don't know. It just didn't work for me. I'm glad that you guys enjoyed this. So. Yeah, I feel bad that you were such a curmudgeon during it. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think, in any, and if anything, though, I'm sorry that you fucking suck the dick at Disney for every fucking movie that they come out with, Jake. Oh, I'm sorry too. I appreciate that apology. <laughs> Jesus Christ! If, if if fucking Walt Disney's dick was presented to you, Jake would suck that icicle cock. You would totally do it. Potentially. <laughs> 
<laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. But I think one of the things that, like, for me at least, again, I like that you're seeing different Asian cultures. Like, you actually, and it's things that you haven't seen in Disney before. You know, like, you have, you know, essentially, like, a Vietnamese, like, floating market. Like, that was, I don't know, I just, I appreciated, and the fact that it was gorgeous, I mean, the movie is absolutely gorgeous. And I think I, I liked having that representation in there. And again, for me, the message, it very much resonates today. I mean, right now, I mean, we are dealing with a plague and we need to put our differences aside to try to, you know, overcome it. Like, I, it very much hit me, I guess, in the moment. Well, that's so. a good way to look at it. Maybe I didn't look at it that way. And it has nothing to do with the representation. I love it when it's, I mean, Black Panther is one of my favorite Marvel movies, and that's a predominantly black cast, and I think that I fucking love that. I loved uh, Crazy Rich Asians. It's just, if I'm looking at this movie for, like, how I felt when I watched it, it just didn't, it just didn't hit me the way that, uh, that some of the other Disney movies have. And I'm not saying that I fucking like, you know, at the end of Wreck-It Ralph, I'm in tears and shit. That's, that's not what happened. <laughs> but during Wreck-It Ralph, when the, when the humor and all the like fuck, every- the humor and the member berries in Wreck-It Ralph really did it for me, man. Fucking seeing like Bowser and like, you know, M. Bison and all these characters and like <laughs> some of the jokes in that movie just really landed for me. And I, I think Aquafina is super talented and super fucking funny, but her dragon character just didn't work for me. I didn't find the character annoying. I just didn't feel like the jokes landed. And they're making jokes. And if you make a joke, I need to fucking laugh along with the joke. And I wasn't laughing in this movie. And that's kind of like what, you know, if you're going to make these jokes, man, make me fucking laugh. I love what you're saying, June, the message of this movie. And the message of this movie, I didn't even look at it that way. And I think the way that you've presented the message of this movie is 100% dead fucking on, and it applies today. I think that that is great. Maybe if I watch the movie again through that lens, I'll appreciate it a little bit more. But it just, the, upon first watch, I just was not blown away by this movie, sadly. And I, I'm sorry. I would apologize. And I, you, don't no, apologize. you don't need to apologize. No, I'm a, I'm a fucking curmudgeon. I'm a fucking curmudgeon, Jake. I was making a joke, man. I, that joke didn't land either. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I thought I, I was like, "Who's on the podcast yeah. right now? Is it Jake or is it Aquafina in this movie?" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, I get it. So I mean, subjective. It is. Like, you're right, and and Aquafina, like her her style. I mean, this very much was her style of comedy. She does like this kind of like chatterbox, like kind of oh, excited. I, I, I love type of comedy. Her, her delivery on everything is great. I just feel like the jokes didn't land for uh, me themselves. Right. Was it because of like the, anach- the anachronistic quality of the jokes? Because like this is set in like very much in the past and she's, Making jokes like present day, like she's making references to things like CD yeah. raps and whatever. Yeah, like. it's kind of like watch it like The Emperor's New Groove. That movie kind of like was weird. It's funny. It's funny. Some parts of that movie That's are funny. The best Disney movie ever. It's good. I love David Spade, and I love. I, <laughs> I maybe that, that was, was the, actually maybe that was a bad example, Neil, because I do like that movie too. <laughs> you got Neil fired up. <laughs> yeah. <woo-hoo. laughs> no, I. Yeah, but I wonder though. I could see how that might rub people the wrong way though. The bad, like the set, this setting is like. Mm-hmm. You know, 
I, I guess I wanted I it. It's an ancient land. I wanted it making. To, yeah. The day jokes. Yeah. Like I'm looking at this fantasy world and maybe it's just that part of me that just like, you know, I've watched like, uh, like the Lord of the Rings movies and stuff like that. And like, you know, the comedy in that there are, there is comedy in those movies, but the comedy in those fantasy movies felt Lord of the Rings work for me. Like when, you know, like get between Gimli and Legolas and all that shit, like I'm really, I've really spent a lot of time with these characters and how different they are in that world and them coming together and being very like competitive with one another. And like when they're the very tossing joke, yeah, the tossing, yeah. no one tosses a dwarf. Kills, how many kills they have. Yeah. Yes. And like, here's the thing, like you have all these different people from these different lands. And I felt like it was just like the little girl with the, with the little capuchin. She was creepy. The, I will admit she was the, the con baby was, was, was creepy. Yeah. The little baby with the capuchin monkeys or whatever they were. I mean, it's just that that character didn't work for me. I loved the I thought the little boy that was the cook. I loved him. He was great. I thought really? he was fantastic. I loved him. But like. I don't think that they spend enough time with like her in, like her relationships with like some of the characters that she comes with comes in contact along the way in this journey. I just didn't feel like there's this like the, like this family bond. Like Guardians of the Galaxy did it so well, where you had all these different characters: Groot, Rocket, Gamora, Drax. Like they all felt like a family of misfits by the end of the movie, and I just didn't get that connection with them at the end, to where they try to earn that moment at the very end, even with like. And I don't want to spoil, but they try to earn this moment and it didn't feel earned to me. It didn't feel like I spent enough time with these characters together to where that moment felt earned to me. And that's like my biggest problem with this movie. It has nothing to do with the all Asian cast and all the inclusion. Oh, I know. I, I totally know that. I, um, I think that that's think great. I'm- and I think like the, the whole, like this whole, like, um, the 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 lore this asian lore that they brought into this movie is beautiful and all taking from all the different like you know fantasy and culture and all that stuff i think it's i think it's awesome i love i love any world that deals with dragons and magic and stuff like that and honestly like for all the people that hated kelly marie tran in the last she's jedi so she's so fucking good. fantastic she's a great voice actor i thought that she was great as Ra- uh, as raya and I loved her as Raya. I just feel like, you know, the death of her father and all this stuff, it just didn't hit me the way that that I really wish that this movie would have at the end of the day. But I do think that this movie is worth watching once it's available on Disney Plus. Um, when it's just basically like it's included in your membership. But dropping thirty dollars on this right now, no, I don't think it's worth it. I will give the movie a taste it and I you know what? It might be something that I rewatch and maybe, uh, yeah, this might be one of those things where like they might explore this whole world in a Disney Plus series going forward. And I'd be down for that, man, because this whole world that is pretty, good. this whole world is very cool, the world that they set up. I love, you know, humans and dragons. And I mean, think about like one of my favorite, uh, animated movies that have come out has been, um, How to Train Your Dragon. Jake, you know this. I love the How to Train Your Dragon movies. So, like, there's a lot that they could do with humans and dragons living in the same world together. And, you know, we might see more of this going forward. Yeah, and I definitely agree with you on some points. I mean, I Tupperware this thing, and I'm, I will still not recommend you spend 30 bucks on it. Yeah, me either. All right. <laughs> Shut up. I'm so glad I didn't spend 30 bucks on it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't want to spend 30 bucks, like I said, on new Marvel or Star Wars releases. That's just highway robbery. That's It's a mean practice. 
Uh, let's see here. Coming to America. Coming to America, this dropped on Amazon Prime. The African monarch Akeem learns he has a long-lost son in the United States and must return to America to meet his unexpected heir and build a relationship with his son. The film is directed by Craig Brewer from a screenplay from Kenya Barris, Barry Blaustein, and David Sheffield, and the story by Blaustein, Sheffield, and Justin Canoe. Based on characters created by Murphy, it's the second installment in the Coming to America film series. Stars Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, Jermaine Fowler, Leslie Jones, Tracy Morgan, Kiki Lane, Sherry Headley, uh, Tiana Taylor, Wesley Snipes, and James Earl Jones. This was originally going to be theatrically released by Paramount Pictures, but the film's distribution rights were sold to Amazon Studios due to the COVID-19 pandemic, and they dropped it on Amazon. I want to know, you guys, how did you guys feel about the original Coming to America? It's an absolute Tupperware for me. I think it's a perfect movie. I love that movie so much. I saw it. Same. I think I saw yeah. it when I was 11 after it. Like, I, my parents were not going to go take me to an Eddie Murphy R-rated movie when it came out when I was, like, 10 years old. But I did see it, like, on HBO or, or something like that when it came out. Um, I saw it in the drive-in when I was that age. No shit. My parents would not take me to a fucking Eddie Murphy R-rated movie when I was a child. There was no way. Uh, mine did because I did watch this the year it was released. Um we were on vacation. We were on vacation, and like the resort that we were in, you know, Cape Cod or something. I was I was young. I mean, this came out what 87? 88. 88? 88. 88. So I was like seven. Okay, I was seven years old then. Um, but it was it was like this conference or something at this resort, and there was like a movie theater there, and I was like the youngest of like all the kids that were there, but like they had already planned this like movie outing, and so. You know, I, I they just took me along with them. Um, and honestly, I mean, there's not, there's nothing to. I mean, yes, there's many f bombs. Like, there's they say fuck a lot. I mean, a lot. There's a lot of cursing, but there's in, tits. Like, there's, there's tits. Like, but for like two seconds, there's no. But there's no like sex scene. But there's, there's no tits. There's tits in the movie. Okay, yeah. No one's fondling them or anything. I mean, uh, there's, okay, they're, there, there, right? they're stationary tits. Okay. Still. The female body deserves to be regulated like that. So, anyway, I saw it when I was like seven years old. So, and it was one of my favorite movies as a kid. Like, I used to watch it all the time. Oh, but what's fucked up is in the 80s, wasn't there that movie Just One of the Guys that was rated PG and that movie had tits in it? Wow, I didn't. Nerds I was rated PG, movie. wasn't it? Wasn't Nerds rated PG? Possibly. Revenge of the Nerds was R. Just was one, of, oh. just one of the guys was that movie where that uh, I can't, I don't know the actor's name, but she was, uh, she was pretending to be a guy, and at the end of the movie, like the yes. guy, yeah, okay, yeah. she like rips her shirt open and she's like, boom, here, I'm a fucking, I'm a woman, and she's got like, you know, C or D size tits, and it's like that was PG, <laughs> and I was, I was like, oh, my. I remember watching that as a kid, <laughs> just for that scene. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember my dad coming into the room one time when I was watching it and he was like, um, there's, there's, uh, you shouldn't be watching this. There's a scene coming up later. And I was like, no, there's not. Uh, uh-uh. uh. And I totally knew <laughs> that the, I totally knew there were boobies in the movie. And I was like, 
I enjoyed the movie because I thought it was really funny, but I also enjoyed looking at her boobies because I was a fucking, I was a 12 year, <laughs> I was a 12 year old boy that enjoyed looking at boobs. But, um, it, the first one's definitely got R rated humor in it, I think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I saw, I saw the first one on Monday for the first time. What? Wow. What? Well, I was five when it came out. That's and... I was only, I was seven. Yeah, but and I, then I and was... for the next thirty years, you didn't bother. <laughs> yeah, it's no, like... I'm not a big Eddie Murphy fan. Like, I like some of his stuff, and I dislike a lot of his stuff. So, it was never like a, a thing that I was trying to seek out to watch. Um, you didn't have it. to. They played it all the time on TV, like TVS I don't and TNT. Watch TV. Well, I guess back then, like back 20 years ago, I don't know. I didn't watch TV then either. Like, that's not a thing that is is a part of my life. So it never, like, I never crossed paths with it. it. Um, And and so I I watched it on Monday to, you know, prepare for this new one that we were going to review. And I enjoyed it. It was a fun movie. Um, but I don't have any special reverence for the movie, the, the original, like I, there, it doesn't, it's not on a pedestal for me or anything. Um, but, but it was a fun movie. Uh, you're a pedestal. Yeah. You're a, <laughs> you're a, <laughs> totally, he's okay. totally a pedestal. <laughs> 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 I love that. June, that is like that's awesome. <laughs> You're a pedestal. Snapback of the episode for sure. <laughs> oh my god, that's so good. Um Coming to America too. Uh yeah, let's just jump in. We are we know how Neil feels about it. Um so no, let I, don't. I No. <laughs> I said coming to America, not coming to America. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> before we get that too far, so bad. Before we get too far into this review, let me ask this question: Was Prince Akeem raped? That is ba- not, that, basically uh, yes. Yes, and that is one of I have issues. Everyone is getting raped in in 2021. We had we we had the guy from Wonder Woman 1984 getting raped yeah. by Wonder yeah. Woman, and now Prince Akeem is getting raped by Leslie Jones in this movie. So yeah, so I guess the I guess I I guess the answer is yes. Prince Akeem was raped in this movie. Um, yep. Were we raped as fans? Of this franchise, I want to know, Jake. What did you think about uh, coming to America? I thought this movie was going to be god awful, and it definitely wasn't the best or very necessary. But I, I did find myself enjoying it more than I thought I would. I'm going to give it a solid taste. It. There were some really cringy moments. Um, I thought the the barbershop stuff was really bad this time around, and that was some of the best stuff in the first movie. Um, but there were some moments that really had me cracking up. Um, I thought James Earl Jones attending his own funeral and being alive and standing <laughs> in his oh my office God. had me just I'm fucking, going to die now. <laughs> yeah, I, I was cracking up at that. Um, a little bit too much time spent on The Prince for my liking. I would have liked a story that revolved more around the Eddie Murphy and the Arsenio Hall characters. Um, I thought Wesley Snipes was absolutely fantastic in this movie. Yeah. He kind of stole the show as the villain. Um, 
but yeah, this man, I was just ready to toss the shit out of this thing. And I, I thought it was a little bit better than, than I expected it to be. My, Did it need to be made? No, but worth watching if you love the original. My favorite thing was when the new prince was, uh, when he was talking to Simmy about his walk. <laughs> and, and, and he, and they were fucking bagging on each other. And he, and he told Simmy that he looked like a slave from the future. <laughs> <laughs> he said, he said, he said, you look like a slave, like the, fu- from the future. He says, Jar Jar Binks looking ass. Yes. It was so, it was so subtle. You could barely hear it. I love that. I lost my shit with that. Oh my God. It was so funny. I think like this, like why did they, why did he even have daughters? They spent zero time on those daughters yep. at all like i don't yes, even i don't even feel like i know their personalities at all at all any of the daughters i feel like i know nothing about them like the one more glasses i felt like she was fleshed out i think velma from scooby-doo was fleshed out more than fucking well, she, was. she was played by eddie murphy's actual daughter she didn't so do shit he didn't some more time on her than the youngest they didn't give her or any of the daughters <laughs> shit in this movie to do. They gave them nope. nothing to do, man. Nothing to do in this movie. I will say that I fucking like some of the member berries in this movie totally worked for me. Even when it came down to like the musical guests that they had on when they had fucking like En Vogue come out and Salt and Pepper, I was just like, oh my God. Yeah. Yes, this is awesome. I fucking love that. Um, this movie should have been an absolute toss it, but I actually, I laughed quite a bit more than I probably should have. Even with it being <laughs> PG 13, I'll, I'll give it a high taste. And I actually, I actually had a lot more fun with this movie than I, sh- than I should have. Um, you know, uh, I thought Leslie Jones was great in it. Tracy Morgan didn't do a lot for me. But I thought Wesley Snipes was hilarious. Um, <laughs> I wanted more Arsenio and Simi. You know, I wanted more. I did want more from our original characters. I loved when fucking uh, Lisa got drunk with Leslie Jones. I thought oh, that yeah. that was hilarious, man. I did. I, I really enjoyed all the like member berries that we got out of this. Um, I love seeing John Amos come back. I'm a big fan of John Amos. I've I've loved him since Good Times, and uh, so it was nice to see his character come back and then have like a, you know, that sweet moment uh, of not a sweet moment, but a funny moment of him uh, talking with uh, Eddie Murphy's character about like how he should handle you know his son and all this shit. And I love all the new McDowell stuff. You know the Mc, <laughs> the McFlurby. You know, our, the McFlurby, like, our toppings aren't on the top. Ours are on the bottom. Uh, so, <laughs> so, I, I, you know, it's like, yeah, it's, a, they, they, I think the member berries for this worked for me. I'll give it a high taste. It, I, did it need to be made? Absolutely not. Because I think Coming to America is a perfect movie. I think it's a perfect comedy. And it, you know, you got Eddie Murphy at the height. Of his fucking career doing that movie, you know, you know, coming off of like some of his stand up specials and, uh, and, uh, you know, Beverly Hills Cop. And I mean, he, that movie was just so fucking funny. And, uh, 
Trading Spaces. Oh my god, that movie's great too. I love Trading Spaces. Oh, so good. So fucking hilarious. But man, Jake, Jake, I gotta ask you this, dude. Jay Farrow, do you think he was like banging on the door to be his son in this movie? Do you think Jay Farrow was like, do you think Jay Farrow feels slighted not being in this movie? I can see what you're saying there. I'm glad, as much as I didn't enjoy the Prince character they chose, I'm glad they didn't go that route. I wouldn't want to see someone impersonating Eddie Murphy. Yeah. That would have been a bit too heavy handed. But yeah, we all, Jay Farrow's idol is Eddie Murphy, so it's like. Oh, and I love Jay Farrow too. And I just don't think that would have been the right direction. Uh, Jay Farrow, I mean, Jay Farrow had his moments. They were wanting him to be the next Eddie Murphy on SNL, and it just didn't happen for him, so. Yeah, I would have rather just seen it work with his daughters and spend more time with, with that. I guess we would have lost yes. Leslie Jones yes. in that story. They didn't line, do but. shit. They didn't do shit with the daughters in this movie. Uh, that's exa- you're right. You're right. Exactly. Jake like that. Yeah. They needed to do more with the daughters. They All right. There are so many things you could do with the daughters. what did you think June? So, you know what? I am going to give this, I'm not, you know, I'll give it a, a taste it. Um, you're right. I mean, the, there were nostalgic moments, you know, the old jokes, they, they, the member berries did, you know, you, you can't help but smile when certain characters come up on the screen. I think my problem though is just overall, you're right. I love coming to America. The, the first one, the one that came out in the eighties. That's yeah. my favorite Eddie Murphy movie. I, I watched this movie so many times growing up. I adore this movie and I actually re- I watched it after watching the sequel and it, for me, it still holds up. Um, yeah, yeah. But I think. <sighs> You, the jokes, though, that they were trying, that they did then, like you can watch that through an '80s lens. You can't do those same jokes in a 2021 lens. And, and honestly, it kind of felt a little regressive. The sequel felt regressive. And after watching the the, um, the first one again, you know, Prince Akeem is, you know, he's supposed to be more progressive, right? And like he, the whole point is like he wants to be with someone who's his equal, like a partner. I mean, you would think that over the past 30 years, I think what bothered me was like Zamunda is still this patriarchal society where women can't own businesses and a woman can't be queen. And I'm like, I would think that coming back from America like and working, you know, working with his dad, you know, being ruling the country with his dad or whatever, like he would have try to be more progressive like i would have much rather i think it'd be more interesting to see a different zamunda well, especially with like where, with his wife lisa you think that she would have been exactly like, yeah. no i get it. exactly well, another big problem I, I have with this movie is like the fact that like after his dad dies there's like no grieving period it's kind of just like okay now i've got to find my son and my son's got to take over the country for me my dad died and it's like i'm not even going to it's like it, there, there was like no grieving period for his father at all. <laughs> it was oh, no. so and bizarre. The, well, the whole point. Wesley Snipes was going to come shoot him all. <laughs> well, but it's just the fact of like why he even had to have like why did that have to be the storyline of like him having like I just felt like the whole like he has a bastard son back in America. That felt so contrived. Like it was something they had to fit in. Like, why couldn't you focus on the daughters? Like Kiki Lane, the one who plays the oldest daughter, the one that really wants to be. She is a fantastic actress. She fantastic. was in If Beale Street, and uh, If Beale Street could talk. Totally like wasted in this movie. Like you could have done something where, 
what would have been interesting is like you could have had her like maybe be in America, right? Like she could be going to school at Columbia or something and she meets a guy and kind of almost following like in her, in her father's footsteps. But Eddie Murphy 30 years later though has kind of more turned into his father. And it's almost like he's like, and kind of maybe like the, the relationship between those two. I don't know. You could have done so many different things. Like you actually did not even need to have a bastard child that you got to bring from America. And he kept calling him his bastard I, son. No, that was kind of funny. As he went to the daughters, he was like, so-and-so like, this is your bastard brother. And then when he gets to the third daughter, he was like, I, I, yes, I get I, it. I know my bastard brother. Yeah. They're like, I get it. But, um, and also I felt like, the love interest that the um, Lavelle, the son, has, like, she was just, she was just there. There was, like, I didn't buy. They the- fell, they fell in love very quickly. Like, we saw, well, like, no. in the previous movie, we saw, I, I understood why Akeem fell in love with Lisa. They basically, like, she cuts his hair one time, and they talk about movies, and he's in love with her. Yeah, it, it just didn't feel. He was authentic. right by her boobs too. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, true. There we go. Boobs were a big part of that. Boobs were yeah. a very big part of that. Just like I think boobs, tits were a big part of the first movie, Joan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were there. I mean, I know you guys are more excited tits. about it than me, but wait, um, it doesn't matter what age you are. We always get excited about boobs. <laughs> <laughs> Men always get excited about boobs, and it doesn't I matter know. what size they are. They give me. It doesn't matter. Boobs are boobs. Boobs, boobs are amazing. Are boobs. What's that, yeah. Neil? They are all shapes and sizes. Yeah, all shapes and sizes are welcome. No, well, like I, I don't have the same reverence that all y'all have for the original. Uh, obviously, that's, that's clear. Uh, yeah, we heard about that, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> so, like. But but I went in, went into this with some very very low expectations. I, I had seen some of the comments from a fellow army members about how bad this movie was. Yeah. So I I had absolutely zero expectations going into it, and I had a really fun time watching this. It was it was entertaining. Um, yes, I, I I agree that the the bastard subplot was totally unnecessary. But again, this movie itself was totally unnecessary. Um, it was it was fun to see a lot of the cameos, you know, like Wesley Snipes, Morgan Freeman, uh, the En Vogue, uh, Salt and Pepper. Pepper. That was fun. Uh, I love the Colin Jones. Why no scene. love for Spinderella? Why couldn't? <laughs> oh, there's no love for Spinderella. No love for Spinderella. Hey, why couldn't bells. we get Spinderella cutting it up Pick one more time? Out. She could. We couldn't get her cutting it up one more time, Jake. <laughs> Salt and Pepper kicked her out. She burned yeah. that bridge. Oh wow! I did not know this. This oh, is. Oh yeah. I need to go. Oh, v- yeah, I need to go. I need to go theme. full VH1 behind the music on this, don't I? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's very upset at them still. Mm. Okay. All right. Back to coming to America. Oh, sorry, Neil. <laughs> I I did really like the Colin Jost scene just because I love when Colin Jost plays like the most typical white person in the world. He's so good at being that smug, a douche, douchey white dude. <laughs> yeah. like, he's really fucking good at it, and, and, and so I love that scene. Um, I was disappointed that there were so many flashback scenes where they played a lot of the original movie 
in this runtime. I thought that was a little weird. But overall, I had a really fun time with it. I was way more um, entertained than I thought I was going to be by this one. Um, I was very disappointed that James Earl Jones looked so fucking old. That that broke my goddamn heart. Oh, um, but I'll, I... gi- I'll give this movie a taste. It, it, it was a... F- it was fun. I, I had I didn't feel like turning it off. Um, it, it was enjoyable, and like there was some funny stuff in it, and it was it was it was better than I was expecting. Spoken like a true pedestal. June, <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you write this one? Yeah, I I'm, no, I will give it a taste. It because you know it. Yes, there. It was, there were funny moments in it. It was the problem that I had with it were not enough to make it a toss it. But I mean, I guess I guess I'm more disappointed in that I felt like there were so many different there are so many different ways you could have gone with this to make this a much more enjoyable movie. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It, just, it almost felt like they were just stuck in the '80s making this today. Like almost yeah. like they were like not aware. Like this isn't. Hey, this was funny in the first one. Let's do it again in this one without. You know, maybe taking a beat and going, oh, but wait, <laughs> let's try to look at it through today's lens. Does it fly? Like, you know, not consensual sex. Like, mm, no, don't really fly today. Um, and so, but, you know, but again, you know, I did, I loved seeing the old characters. The one thing I do wish those, I think part of the charm of the first one, though, is the interaction with Arsenio Hall and eddie murphy yeah like that's probably my favorite part and they're together all the time in that first one you they're not you don't have as much of that in this one um and i did miss i missed that a lot like i kind of wished we had more like one-on-one time with you know them yeah Yeah. one of the funniest moments in the movie was during the end credits when uh eddie murphy literally kicks arsenio hall oh yeah (laughs) Uh, I'm hoping that they come out with another one, and it's titled Coming 3, America. Ugh. Please, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. He's done. Let's, let's do... What's it? Say just so they can get to the fourth one, Coming 4, America. Ooh. Ah. I like that, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> you have cemented your... Porno-esque type. Yes, coming. I, you know, I like coming on America, and I just want it to be. <laughs> yeah, I seriously just let's just get all pervy with it. Um, let, yeah, fill that Grand Canyon <laughs> up. Fill it up with cum. <laughs> America's oh. just one big sock for me. Just one, yeah. Just <laughs> fuck it. I just I want jizz all over it. <laughs> Gross. J- no, there's nothing. Jizz is. <laughs> We're talking about jizz now. <laughs> I'm gonna eat a bunch of pineapple Ugh. and just fucking come all over Florida. Yes, Amer- <laughs> America's swampy wang is what I like to call Florida. <laughs> Looks like a dick, doesn't it? Um, America's penis. Let's take a break. And come back. We got a, we got a few more things to talk about in Good Pop, Bad Pop. We're going to take a break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about those few more things. <laughs> How's that sound? Woo! 
Yeah, I can't wait to hear what Neil watched uh, oh, before. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. What is what is it? What is this? Mo- I can't wait to find out what this th- this thing is that Neil watched that he hated this morning. I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to it. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Well, let me tell you something, brother. You should head over to popcultureleftovers.com and use the Amazon shopping link for all your shopping needs. Ooh, yeah. The cream of the crop always rise to the top, dig it? Speaking of cream, you can probably buy it on Amazon. Not 100% sure. Yeah. To all my little Hulkamaniacs, say your prayers, take your vitamins, and you will never go wrong, brother. And listen, dude, you can buy those vitamins through the Amazon shopping link on popcultureleftovers.com. Ooh, yeah. I just bought a neon orange cowboy hat and a curtain of Slim Jims. Snap into a Slim Jim. Head on over to popcultureleftovers.com now and use the link. Because what you going to do, brother? When pop culture leftovers runs wild on you. All right, hey, we are back, and uh, I think we've got a few more things to cover here in Good Pop, Bad Pop. First thing I want to talk about is a movie that dropped on Netflix in the middle of the week. It's a movie called Moxie. And it's fed up with sexist and toxic status quo at her high school. A shy 16-year-old finds inspiration from her mother's rebellious past and anonymously publishes a zine that sparks a school-wide coming-of-rage revolution. Jake, do you remember zines? Do you remember zines? I, oh, I do. I do. I used to get quite a few of them. I used to get zines as well, man. Zines are, listen, oh, Neil, you don't remember Coming to America, the original 1988 movie, but you got, you got your share, you got your fair share of zines, didn't you? Yeah, I was a big part of the, the punk rock uh, situation going on. What's more punk rock than watching 90s. Coming to America, Neil? Well, oh. listening to punk rock for one thing. Okay, good point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Moxie is directed by Amy Poehler, uh, and uh, it's uh, Tamara Chestnut and Dylan Meyer adapted the screenplay from the 2015 novel of the same name by Jennifer Mathieu. It stars Hadley Robinson, Lauren Sy, Patrick Schwarzenegger, that is Arnold Schwarzenegger's son, uh, Nico Haraga, yeah. Sidney Park. The guy from that terrible horror movie we reviewed a few months oh, back. Yeah, I remember this. <laughs> Josephine Langford. Is that Josephine Langford any relation to Catherine Langford? I don't know. I'm glad I have you well informed. (laughs) (laughs) I always get the most well informed guests. Uh, Clark Gregg. Is, is that, is that Clark Gregg from, uh, the, uh, Marvel stuff? Yeah, it's the same guy. Ike (laughs) Barinholtz, Amy Poehler, and Marsha Gay Harden also star in the film. And, uh, yeah, this dropped on Netflix and, uh, I want to know what you guys thought of. She is the younger sister of Catherine Langford. She is the younger sister of Cat. Thank God I have Neil the pedestal on this podcast (laughs) (laughs) with the breaking news, breaking news. 
you know, you, you can't think that there's too many Hollywood Langfords, right, Neil? Right. Yeah, I made that connection, right? Now, now I've got you some did. other, I've got some other people you going. Did I got some? I I did. You you put you did it, you, Brian. You put a little too much emphasis on that, Neil, and it almost <laughs> it almost feels it like you're overboard. Yeah, a little overboard. It feels like you're mocking me in a way. So I am no, gonna. I would never do that. Ah, fuck you. Um, <laughs> we watched Moxie. Who watched Moxie? I did. Uh, I did. I did. I uh, can we all do it as like a barbershop quartet? I did. I did. I did. Uh, June, that was weak as know. fuck. <laughs> well, I've never been in a barbershop quartet. No so. shit. None but of us have. have. June. <laughs> None of us likely than me. None of us have, and yet we. I think that we really came together there, and then you (laughs) fucked it up. Uh, You know, at least I tried. I I actually wasn't going to, but you know, I tried. Oh my gosh! All right, whatever. Yep. (sighs) Gosh. (laughs) It was like it was like, dude. I did. I did. I I did. Uh, Neil, what did you think about, uh, the movie Moxie? What, like, uh, let, go over it a little bit, uh, and then, and then tell me what your thoughts were on, uh, on Moxie on Netflix. Yeah, um, it was about this girl who was kind of a wallflower, it seemed like. She was just kind of on the peripheral of her high school experience, and then she drew some inspiration from her mother being a rebel in high school and decided to channel her frustrations in a positive way to create change in this very backwards thinking high school. And like this movie really fucking surprised me. Um, I, I did not think that I was going to connect with <laughs> a high school girl in, in such a visceral way. Um, it really kind of reminded me of how I was in high school, especially with the music that they chose. You know, the, the Bikini Kill stuff was front and center. But then, like, when she opened up her mom's uh, suitcase, there was, like, a Descendants sticker on there. The Descendants are one of my favorite fucking punk bands. Um, so, like, that aspect of it really, really helped me connect with it. I, I fucking... Um, power cried through like half of this movie just with with the rebellious nature of it the um, the empowerment and the radicalization uh, of this girl and and seeing her journey really like spoke to me Neil thought and to himself none of these girls would have spent thirty dollars on Raya and the last dragon fuck <laughs> no they wouldn't have. and it really really uh, resonated with you it did. It did. And like, I loved a, a lot of the, the, the peripheral performances like Ike Barinholtz as that teacher was fucking fantastic. Uh, I thought Amy Poehler did a great job as the mom. She has never looked, she has never looked mommier before in her yeah. life. Agreed. She looks super mommy. Like, like honestly, <laughs> it's like, I think Judy Greer watched this and she's like, I'm out of a job. seriously probably right like she was perfect as like that former rebel mom who's now kind of like 
a coolish mom, but who's actually trying to be an authority figure in her daughter's life, not just a friend. Yeah. Like a lot of the times in these kind of movies, you get the, the mom who, who is just trying to be a friend to her daughter or like her character in uh, mean girls who is trying to be a peer with her daughter in this, in this instance, she was not trying to do that. She was trying to do the, the best thing for her daughter, uh, which is partially to commiserate, but also to be an actual, um, person to look up to and to be a role model for her child. And I really appreciated the, the, the delicate balance that this movie took in taking old school tropes of like high school movies and teen dramas and all that kind of stuff. And then, and kind of just making it more realistic. And yes, there were elements that are present in a lot of these high school movies, but they were done in a more realistic fashion that didn't take me out of the movie as much as they have in the past. Um, there, like the way this movie progressed really felt natural. And like you had these fractured friendship situations, but then they got resolved uh, you have some sweet romance stuff. You have some shitty teenager bullshit stuff, but all of it felt like well done and, and not played up for superficial drama. Um, like there, from the very beginning, we get a very quick establishment of all the characters and the tone of the movie. We get what, what this world is. It's established very quickly, and we're immediately thrust into the central conflict of the empowerment of the female population of the school against these toxic jackasses. And like, that's what the movie's about. And it's perfect. I fucking love this movie. As I said earlier, did you get it through half of it? I want to know, did you get it like a, like a, like with her having like this, like, you know, she is the the girl behind this zine, Moxie, mm-hmm. that is, you know, trying to start this revolution in the school. Did you get a little bit of a Christian Slater pump up the volume vibe? Totally. I was going to bring <laughs> that up when I talked about it myself. Totally. We'll talk about yeah. it, Jake. Yeah. Go ahead, Neil. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, like when I was in high school, I started a – me and a, a friend of mine, we, we, we started an ACL, ACLU-backed student union on our campus that was part of our one of our uh, senior projects to uh, affect governmental change in our school. And I got a lot of those vibes. Like, we, we started this thing, and then a couple years after we had graduated from high school, uh, the members of that student union who were still there staged a walkout because of, you know, personal, not personal, but, but reasons that are confined to our locality. Um, but like that, that pride I felt of, of something that I had created being used to affect positive change was very similar to the feeling I was getting while watching this movie. And like, it it really affected me in a very deep level. And 
it it, it really like especially with the music tied to the revolution that that she was bringing about was like my music like that was my generation's music uh, of of rebellion and standing up against things that are wrong and the fact that they tied all that together and they they brought it into the this new generation was really 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 fucking good in my opinion jake what did you think man yeah i absolutely love this movie this this was a tupperware for me um I just thought it did a great job of like just showing like how high schools can just be kind of disgustingly male dominant, especially when it comes to their sports stars. And I like that they didn't really leave it open for interpretation. This Mitchell character, he was a scumbag. There was no denying it. I mean, within the first 20 minutes of the movie, he's spitting in another character's Coke because something isn't going his way. And just the corruption between the principal and, you know, because he's a sports star and how they deal with what he's doing. Like you can kind of see these things are probably happening. And I, I'm with Neil. Like I got very emotional during this and it wasn't a movie I expected to connect with the characters as much as I did, but man, I I really did. I I liked it a lot. If I, if, if I have any complaint about this movie, it's that I almost wanted follow up. Like I almost wanted like a fast times at Ridgemont high, like text ending just to know where are they now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I would have really liked to, to have seen that. Um, I really liked the character of Seth, who um, becomes like Vivian's boyfriend yeah. in the movie. I thought he was a fantastic character. Um, I, I did. I also loved the teacher, who was Ike Barinholtz. Yeah, um, I thought the scene when the the girl was taping him on the cell phone and he just felt trapped <laughs> and didn't like didn't even know what to say. Was I feel like. The most- I feel like Ike Barinholtz is like the guy that Hollywood is calling now that's taking all the roles that TJ Miller is missing out on. Yeah, yeah. that makes that makes a lot of sense. I thought they did a great job with that character because you really didn't know what side of the debate that character really stood on until <laughs> he was, the last quarter of the movie. I yes, the reveal at the end was fantastic for him. I loved yeah. that. It's like it's like cuz like is this guy like a shithead? Or, you know, and I loved that. I absolutely love that. Like playing with the idea that as a teacher, he is, he's beholden to a certain yeah. set of rules passed down by the school board, but he's also got his own personal feelings that he has to try and, like, <laughs> you know, there's a very delicate balance as a teacher of what sure. you can give, like, present to your children, to the children that are in your charge, but also, like what you feel personally and what is appropriate for that setting. Like that that was beautifully done, I thought. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of times when you have a movie with a plot line like this, it like all the male characters will be scum. And I, mm-hmm. I appreciated as a male that this movie showed that like there are some some decent guys out there that aren't Yeah. Like, like usually it's it's just one extreme or the other with this kind of movie. And there it was nice to see multiple male characters that weren't part allies. of the thing that moxie was like rallying against yeah it was a there was a lot of allies in the movie that were presented very very well yeah, yeah and like well you had like the principal of the school who you know you know who you hope that that a female character would be an ally and yet she was part of the problem she was yeah that's another great point the, 
part, the, the problem itself. Yeah. I, I'm going to jump in here and I'm going to hear June's thoughts, but I, yeah, this movie snuck up on me too. It snuck up on me. I, I was not expecting to, to really love this movie. And then by the end of it, when our main character Vivian goes through, you know, uh, this, this, this whole story arc and, and like we get this speech at the end. I'm like, I'm getting super emotional with her and watching her like in her 11th grade year, which it's interesting that it's, it's, it's 11th grade. Like it makes you think like we got a whole senior year. Could we get a sequel? I would love a sequel. <laughs> anyway, um, I loved this movie too. I, th- it's an absolute Tupperware. I love Seth and, and, um, you know, I just I loved seeing, uh, you know, the scumbags in the school being uh, proven that they are scumbags. And and uh, for as much as Mitchell was a shithead, I think Patrick Schwarzenegger did a great job in that role of playing that yeah. absolute douchebag, you know, agreed almost so well that you, you'd think he could potentially be typecast in future movies. Yeah, like kind of like a like a it's crazy, but like you get like that feeling like of a, a you know, like a of a Steve from that first season of Stranger Things where <laughs> yeah, a total Jokiri type character, you know what I mean? Uh, so, a Steve from Stranger Things. Uh, but I think I'm thinking of a character from Veronica Mars uh I can't remember the actor's name, but like, yeah, it's a very similar douchey character. Yeah. Who, who could possibly, I mean, obviously this particular character cannot come back from what he's done, but the actor himself could play a similar character that could have a good arc. Yeah. Uh, I also liked, uh, the, the mother, uh, Amy Poehler plays the mother and she starts this relationship with Clark Gregg's character and how Vivian gets so wrapped up in this movement that, that basically she t- starts taking it out on Clark Gleg- Gregg's character for no reason at the, yeah. din- at the dinner table. I thought that that was a powerful scene. Um, I really enjoyed that and I love that Clark Gregg wasn't a douchebag. So that was, that was yes. great. Um, but I really liked Claude, the character of Claudia and the relationship between Claudia and yeah. Vivian, the yeah. two best friends. There was one point in the movie where I was like, man, Claudia is terrible. And then you kind of see it from her viewpoint. Yes. What she thinks about it. And then I felt bad for thinking she was a bad person. <laughs> it was yeah. just like, oh man, this is really nuanced. June, what did you think about Moxie? I wanted to like this really, really much. Oh, no. Here we go. Fuck. Oh, no. I mean, I'm sorry. I wanted to like it. No, it is not a toss-it. I will give it a taste-it. I I appreciate what the movie was going for. For me personally, I just – I felt like it was more of almost like a cliff note sort of like story of how to beat the patriarchy. I just – I thought – Yes, they, you know, talk about, um, you know, being transgender, inequality, you know, in women's sports, but it was almost like a checkbox. Like, let's check these things off without actually kind of delving into it. What really, what probably the, my biggest problem with it, though, is the, the, the sort of big climax at the end. Like, the big thing that, like, the big secret that comes out. It, it just kind of felt like this, it, it, it didn't feel earned. And I honestly, like, I, I think there were certain things that you could have done 
to show like without because I, like, I don't want to spoil it, but like I feel like that could have been handled in a different way. Like maybe this person goes and tries to talk to the principal. Like you see sort of like a flashback, and like I I felt like it should have done more into delving into the problems that young women actually have. Like you know this and this happens all the time though. But like if you someone spreads a rumor about you about you being a slut, right? If you do do get sexually assaulted and you try to go to a teacher or a principal, they turn it back on you because they know about that rumor of you being a slut, right? So it's like, you know, well, they'll say like, oh, well, you know, I mean, you considering your reputation, you kind of asked for it, right? Like maybe if you weren't such a whore, you wouldn't have gotten sexually assaulted or something, you know, and I felt like they could have done more like stuff like that to more show show the like the systematic problems in the education system that perpetuates, you know, this treatment of, of, of girls going through high school. And I, I just, I mean, look, I appreciate, I think the message was great. I just, for me, I think I just wanted more see, out of see, it. See, I, I, I feel like they did show the prob- problems with going to authority figures pretty well because the principal who was played to perfection by Marcia Gay Harden. She's fantastic. Uh, I do love her. She looks like the older sister of Sandra Bullock, doesn't she? Yeah. Always has. Yeah. Um, and she's fantastic. And, and like, really good. They did show a lot of scenes of students going to her and her kind of shutting them down. Yeah. Like she's, they, they showed totally. a lot of that, that stuff of, the problems with trying to go to an established authority. Figure. She's basically saying, think, like, don't call this. So someone's annoying you. They're not. They're not harassing you because I harassing means I got to do a lot of paperwork. And Lucy was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Lucy's a fucking badass. I love that character. She was so good. But like when her interactions with the authority figures were happening, it was like, yes, this is what it's called. This is a harassment. And then her being rebuffed by this principal and that, then the principal running off to go deal with something else instead of dealing with this problem that's actually a problem, we find out that is a real fucking problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I think I'm talking about it more in the context of the actual, like, the the, the thing that at the end, the big reveal at the end. I think I'm ta- when I'm talking about it was like, not not the speeches, the thing. Yeah, like, the she's if she gets into if she gets into it, she's going to spoil a big part of the. Yeah, movie. I'm going to spoil yeah, it. No, but it's I like know. the yeah. the secret. I think I'm talking about more in context of like that would have had more impact on me to have shown what that character actually had gone through. You know. Yeah, like, yeah. Char- oh, I I get that. I think we have to so, fill in that blank. You know, like we have to. Yeah, I just, but I think it just it would have resonated a lot more powerfully with me. Um, I mean, I didn't. You know, it's. I don't hate this movie at all. I mean, it's just for me, it didn't for me personally, it just didn't quite hit the mark. Um, but there are things I did love, you know, I did love the character of Lucy. I love the character of Claudia. Um, and I do like that, you know, she's kind of sure as being prudish or, you know, she didn't want to participate and it was like, why don't you care? And I like the fact that they bring in the fact that she is a daughter of Chinese American, you know, of Chinese immigrants. Mm-hmm. Like she's first generation Chinese American. And I do appreciate because see, like I connected with that character the most because that's just like me. Like she even makes a comment. Like my mother would rather me die of some horrible disease than get suspended from school. 
because yeah. dying is more honorable than suspension. And the thing is, like, it. I'm sorry. You know what? That's true <laughs> of ancient parents. Yeah. Like, that is so, so true. Like, I would get, like, my parents would get irate at bad grades. Like, you had to always be the best student. Like, that was, that's all your parents want. It's like, you got to be smarter than everyone. You got to be the best student. And it just, that pressure to not break the rules or to not make a, to not shake, like, rock the boat because you're scared of your parents. And, and like, the culture the that you're growing up in. That's one of the things I thought the movie did really well. Was and I think it did portray, that really well. And I do really like that. I like that a lot. It portrayed different people in different situations trying to deal the best way they could. And I, I, I thought that, you know, obviously most of the cat, most of the characters are upper middle, upper middle class. Um, but it, yet it also tried to ex- expand upon that worldview and, and show other characters who aren't of that station. Yeah. Trying I, to do their best. Well, I love the fact that you've got one girl that comes from like the Bay area into this new school and she yeah. realizes like, this is all fucked up. Yeah. You've gone to school with this guy your entire life, but like the way that he treats people is fucked up. There's not okay. It's not okay. This guy is dangerous. And like the more that they befriend this new girl in school, they start to see kind of like, uh, this, the, 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 the veil come down on this fucking character on, on this kid that's been that they've gone to school with for all these years and like what a shitbag he is and like the entitlement that he has um kind of yeah <laughs> so, i mean growing so, up in yeah. a small town here uh it's a very similar situation in like from what i went through in high school uh i mean i i was part of uh the student body i was asp president like all that kind of stuff, uh, it, it's very very clicky when it when it's a high school in a small town, and a, a lot of that uh, hushing of, up of of issues is part of what is small town life. Yeah, and like that really spoke to me, and, and having this outside outside influence come in to try like that was exposing that kind of thing. Yeah, was was something that's always was always lacking in my life personally but like you know I tried to bring it per- myself but it was never like fully realized and like that's one of the things that really spoke to me in this movie was that need for overthrowing the societal norms that we've been, been we've come a long way long. we've come a long way from movies like varsity blues where it's just about yeah. you know what i mean like 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 who knows like what else is going on in that school in varsity blues to where yeah. like <laughs> like the female athletes are not like you know respected and like they, their accomplishments yeah. are their accomplishments as female athletes are kind of like diminished because of like what the male athletes are doing and the male athletes aren't even performing at the same level as like the female athletes are in the school and like 
you know, and, and I think like we have come a long way as, as far as like some of like the recognition, like look, we have a long way to go. We have a long way to go, but I'm saying we have come a long way because I think like the, the Williams sisters, Serena and Venus, like really kind of started to open up people's eyes as to females, female tennis, you know, and I, I, we need more of that, (laughs) you know? And so, uh, but I think that this movie did, you know, we've come a long way, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Varsity Blues. I, I, I still enjoy I love that. Varsity Blues. I do too. too. I love that movie, <laughs> and I'm not trying to take anything away from that. But I think like this movie is tackling issues that that we aren't we that we weren't tackling in 1999 when that movie came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, like when I first started watching the movie, because I didn't read a synopsis or anything about it, I, I, I went into it blind. And I, I kind of got a lot of like the Mean Girls vibe because it was, it, you know, it's from a similar comedic background. It, it, it's kind of in the same vein to begin with, but then like it totally switches and it, it, it goes in this entirely different direction. And I really appreciated that Amy Poehler took her experience on Mean Girls and, and what, um, uh, fuck. What's her name? Oh my god. Tina Fey. Tina, thank you. Tina Fey kind of went through on that, and then took it to the next next step, like the next logical step of okay, so we're doing this 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 high school movie based around a group of girls. What's the progression of what we want to say about this high school experience? Mm-hmm. And they they took it to the, she took it to this next level and I thought Amy Poehler's direction was really really good yeah like overall it, the pacing was really good the um, cinematography was really good uh, the comedy hit for me and the poignant parts really hit for me. I'm glad that you guys kind of got like, <laughs> that pump up the volume vibe out of this too, which, which yeah, totally. like that movie to this day, I don't know if you can stream it anywhere. Last time I checked, you can't stream it anywhere. You probably have to buy it on VHS or DVD. I, I, but man, that movie was just like, that movie was awesome. And I felt like they take, they took part of like how cool and how mysterious, like, you know, Christian Slater's character was and then like gave it to this girl who's basically she comes out and says she's an introvert. She's got an introvert personality and they think that she really leads this revolution. I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed this quite a bit. I think I, I thought it was a really important movie. And and uh, if this movie makes you angry, maybe there's something wrong with you. <laughs> yes. Well, it can make you angry in a good way. I yes, yes. Don't try to. <laughs> if it makes you angry that they're focusing on women and female empowerment, <laughs> maybe there's something wrong with you because yes. these the, the, these you probably not listen to this podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's going to be your stance. Let's talk about. I want to move into the next thing that we. Uh, everybody, watch Moxie on Netflix. Please watch Moxie. Tupperware. Tupperware. I Tupperware as well. Um, playing with power. This is a, uh, Nintendo docu-series that dropped on Crackle. So Sony, Sony has a streaming service called Crackle. It's a free service. Anybody can watch Crackle for free if you have a Roku or whatever. Uh, Apple TV, you can watch Crackle. And they dropped a, is, is Jake, is it a five-part series? 
Yes. Five-part series. I've gone through and watched the first four parts. I have one part remaining. Uh, playing with power, the Nintendo story peels back the curtain on the famously secretive Japanese company that would eventually take the global video game industry by storm. And it chron- and it's narrated by none other than Goonies uh, alumni uh, Sean Astin here. He's great. He is so good at the Nintendo narrator for this. I He's thought he was great at narrating period. Isn't though. he? Um, He's so good. He, okay. So there was, I was obsessed with this animal planet show called Meerkat Manor. Like back in the day, my sister, um, my sister loved Meerkat Manor. I too. fucking the, <laughs> I, the meerkats are so goddamn cute. Like it don't even like, anyway, he narr like, so he is like the, he does the narration for that show. Yeah. He's so good in that. So yeah, he's great at narration. Meerkats are yeah, they are an incredible animal. I I remember I went to Bush Gardens in Florida years ago, and and I went to the meerkat area, and somebody brought a service dog with them. It was a German Shepherd, and the meerkats saw the German Shepherd. It was the, probably one of the. <laughs> It was one of the coolest things I've ever witnessed watching all these different meerkats pop out of these holes out of the ground and just be like, they, what is that? They had never, they had, you, you could tell they had never seen a German shepherd dog before. Like they've lived their entire life in this and, and they'd never seen a German shepherd dog before. It was the coolest thing. I will never forget that. But, um, I don't know why I'm talking about this when we're supposed to be talking about a Nintendo <laughs> documentary. June! 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 Um, <laughs> I, here's the thing with, with this documentary. They have some great people involved in this, some great archival footage, great, uh, they have wonderful people talking about playing Nintendo and experiences with Nintendo. I, personally was sold on this once they introduced and nobody that maybe some h- hardcore gamers are going to know who I'm talking about here. But when they introduced Tommy Tallarico in this, I was kind of like, Oh my God, I can't believe they pulled Tommy Tallarico into this documentary series. Tommy Tallarico is a guy that I have been watching since like Jake, I think it was 1997. Tommy Tallarico did a show called Judgment Day. Did you ever watch that where they would rate video games? Yeah, I, I do remember that. Yes. Tommy Tallarico is in this documentary, doc, this docu-series. And Tommy Tallarico has done music for video games. He's been involved in a lot of video games. Like if you go through Tommy Tallarico's IMDb, you can see all the video games that he's composed music for. I remember playing video games back in the day. And then every time, like once you beat a game or whatever, it would talk about like, you know, it would have like the composer and people involved in the games. And I'd be like, oh, my God, Tommy Tallarico from Judgment Day was involved in this game. I love Tommy Tallarico. This guy is like a, a wealth of knowledge when it comes to like Nintendo, PlayStation, anything. And they had Will Wheaton is in this. Um, they got Allison Highslip from like, you know, G4 TV. All these wonderful people uh, talking about uh, Nintendo. They, go, they, they literally go back to the beginning of when Nintendo started back in the, like the late 1880s, 1890s, when it was a playing card company. Card company. Yeah. yeah. That's insane. 
Yeah. I did not know that. I mean, and then it gets into, you know, you know, Miyamoto getting involved and basically just being kind of like the guy that everyone else was busy. So they gave Miyamoto. It reminded me of Stan Lee, Jake, when they basically let him take over the Fantastic Four and just do a comic mm. book, you know, like giving this guy his one chance to like, you know, here you go. You know, we got. You know, yeah, that blew me away. He wasn't even necessarily a video game designer. Yeah, painting the cabinets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, like uh, it's like it's like bringing Harrison Ford on to do Star Wars when he was a carpenter. You know, in the in, it's crazy to think about this guy's rise, this guy's imagination, and being the guy behind Donkey Kong, creating Mario, and then what he did for Mario. Um, but he was the one that. Um well, he worked in the warehouse. Like, yeah, he worked in the warehouse in his spare time. Like, he would take the spare parts and, like, right, just kind of play with them, like, put stuff together. And in that, was that the same guy, the one that would make the toys? Like, that was the guy that created the Ultra Hand, right? Okay, yeah, the yes. Ultra Hand. Yeah, Miyamoto. I, that was an. Okay. Miyamoto's a different I, guy. Oh, okay. Miyamoto was the one who was doing the graphic designs. Yes. Okay. Never mind. Stars. You're right. I'm sorry. I got confused. The other one. There. Uh, uh, Fuck, I can't remember his name. Guido, I can't something like that. Okay. Uh, he 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 was a janitor who tinkered was tinkering in the spare time, and he came up with the toy stuff and became like the head of the toy division. Yeah, yeah. When he, they changed in the sixties. Yeah, I. It's just it's it's incredible that this documentary basically goes into like the rise of Nintendo in the eighties and how, you know, the video game industry was dying because of like Atari coming out with the games that they came out with. Like they, you know, the ET game that basically sunk the, <laughs> killed, the it killed the oh, company. <laughs> and I mean, there's a whole documentary about like them burying these games out in the desert in New Mexico. But, um, yep. You know, and then Nintendo comes along and creates the, the Super Famicom, which is, they tried to pass it off as like this Trojan horse. It's the family computer. <laughs> because family computers. It's a gaming system for everyone. Well, it, but it's a family computer too, yeah. right? Because computers were on the rise. And, uh, and, and then all of a sudden, like, you know, FAO Schwartz and some of the, these big toy companies start putting Nintendo's entertainment systems in their in their in their stores and Nintendo just becomes this huge force and I mean if you're a kid that was you know in the 80s everybody had to get their hands on the Nintendo Entertainment System whether it was like the the Robbie the Robot set or the action set that came with like the gun the light gun we all had to have a Nintendo Entertainment System and um, but it also once you get further down into the documentary, it talks about kind of like Nintendo, how they treated some of the other video game creators and publishers and how how they kind of like ran a racket for a long time and they weren't paying these companies like Data East and Capcom and uh, Electronic Arts and Acclaim. They weren't paying them the money that they deserved. And when PlayStation came along and they were able to 
basically make uh, uh, games on CD-ROM and that weren't as expensive as making them on cartridges, everybody started flipping over to PlayStation. And so now Nintendo, who controlled the market, was now kind of like, you know, they 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 weren't anymore. They weren't they weren't as big as they once were. So like now they're becoming, are they going to go extinct like the way that Atari was? And, and man, I, I, I am, I am loving this docu-series. I think it is absolutely fantastic. It really gets into everything. It gets into like their, you know, their feud with, with, uh, you know, Sega. It gets into, you know, the rise, uh, of, of PlayStation. It gets into the introduction of Xbox. It goes into Nintendo's domination when it comes to like the handheld market with like the Nintendo, like the Game Boy and the DS and everything that Nintendo can do to try to stay relevant in video games. Man, I've, I'm fucking in love with this docuseries. I've got one episode left and I, I think that this is absolutely fantastic. We've had some great video game documentaries come out. Insert Coin and uh, what was the one on CBS All Access that came out? Um, but uh, I mean, just this is another one for everybody to watch. And it's on Crackle. It's free and it's it's so good. I love it so much. Jake, how many episodes in are you in this docuseries? Uh, I watched the first two and yeah, it, it's fantastic. Sean Astin is a great narrator. Um, it's an absolute Tupperware. I agree with you. One of the best things about it is it's not licking Nintendo's ass. It's not a one-sided doc. It very much tells you negative things about the company and negative things they did, which I was very surprised to see. Um, man, I, it's so good that if Crackle let me pay $5 to skip the three minutes worth of ads at every commercial break, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would pay that $5. Yeah, I would too. In a second. That's honestly, I would have watched all five episodes, but I was just like, I'm, I'm going to take a break from this. I can't sit through these ads anymore. It's, Dude, it's, oh. it gets, it gets into, um, it's funny to hear people talk about like some of the systems that like didn't like blow people over when they came out and like, like N64? The N64. I agree. Like, dude, I remember, I remember buying the N64 and playing that at home and just being blown away just by the Mario game, you know, and, mm-hmm. and like people, you know, talk about how that system, you know, really wasn't the game changer for Nintendo that they were hoping it was going to be because it was cartridge based and, and how, how Sony kind of had the upper hand there. And like by the time that, you know, fucking Nintendo did make the GameCube, it was funny listening to everybody trying to recall the name of the Mario game that came out on that system. You know, like, <laughs> like nobody, like I, I had a GameCube, I bought a GameCube and I loved playing that Mario game. But like, you know, Allison Heislip was like, yeah, I think that was the generation of Nintendo that I skipped. Can I say that? Is that good? And like, you actually, you actually hear the people that are the documentarians, you know, say, yeah, that's good. We want to hear that kind of shit. And, you know, I, 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 I am blown away by this documentary and I'm so, god damn it. I, I, I will, I, Tommy Tallarico, it was, 
I can't believe they got this guy. I haven't seen this guy. Jake, I haven't, I haven't seen this guy in like 20 years. And so I was blown away that they got Tommy Tallarico in this. And he, he's really just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to video games. Yeah, I'm surprised Crackle was so extensive on spending money and, and rounding up the people they got. Yeah. I, I just didn't expect this to be as expansive as it ended up being when I first heard about it. So, yeah, it's a great reason to download Crackle and check it out. It's it's a free app. Yeah. Uh, June, uh, how much did you watch? I'm um – I think I've watched four. I did. I, I've watched three and a half. I fell asleep during the fourth episode, not just because I had it on at night. Um, no, I top aware of this. I'm not a gamer. Like I only went so far as the Super Nintendo, um, and then I just, and then they just. The, I felt like every all the consoles just got too complicated for me. Um, but I did like. I think knowing the history, like from the actual beginning of it being a trading card company, and then how like innovative. The owner of this company was like knowing that, hey, you know, like in the 60s, he's like – or in the 50s and 60s, he go, comes to America and is like, I got to partner with Disney. Yeah, yeah. Like that is smart. Like he knew like Disney is like the thing. Like you need to partner up with Disney. You need those characters on my playing cards because I will sell more. And they did. And I love how it just continued to reinvent itself. But then it became a toy store. And then it got into – you know, electronics and things like that. Um, my favorite whole thing about, like, is the Donkey Kong versus King Kong trial. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, no, and so I, um, what boggled my mind is the fact that Universal lost that suit. Um, so basically people don't know, um, when Donkey Kong came out, um, Universal Studios is like, uh, you totally ripped us off. And That's so they King sued, Kong. What are you doing? They, I mean, yeah. And so they got – so Universal Studios, they they file suit against Nintendo. Nintendo is at this time not – like they're not the big conglomerate. I mean they were a big company, but you know, Universal Studios was like the big honcho in this lawsuit. Like they had the super powerful lawyers and way more money, and they thought they were just going to bully Nintendo. You know, And Nintendo goes, nope, we're going to fight this. And what boggles my mind is at the end of it – Universal lost because you know what? No, they actually didn't have the rights to King Kong. It went it went into public domain, and they and, and it they, went into public domain. But number one, okay, you know what? None of your attorneys, Universal, like looked into that to make sure. And then I I was curious, so I'm a big nerd, so I went and found the case, and I want to read what the judge in that ruling in the. So basically what happened was in a previous case in the 70s, um, RKO Picture and Universal were in a lawsuit about the remake rights to King Kong. Mm -hmm. And so in that ruling, um, it it was determined, oh, actually this was in public – this is in the 70s, right? Like a decade before, Universal was told in a lawsuit, oh, no, public domain, you actually don't have the rights to King Kong anymore. So a decade later, they filed suit. Saying we have the rights to it, the judge was <laughs> the judge was so fucking pissed. So here, here is what the judge ruled: um, First, Universal knew that it did not have trademark rights to King Kong, yet it proceeded to broadly assert such rights anyway. This amounted to a wanton and reckless disregard of Nintendo's rights. Second, Universal oh, did not shit. stop did not stop after it asserted its rights to Nintendo and embarked on a deliberate, systematic campaign to coerce all of Nintendo's third-party licensees to either stop marketing Donkey Kong products or pay Universal royalties. 
Finally, Universal's conduct amounted to an abuse of judicial process and in that sense caused a longer harm to the public as a whole. Universal's assertions in court were not based on any good faith belief in their truth but on the mistaken belief that it could use the courts to turn a profit. <laughs> oh, shit. Like, That's a fucking I mean, smackdown. So, that is a smackdown. But what's wild is the fact that Nintendo – being the low man on the totem pole here, you know, kind of like, you know, going to battle against Universal, they turn into Universal at one point when they are. And it doesn't get into this too much into the documentary, but, you know, we've watched other documentaries where, you know, Nintendo bullied, you know, uh, Toys R Us, Children's Palace, KB Toys, Walmart. They bullied these stores that were selling their product into basically saying if you sell sega genesis we will stop carrying our product in your stores they do get into it a little bit they do get into it a little bit but they get more into it uh, in that uh, cbs all access documentary i would have to look up the name to that documentary um I can't. It was based on a book that they turned into a, into a into a documentary. But I'm like trying to look it up, it's yeah. just such a vague thing to look up. Um, but it, this this is such a great documentary. Wars. Console wars, yes, oh. console wars. Console wars really gets into that battle between Sega and Nintendo, and it's fantastic. But uh, Nintendo be- basically turns into the big bully, and 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 but the, what this documentary does that Console Wars didn't do was talk about how Nintendo was basically profiting off of these games, and Capcom, Acclaim, Midway, all these other companies were basically making like pennies on the dollar that di- that uh, Nintendo was making. Well, and then forcing them to, like, make these cartridges, which turns out, like, forcing them to make something that costs them more than they were making, you know, like, the, the overhead to yeah. create these cartridges. Did you, did you get to and, the, and, did you get to the Tengen stuff or Tengen? Oh, where yes. they made their yeah. differently shaped cartridges. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, re- I, re- I mean, I, we I re- had a few of those. Oh, yeah. I, I had Gauntlet. Oh yeah, that was the one. That was we had the, the one. original Tetris too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, Neil, what did you think about this? Yeah. Um. So, I was never a big gamer growing up. Um. So Nintendo was never really like a huge part of my childhood or anything. But I'm always fascinated by history and learning about, you know our our life now and how it became came to be um i had just watched uh the high score documentary on netflix i don't know on tuesday or wednesday so (laughs) a lot of the stuff was pretty fresh in my mind um i was really impressed with that first episode uh where they went back in time you know the, the kind of even just the way the documentary uh, went like in reverse and kind of showed technological achievements of every year that they were uh, putting on the screen. Like I thought that was really fun mm-hmm. way of going like, like turning back the clock that that was a really good uh, way of doing it. Um, 
you know, I love learning about the the Disney deal in the fifties. I, I had no idea that Nintendo and Disney had a deal dating back to the nineteen fifties. That's that's pretty fucking epic. That makes a lot more sense nowadays. Um, it as far as the service itself. Uh, this is my first experience with Crackle, and <laughs> yeah. I got to I got to admit the uh, the ads were very jarring. The very first ad I saw after the initial Burger King ad uh, was a woman giving birth, and <laughs> what? yeah, I got a lot of Pampers commercials for some reason, <laughs> and so the very first commercial I saw at the first ad break was a woman giving birth. And, like, that's fine and all. It just was very jarring at the time. Because the transitions between, like, where they placed the ads. Was she, was she wearing pampers when she gave birth? <laughs> I don't think so. Where, I think the child that, that came about from that birth was the one wearing pampers. Okay. Right. Just making- <laughs> You're right, Neil. About, like, the where the, where the, um, the ads were, though. I mean, this is a, I understand that this wasn't a crackle, if this was a, this was made on like a different network or something, but like, if this is a crackle original and no, and they should know how their platform works. They should know where their fucking ads work. Well, like, and I feel like there were no like clear cut breaks in between, you know, like it just, it would just stop in the middle of like someone talking and then there'd be three minutes of ads. Yeah, like the transitions from at like from from content to commercial. Yeah, that did bother me too. It was it was off putting. Let's just put it that way. Who is who is watching this? Who is watching this and and stopping it and saying, "Fuck, I gotta go to Burger King." I gotta go get Geico, or I got the Geico. I got the tag team Geico commercial. Like that one, I got every single time. I got the Geico commercial like once. Why the oh fuck was I getting Pampers commercials every goddamn time? <laughs> I got a Pampers commercial every single ad break, Neil. Of every single episode, and I watched the entire goddamn series. And I saw so many fucking Pampers commercials. But, I don't have children, nor do I want to have children. But Neil, did <laughs> did you shit yourself while watching this? I'm about to shit myself right now. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, okay, okay. Uh, commercial breaks aside, are we enjoying playing? Oh, I Tupperware, I Tupperware the fucking series. It's <laughs> right. great. It's it's a fantastic documentary. Yeah, it, it's just the service itself is like, oh man, you gotta you gotta have a little stronger delineation between uh, your content and the commercials. Yeah, like, you, you gotta let us know when an ad break is about to come. Like, have us, you know, give me a, a cliffhanger or something, anything. <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to or just a cleaner break. Just the cleaner yes, break. Exactly. Yeah, the break won't like, clean at all. Smooth, like, okay, this could possibly be part of oh it's a Pampers commercial. Great. <laughs> and, and again, what annoyed me the most And what was what annoyed me the most about that though, honestly, not even just it was just that again, this is a crackle original. You should know how your platform works and why this wasn't why you didn't edit this a little bit or why you didn't put it up there, like I don't know, like why it didn't work as well i just 
that that did bother me. <laughs> when yeah. when you get to episode five and they talk about the Nintendo's Pampers game, it all <laughs> <laughs> it all comes together. <laughs> Part of a greater whole, right? Well, you know, it, it was fucked up because you had the you, you did you had the console wars. You had Nintendo with the Pampers video game, and then you had uh, uh, Sega was doing the uh, what the what's the other diaper company. <laughs> Huggies. Huggies. Sega was you know, doing. If you had like the fucking power glove transition to a woman giving birth, that's that's one thing. But when you have a card company aspect of the documentary transition to a woman giving birth, that's a very different transition, and it does not make any sense, and was very off-putting, and it was weird. Yeah, get get with it, crackle. <laughs> Have clear. Yeah, just let me take my five bucks. Get rid of these commercials. <laughs> Seriously. No, they won't take your money. It's free, Jake. You just got to suffer through those commercials. Oh. Yeah. I didn't know that about Crackle. I didn't know that that was like you can't. There's no options. Yeah, I've but... I, I've watched many a Crackle original series. <laughs> I have. I'm not even joking. Like uh, Rob Riggle's uh, Ski Master Academy is on there and I love that show. I keep meaning to watch that. I really want to watch It's so that. fucking good. It is a tough one. Now that I have downloaded the uh, the, the app I, and I'm aware <laughs> of their commercial situation, yeah. I will watch that and stay on track when yeah. it goes that, into a woman giving birth. I enjoy the, watching the Crackle. The show. I originated was it crack original? Yeah, the uh coffee and cars thing. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoy watching crackles a crackle while wearing pampers and eating Burger King, personally. <laughs> yep. Eating like, Taco Bell wearing pampers. It, it, dude, it's it is the ultimate experience. <laughs> I feel very immersed in what I'm but the, I, as a documentary itself, I tap over the fuck out of it. It's very I, good. I love all these you know, again, I'm not a gamer, but I still do appreciate the history and the world that these documentaries um, put into into their content. Um, like all the outside influences and why they have gone this direction and, yeah. and what it leads to. I like all that cause and effect history stuff like that. I love these kind of documentaries where we have a central focus, but they um, – highlight outside things that may have contributed to what this central thrust is all about. All right. We got, I got a couple more things that I want to talk about. Uh, the world to come. This came out in theaters and on video on demand in this powerful 19th century romance set in the American Northeast. Abigail, a farmer's wife and her new neighbor, Tally, find themselves irrevocably drawn to each other. A grieving Abigail tends to her withdrawn husband, Dyer, as free spirit Tally bristles as the at the jealous control of her husband, Finney. Together, their intimacy begins to fill a void in each other's lives they never knew existed. The World to Come is a drama directed by Mona Fastbold from a screenplay from Ron Hansen and Jim Shepard based Upon Shepard's story of the same name, it stars Vanessa Kirby, Catherine Waterston, Christopher Abbott, and Casey Affleck. Christopher Ablett, Abbott, he is like, doesn't he just look like Jon Snow? 
Kit Harrington? I'm Googling him now. Yeah, Christopher Abbott just... Uh, I didn't watch Game of Thrones, so I have no idea. Okay. He does. Like, he does. He totally does. Did you... Hey, June, I, did you watch this, The World to Come? Hmm? Yes. Did, Neil, did you get a chance to see this? I did. That was the first thing I watched this morning. Oh. No. All right. Spoilers. This had its world premiere at the 77th Venice International Film Festival on September 6th of 2020. It won the Queer Lion Award for Best LGBTQ-themed film at the festival. And it sounds like Neil hated this one. Talk to me, Neil. Was it? Was it the only LGBTQ film at the festival? Oh my God, Neil, you hated this. What's going on, man? Yeah, um, I love Vanessa Kirby. I think she's a fantastic actor. I don't like anybody else in this cast, and I, I got the flat, uninspired, overly restrained, and lethargic performances I was expecting from most of the cast. Um, my first thought obviously was that it looks so fucking cold there and this is such a bleak existence. And then that bleakness continued throughout the movie. Uh, there were no emotional highs or lows. Uh, I did like the relationship between Catherine Waterston and Vanessa Kirby. I thought that was interesting. But it was so restrained, and the movie itself was just such a uh, – it wasn't a slog, I guess, but it was it was so one-note that I did not give a shit about any character in the movie. And, like, the, the, the voiceover was – boring as hell the dates were uninspired and like ah i did not like this movie i give it the lowest of taste it's i think that if it's if it's a period thing that you like go ahead and watch it but i do not care about any of these people and i was not proven wrong in my opinion june what did you think about the world to come hey can you go i have the hiccups Oh wow! <laughs> this this is a this is a this is that's a first. This is the first on the episode. I've never had this happen before. Hey Brian, could you go first? I have the hiccups. All right. Uh, yeah. Um, I didn't hate this as much as Neil. I didn't hate it at all. To be quite honest with you, I just felt like this was a story of you know uh, you know like the eighteen hundreds where. Um, women are basically, it's just like, you know, uh, women are, find a man, get married, have kids, be, you know, pregnant and barefoot and take care of me and, and no intimacy with their husbands and, and, um, you know, just basically being with a man out of necessity because of the time. And this was a, a forbidden love and you found two women it's a forbidden it shouldn't be a forbidden love but yeah we're it's the it's the you know 1800s and and at that time you know this is considered a forbidden love you find two women that find each other 
that have been longing for something and they, they find this connection and, and, um, it was a very sad movie for me. Like it's not an uplifting film at all. It's a very sad movie for me. It's a movie where, you know, you know, two women, they find, they find a love for one another and, and, uh, but, but, but because of the, the, the time that they live in and the circumstances that they find themselves in, that they, you know, this is something that they can't pursue and they have to do it in secret. And it was very sad. And, um, I mean, it's not an uplifting film, but it just, it, it just, <laughs> as far as a love story goes, it's, it made me feel something for both of these characters. And, and it, you know, I really wanted to see them together and happy, but you know, that, that's just not going to happen. And so, you know, I'll give it, a, I'll give it a, uh, I'll give it a high taste it. Um, I enjoyed this a lot more than you, Neil. I, I think that they, they, the way that it was filmed and the, 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 the period that it was filmed in, it looked authentic. And, um, I thought Catherine Waterston and, and, um, Vanessa Kirby did a, a, a great job in this movie and the time that they spent together as limited as it was, I felt like the moments that they had together was meaningful and, you know, like, the depictions of sex that they have together, I don't think that it was like overly done. Like, like we talk about like the, the sex scenes in, in last week's movie of, uh, um, you know, the United States versus Billy Holiday and how like some of those sex scenes were kind of ridiculous. I felt like this, they didn't, they didn't overuse the sex scenes and the sex scenes weren't supposed to be. I don't know. I just don't. They weren't titillating. They were, it was just like. They weren't supposed to be. They weren't supposed to be. And it was just, you know, two women in love and, and, um, I don't know. Yeah. At at the end of the day, it was, for me, it was just a, it wasn't an uplifting movie. It was a sad movie. And, and, uh, go ahead, Neil. What were you saying? Well, yeah, I, I agree that, like, the way they portrayed the romance was good. Like it, it worked as far as the time period goes and the, the societal norms and, you know, all that kind of thinking back of that time period. Yes. That, that was all very accurate. It was all, you know, it, it worked really well. Yeah. Like, the movie itself is structured fine. There's no pro. I have no problem with the movie being what it is i just had i just found no enjoyment in it and a lot of it had to do with uh catherine or what's her name catherine waterston catherine waterston yeah yeah her voiceover is just almost put me to sleep um they were so monotone and like like every single performance except for vanessa kirby felt so one note that I could not derive any entertainment value out of watching them be on screen, except for Vanessa Kirby. I just felt like Catherine Waterston's character. I thought Catherine Waterston's character was so unappreciated, and you'll agree with me here. She was so unappreciated by her husband. She was for sure. She was one hundred percent. What I liked about her is she was so. She was like a feminist before like that was even like a thing because she was self-educated. Yeah. 
She was self-educated. There was so much more to her character than just, you know, but a woman that, that would... It, wasn't, it didn't come through for me, uh, you know, my personal opinion. It did not come through in her performance of that character. Like, the character is fascinating. Yeah. The performance of that character was the opposite of fascinating to me. I, 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 it's hard for me to put this into words as how I, when I, when I saw her, I felt like she finally found somebody that got her, that appreciated her voice. Finally, she found somebody that appreciated her voice. And when that person was taken away from her, you could, there was nothing else that was on her mind. The longing that she had for Vanessa Kirby in this movie and just finding out if her well-being and um just the longing and the love that she had for her it really came through for me in this movie and it's a it's so bad awesome. it's, it's a woman that has lost so much first off like she's in a marriage that she's like not she's never felt like the compassion and love it just feels like a a marriage of convenience between her and her husband and the one thing that she was like the one thing that kind of like brought them together was their daughter and she lost her daughter and finally she found she finds someone else that appreciates her for herself that she looks forward to every day and then that person's taken away from her and i felt like yeah. she really uh, she really came through for me in this movie showing us like that longing she had that love that she had for Vanessa Kirby. She'd never really experienced that before. This is something completely new to her. I don't even think that she realized that she could be attracted to another person in this way. And it doesn't even matter that the person like, like I don't even know, like it, it for me, it wasn't about like it, like she was like, I'm attracted to men. I'm attracted to women. It was like, I'm attracted to tally. I love a person. I right. love this person for this person. It does not matter that she's a man or a woman. I love this person. This person gets me. That's that's where she was for me and like that's that's what really hit home for me is to see this character who like I feel like has never felt like I don't know love from anyone else, and like the one person that she did love that she invested her you know time in that she was able to like put up with this fucking bullshit marriage that she was in was her daughter, and she lost that, and then now she loses tally and it's just it's sad it's a fa it's a sad, depressing fucking movie neil <laughs> <laughs> it is and like i I get what you're saying about all that stuff the character goes through, yes, I yes. just did not feel the performance the performance is there okay was up to the standards standards of what the character was going through. It felt very one note and uh, monosyllabic. Uh, I, I'm trying to figure out the right word for it, but it, you know, it, it felt like they should have cast a better actor in the role maybe, or had a better writer for the actors they had. I, I don't know. Like it, there was a disconnect there for me, uh, uh, construction of the movie wise, not thematically related or anything like that, because the th the themes of the movie are great and, and like the bones of that movie are there, but it did not come through for me as a dramatic piece. It did not work um, to engage me on that level. 
Okay. All right. All right. Uh, hey, uh, Hiccupy McGee, what did you? <laughs> sorry, I'm good now. I'm good. I'm sorry. So, uh, <laughs> no. You're, you have Hiccupy McGee. You have now been you have now been christened Hiccupy <laughs> McGee. You know there are worse things that you could christen me. So that's you know, true. I'm good with that. That's true. Pedestal. <laughs> oh God, pedestal. Yeah, absolutely. What, what, did, what did you think about you the know, world to come? I, you know, I, I, I didn't love it, but I also didn't hate it. Um, I, I thought it was a beautiful, tragic love story. Um, now, Neil, it's funny, and my, hus- my husband, and I watched this this morning, um, and he thought the same thing as you. He was like, "Oh my God, like, this is just dreary." <laughs> upon he was like, "Just it's just dread upon dread upon sadness upon tragedy." He was like, "Good God." Um, for me, though, I think that the trailer is a tad bit misleading. Like, I watched the trailer beforehand, um, and because I had no idea what this movie was, and the trailer almost had like a suspenseful tone to it, like almost like there was going to be this sense of um, like having to hide it and like constantly like being scared they're going to get caught, right? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It, and so I was a little kind of like, oh, that's not what this is at all, and so I think that kind of took me out of it a little bit because I had a I was expecting it to be something else but I mean once I got over that um, I honestly I I bought you know Catherine Waterson's like just enduring grief yes I thank you I get it too I bought it yeah and I thought the the, you know the romance the attraction between the two I thought that was genuine yeah Um, and not just the attraction but the appreciation Mm -hmm. um no, in some ways, I don't. Well, how can you not appreciate uh, okay. Vanessa, Vanessa Kirby? Oh, no, she's fantastic. Um, yeah, I do love her. I loved her in The Crown um, as Prince Margaret. She, um, but I, I thought it was. I mean, it, it was a very tragic love story. I mean, I will give this, um, you know, a solid taste. It, it, it is, it, it is, it's, it is slow, and it is sad i mean it is a dreary movie mm-hmm. For, dreary doesn't necessarily mean bad but it's just there there is nothing uplifting in this like at all like at all i mean <laughs> everything from just i mean there is absolutely zero uplift There's i mean no it's hope. just i mean there really isn't i mean throughout the whole thing you're just like good god because you know like it's not going to end well and it just it, it, again like from the landscape right like you're in this like desolate upstate new york you know, time in you know the 1800s, and it is—it's fucking cold. Like it just that damn blizzard that comes through. You know, like Catherine Washington has to like tie herself to a rope to try to like help her husband <laughs> to get through this. Bl- I mean, all of it. I mean, it is just a dreary movie. But I, but I did. I bought the tragedy and grief. Um, I actually, I think I like Casey Affleck's character a little bit more than you guys did. Um, oh, I, 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 I didn't. Did I didn't not- mind him at all. To be quite honest, with I, you. he did not appreciate Catherine Waterson. He did not appreciate Abigail. However, I, I do think he did have a genuine love for her, and so and you and I think he sold the sadness of like him knowing I love this person. Like I think he genuinely loved her, and he knew like he knew that she did not love him back. And I think you, I, think the, the, I mean, there's the that sad, there's that the whole that. there's that whole thing of like you know like when. When he knock, when he comes at the door and she thinks that it's going to be Tally and it's him and she is smiling and the smile goes away when she sees her husband. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, he basically points out to the, you know, he 
basically comes out and says it like, you know, that smile was meant for someone else, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. That smile yeah. is gone and, now. But he's like, so Chris Abbott, uh, he is, he's a good actor, but I, after, cause Black Bear just came out, what, like a month ago? Yeah. And yeah. he, I mean, I, I worry that he's going to get typecasted as the shitty, shitty dude. Like, cause I don't worry about that. Shitty- I don't really care about him. <laughs> I mean, I, but I think he's a good actor, but he's I'm fine. like, oh, that guy, like, yeah. he plays a really good, terrible person. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not really concerned about Chris Abbott's career. I'm sorry. I mean, I don't know. I mean, what, I don't really, I have no, I don't know anything about him, really. Like, I mean, is there, is he not a good person? I have no idea. I don't know. I, don't know I have no idea. I, yeah, I don't but know. But he sold yeah, he being the shitty husband. The character. Like, Again, like all of the actors did their jobs, but none of them elevated the material besides Vanessa Kirby, I thought personally. Like the story was there, the lines were there, but nobody really went the extra mile to make it interesting except for Vanessa Kirby, in my opinion. Um, she was the only compelling person I ever saw on screen this entire movie. And I, I have a bias against Casey Affleck because of other reasons, but he is picking uh, roles. I think fine. he purposely, yeah, I think he picked this. He's, I think he's being strategic in the roles he's picking. He's gotta be right now, but like, and he was fine at, at like, everybody was fine, but there was no like oh, there was nothing compelling about it to me that made me want to keep watching other than for talking about it right now <laughs> all right let's move on um <laughs> this last thing that i want to talk about i watched the first episode of pacific rim the black this is the animated series on netflix it's uh there is a, it's a, it's it's a it's a spin-off of the Pacific Rim uh franchise and uh it's a new spin on Pacific Rim. Who else got a chance to watch this? I didn't. Yeah, I did not. Nope. Oh my god, I'm the only one that watched this, Jesus Christ. I watched the first episode. There was a time when fuck all of you for this. <laughs> fuck every fuck every last one of you. <laughs> fuck all of you. For this, leaving me to talk about this. There was a time when Kaiju rose from the Pacific Rim only to encounter gigantic robots, Jaegers, built to fight them back. That time has passed. Now Australia has been overrun by Kaiju, forcing the evacuation of an entire continent. Left behind, teenage siblings Taylor and Haley embark on a desperate search for their missing parents, teaching themselves to pilot a battered, long-abandoned Jaeger to help in their quest and give them even the slightest hope of surviving. It's based on the Pacific Rim franchise. It's developed and co-written by Greg Johnson and Kirk Kyle for Netflix and directed by Masayuki Uemoto, Susumi Sakai, and Takeshi Iwata. And uh, the animation in this is – I think it's fantastic. I think the animation is really good. Um, and you've got – it's a different story here with Pacific Rim. You've got parents that were um, – uh, they, they, they operated a, a Jaeger. They went off 
to fight Kaiju. They promised to come back to their children. They left their children here. Uh, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, uh, when, uh, Ray gets dropped off on Jakku and they're like, you know, the parents, Ray always thought her parents or mom was going to come back. Years later, the parents have never, they've not come back. Well, the daughter here, Haley, finds a Jaeger and her and her brother, Taylor, form the neural handshake that you need in order to, uh, you know, control a Jaeger and they fight a level four kaiju together. And, uh, I, I watched the first episode. I thought that this was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed this first episode. I'll, I'll give it a, I'll give the first episode a Tupperware. I, I really liked it. I can't wait to finish this series. I think it's a six episode, six or seven episode series, uh, Pacific Rim, the Black. And, and, uh, I don't think that Guillermo de Toro is involved in this at all, but I, I really enjoyed the animation and the story. And, um, uh, there are, it's a little bit, it's not like 100% kid friendly. Like people fucking die in this, man. People get stepped on by fucking kaijus and killed. And there are consequences here that happened. And, and there are characters that feel like they're to blame because of the deaths of the people in this community. And, um, it looks like these two, um, siblings, Taylor and Haley are going to try to find their parents if their parents are really dead or not. And, uh, fight kaiju along the way. And I had a lot of fun with this first episode. And I'm so happy that no one else watched this, that we can have a discussion. So fuck you. <laughs> I watched everything else. <laughs> I know. I'm just, I'm pissing and moaning. Mm. Half an hour episodes of this. Yeah. Why can't you find 30 minutes? <laughs> What, what, what happened this week that you couldn't – not you, Neil. I'm talking to Jake, you son of a bitch. Why couldn't you find 30 fucking minutes, you son of a bitch? <laughs> I don't know. I, I just lost track of time this week. Uh, also, don't care that much. Fuck, fuck you. This is you – know, <laughs> don't let Neil put words in my mouth. Yeah, I didn't say that either. Yeah. You disagree though. I I, I, I would have watched it if I had time. Pacific Rim anime. Pacific Rim was I mean, a great. If I had the time, I would have watched it. Yeah, fuck you, Neil. Fuck you the most. <laughs> <laughs> I I feel like Dorothy at the end of that movie when she's talking about like all the fucking people that came along on that journey, and I'm looking at you and I'm like, fuck you the most. <laughs> fuck you the most, Scarecrow. Yeah, I am your scarecrow. Don't you worry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, real quick, we don't have a lot left because this week in news was not that eventful, in my opinion. Um, yeah, pop culture leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye. Yeah, there we go. Hear ye. Yeah. That caught me off guard. <laughs> <laughs> I was annoyed by the fact that I'm going to fucking introduce the news segment and news was such bullshit this week. I didn't even want to hear what that guy had to sing. You know what I mean? Yeah, it'd be a lie <laughs> this week, it sounds like. Yeah. The Fast 9 has been delayed a month. Ugh. The ninth Fast and Furious chapter is being moved from uh, May 28th to June 25th. 
is that going to stick, Jake? Are they? I mean, has you know, like, what is Universal going to do here with the Fast Nine? What are they going to do? Is it going to be like they're going to drop it in theaters and then like days later it's going to be available to watch on VOD or on uh, Peacock or something? Universal would that be? Yeah, I guess that's that would be on Peacock. I don't know. I I, I just want to see this damn movie. I lost a little bit of interest when I found out it was like three hours and forty five minutes fucking long. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> it's three hours forty five minutes. I may be exaggerating, but it's it's really fucking long. Hold Your on. Your reaction, wait. Drake, when you heard about the time, like how long the movie was. Your reaction was so funny. It was great oh it's three hours and eight minutes long which is still too fucking long this is a, hey, yeah this is, is too long for a fast movie well it's correct it, uh, if you go to imdb it says two hours 25 minutes oh really i hope that's true it's still 25 minutes too long hold on hold on movie. maybe they're going the wandavision route and it's 30 minutes for the fucking credits <laughs> oh god right <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Quiet Place 2 has been, uh, it, they've moved it up from September 17th to May 28th, and this is Paramount Pictures. Ooh. So, I'm guessing that, uh, it'll be dropped in theaters, and then within 45 days, you'll be able to watch it on, uh, Paramount Plus. They'll probably, yeah, you know what I mean? Awesome. Yeah. That, that was still one of my favorite theatrical experiences, was watching The, the Quiet Place. So good. Wasn't it? With a completely silent, full theater, like there, that doesn't happen that often. No, it doesn't. You're in a full, like an absolutely full theater to capacity, that every single person is completely silent watching a movie. Wow. And like the Quiet Place was about that, and like that that sense of anticipation and, and just this quiet like dread that everybody was experiencing at the same time. I, 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 I there's never been another exper theater experience like that. You know what else was quiet? You guys during my Pacific Rim Black review, <laughs> <laughs> because none of you motherfuckers watch that. <laughs> I you know what I saw the today for the first time I saw uh, a, I saw a couple trailers for the first time I saw the the Luca trailer for the first time the uh, mm. Disney Pixar movie and then I haven't I, seen that yet look good uh, I yeah I thought it looked pretty good I actually thought it looked pretty good um, fucking uh, two boys in Italy and like they uh, it looks like they're like. Not mermaids, but they're like kind of like sea creatures. When they when they when their bodies hit the water, they turn into like sea creatures. Jake, mm, I've been there. <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you talking? What are you talking about, dude? Wait, what? What are you talking about? Elaborate on, on that most one. Crazy thing I could say would be I, I, I've, I've never been anywhere near there. <laughs> what is? <laughs> You're saying Splash was. Your biopic. Biography. Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was actually about you. 
A little bit of splash, a little bit of mannequin. When, mm-hmm. when, 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 when Jake takes a bath, his dick turns into a sea cucumber. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, news from Dark Horizons. Uh, looks like we're getting a uh, fourth installment in the Jumanji franchise. It's in the early stages of development. That's crazy. We haven't even got the third movie out yet. Yeah, that is wild. I, I, maybe they mean the original one is the first one. Yeah. Oh, the third. You're right. Oh. You're right. You're that right. They, they keep. I keep confusing that, Jake. So they're talking. Yeah. So they're. Yeah. Jumanji franchise. That makes sense. I keep thinking like they're going with like the the Rock Kevin Hart one, Jack Black is like the first movie, and yeah, it's, not. it's not. It's not a remake. It's a sequel. It, it is. It's a. It's a. It's a uh, spiritual sequel, as they call it, Jake. <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> That's a spiritual sequel. That's a spiritual sequel. I, I hate all these fuck revivals, reboots, spiritual sequels. I hate I've it. I've never heard that. Spiritual sequel? Yes. Is that oh. Wait, is that like a real thing? That, that, is that what they're really calling it? I'm not yes. making that up. It's spiritual sequels is a thing. Oh my god, that's terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, I never, I never heard that. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't wait for the spiritual sequel of PCL, Jake. Who's going to be in that? <laughs> who's going to be in the spiritual sequel of this podcast? No idea. No idea. Mm. Marvel news. Let's jump into this shit. There we go. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. We got photos this week of Matt Damon and Luke Hemsworth playing fake Thor and fake Loki. Nice. Back in back in uh, New Asgard. So so last movie we had those two, you know, doing the play in Asgard. Now they're back in New Asgard. But you know what? They've added someone to the cast. Melissa McCarthy is going to be playing fake Hela. Hilarious! Oh. I'm glad they're I'm glad they're revisiting this this gimmick. It was pretty I, funny in the last. It movie. was great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, loved Ragnarok it. Ragnarok is my favorite MCU movie, and a lot of it has to do with Taika Waititi as a director, but also just the way they reworked all the characters in, into making them more fun. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I, huge improvements from, like, the first one that was, like, Alan Taylor from the Game of Thrones, and then, like... The- well, Kev Branagh is, like this stuffy ass pretentious shakespeare director so was it was no did alan taylor do the dark world jake yes who yes. did the first movie who did thor Kenneth Kenneth Rattle. Rattle. Kenneth, Kenneth oh Rattle. that's right thank you thank you yeah Have you guys that's why like pictures? oh i'm sorry no go ahead jake have you seen the natalie portman pictures that leaked today no i did not no. Oh man, she is looking jacked as fuck in these pictures. Nice. Okay, so yeah. she's going full on fucking uh, Linda Hamilton in this one, Terminator yeah, Two. Dude, dude, her arms are bigger than mine. It's like she's fucking, she's pumped in it. I was like, wow. damn. That's nice. awesome. That's awesome. Let's talk about this, Jake. This was huge. I sent this to you. Possible Thor: Love and Thunder spoilers, Jake. Are you buying these? I am buying these. I believe it. It's nothing too huge that's spoiled here. Just kind of some plot points and story flow. I am buying it. It came from Reddit. Here's the post. The post read, this leaker leaked Thor Love and Thunder and WandaVision in July, and he deserves the credit. Okay, so the user 
Lyserg 16 made two posts and then was called bullshit and didn't make another post. I talked to this guy in July after WandaVision leak and he gave me the story that his friend told him what happened. His first language is not English, so any mix-ups could be oh, because I read of that. This one, yeah. The first post was about Thor, but the second one verifies his source as real. It was for WandaVision. It was about 90% correct as the post was made in July of 2020. I'll excuse him for the minor inconsistencies, especially when there's no way he could have guessed with this with no marketing at the time. So the first leaks and what makes people believe that this is real is because of how spot on this guy was for his WandaVision leaks. He Here's his, this is from his post in July of 2020 about WandaVision. The plot involves Wanda creating a dome around a small town, controlling the whole population, where she changes reality to make everything look perfect. Each time there's a glitch in the reality, Wanda changes decades. That's how the sitcoms things change. And every time something bad happens, the character of Catherine Hahn is involved. Catherine Hahn is in fact the big mm. Catherine Hahn is in fact the all along. Catherine Hahn is in fact the big bad of the show playing a powerful witch not not Agatha Harkness according to this guy but that turned out to be wrong but like totally right when it came to everything else here the show ends with the revelation of Catherine Hahn's character and Wanda in full scarlet witch mode having a big battle a la Dragon Ball Z Yeah Wanda's twins appear at least in their teens that's not true the zeros uh, sitcom parody is Malcolm in the Middle. That's true. There will be flashbacks to Wanda's childhood where, when she started showing her powers, something that would be contradictory. That's true. We saw that. Now, then he gets into spoilers for Thor 4. Now, like, now, these spoilers could be legit. Like, this is, these are like minor spoilers if they are true. Like, this is not gonna like, if anybody's listening to this, it's not going to like, you're not going to listen to this and be like, oh my God, I know everything about Thor 4. Like Thor, Love and no, Thunder. No, Yeah. Yeah. But this person, this is what they wrote back in July. The main story is Jane having cancer and somehow she manages to lift the the hammer and this cancels her disease but does not cure. Jake, that is totally from Jason oh, Aaron's run. Of the mighty Thor. Oh yeah, yeah, close enough. Uh, the second spoiler here is uh, Lady Sif is alive. Thor will find her in an ice planet with a complete new look. Here comes the biggest spoiler. She dies at the end of the movie. <laughs> Jake, do you think it is Lady Sif? Do you think it? Okay, here's the thing, and I've speculated this. From possibly the Loki series that there might be a female Loki. Do you think that maybe female Loki has changed her? And I could be totally wrong here. I was wrong with everything when it came to WandaVision. So who knows what the <laughs> fuck I know. Mephisto? Yeah. Fuck you, Neil. <laughs> I have a quick question. I have a quick question about female Loki. Again, yeah. I know this is so stupid, but I had never heard of that until you guys mentioned it on the podcast. Sure. I mean, it, like, okay, are you meaning like female Loki, like as in it's a Loki from another universe who is female? Yeah. No, it's yeah. the same Loki who gets turned into a girl, I thought. Really? It was both. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was a multiverse. There's a multiverse female Loki. There's also a 616 Loki who turns into a female. 
Yeah, okay. I knew that happened. Like the actual six one six Marvel proper Loki gets turned into a female at one point. Ah, There's also okay. a female at birth Loki from a different universe. Okay, I just I wasn't I didn't know. Well, one of so the, the answer is yes. They are both <laughs> in existence. One of the spoilers that this person says is that Loki does not appear. Huh. I, I believe that. Uh, maybe they're just talking about the Tom Hiddleston Loki. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I'm thinking that Sif is going to die because the Warriors 3 have already been dispatched, and they're just trying to turn the page past the comics crutches of those characters. Yeah. I, you know, hopefully Jamie Alexander gets some meat in this a good send off yeah yeah we'll <laughs> not see. like the other one <laughs> yeah yeah if these spoilers are true it sure sounds like she gets a lot of time especially with the next bullet point they say valkyrie is a supporting character her sexuality will be explicit she appears the same amount of time as lady sif yeah uh christian bale is in fact the big bad the guardians of the galaxy will appear uh, Thor goes to Valhalla where dead characters will appear. Uh, the guy only confirmed Idris Elba's appearance, but I suspect more characters will appear. So we might get, we might get more Odin. Probably Odin and Frey. Renee Frigga. Russo. Oh yeah, we might get Frigga. We might get Frigga. Yeah, Loki could show up. I would here. like that. Well, I mean, this is going to be post the Loki series. Like, we don't even know what's going to happen with that Loki. That with that, yeah. But you know, the one, the one dimensions Loki is still dead, especially to Thor. Yeah, knowledge. that's true. The six one six Loki is dead. Six one six Loki is dead. Uh, he describes the movie. I love this. He describes the movie as a road trip comedy around the universe. Yeah, sounds that sounds perfect. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love how Lady Sif is going to be on an ice planet. I don't think that, I don't think that Disney or Star Wars has, they've ever explored ice planets. <laughs> I, I thought the Thor movies themselves had explored them already. Oh yeah. L- Loki comes. Jotunheim. <laughs> yeah. Jotunheim. Loki comes from ice giants. So yeah. I, more ice planets. <laughs> In in the Marvel and Star Wars stories, please. We need more ice planets. They have not been beaten into the ground. At oh all. my god, desert planets. You know what I mean? Like Jakku and Tatooine. Like I, I keep forest planets. Forest planets. Lava planets. Ooh, lava planets. What about? I yeah, want. What's up with that in Star Wars? Though? Yeah. The one environment for the whole planet. What like- the fuck? Ooh, welcome to Salt Planet. Yeah, I mean, yeah, right. <laughs> Like what? Like what would they think about Earth having all of these? You know what I mean? I wonder what like they would think about Earth. Oh my well, god! Mind. They wouldn't know what to do if they landed. It make any sense. If they if they landed in like New Mexico <laughs> or Las Vegas, they'd be like, "Oh my god, we're on Jakku or Tatooine." And then if they landed in like I don't know, fucking Africa, Antarctica, Antarctica they'd think they're on fucking Hoth. Or if right? they landed in uh in. The, where I live, they'd think they were on Endor. That's true. That's yeah, they're yeah. all they're used to is yeah. one one planet, one ecosystem. I know. What's up with Star Wars? Come on, <laughs> take, them, take them to New York. They'll think they're on Coruscant. 
That's, that's very true. <laughs> biodome per planet, god damn it. <laughs> what about okay, let's move on. Thor four spoilers, so yeah. They're gonna address Lady Sif. Everybody wondered why what happened to Lady Sif. They're gonna address that. Uh next story comes from comicbook.com. Marvel Studios reportedly developing X-Men movie called The Mutants. Are you guys buying this? Like this is all over the place and it comes from the Illuminati. I'm not buying it. I think the story's been out long enough that they would have confirmed or denied it if it was legit, and they would have took an ownership of it. I think this is a bullshit story. Well, okay, Jake, we can all, like, for them to call it – and here's the thing. Whether the project remains titled as The Mutants or if it's just something for the development slate, we'll have to wait to find out in the coming months. Dude, this is such a bullshit story. Of course we're going to have X-Men coming into the Marvel Cinematic Universe eventually. Wow. Yeah, the, it's like no matter what happens, the, whoever wrote this can go, I told you so. I told you so. <laughs> it's fucking Except stupid. they've already said that they're bringing X-Men. So Yeah. I hate the logo they used for the article, too. They just took the New Mutants logo and wiped out and the words that the do. <laughs> fucking lazy I, was I, that. That's lazy. I do like the idea of them introducing mutants in a non-X-Men fashion. Like, before the X-Men exist. I, I think that's a good way of doing it. Um, like, you know, bringing all these characters together before the X-Men and then like in the X-Men movie they have like a culling where they take the best ones <laughs> <laughs> I, everyone knows exactly where the mutants are going to be introduced it'll be in a post-credit yeah. sequence where everything in the Marvel Universe is introduced yeah. oh yeah god forbid we have post-credit sequences Jake <laughs> oh no oh no <laughs> right, you're the, you're, you and like two other motherfuckers hate those <laughs> So shut the yeah, fuck up. I, no, I, there's more than three of us. There's at least nine. I know. Fuck all nine of you. <laughs> fuck all nine. <laughs> fuck number Jake, one. Were you fuck upset? two. Jake, Jake, were you so upset in WandaVision because like the first couple of episodes didn't have the post credit sequence? And uh, were you like, oh, finally? And then they finally the did last it. Last three did. No, yeah. I, I saw it coming. I, all those episodes took place in decades where they didn't have stupid post-credit sequences. And <laughs> Shut the fuck as, up. I would love for you to... Can, do an homage that's not how... That's not why, right? Is that, that really is the... That is why. That's yeah, why the first one happens in episode 7, which took place in the year 2000 area, and that's when they started having dumb post-credit what? sequences. Oh, well, shit. I did not know that. That's totally correct. That's, oh. That's totally, I never picked up on that. Yeah, that's a thing. Oh, shit. I didn't know. I don't even like the things, and I understand them. Is is like the first real post credit scene, right? I, I don't mean the first one ever, but when they became the norm. Right. You know, you know what the post credit scene of this podcast is going to be? It's going to be me booting Jake off the podcast for good. <laughs> no, that's not, how, that's not how they work. You would boot me off during the proper. And, and then you come the back co host during the post credit sequence. That's true. Every, everybody's going to get the reveal that Neil is going to be my new co host. Yeah, that's, that's how it's it not, works. It's, it's, it's Jake is gone and Jace is back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, it, yeah, the post credit scene is going to start with Welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian and I'm Neil and we're the leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> 
I uh, I don't know, man. I I just think that this. I think like anybody that got excited or blown away by this news is just like, yeah, it's gonna happen. We're gonna get a we're gonna get a fucking mutants X Men movie eventually. I'm glad you introduced the story this way because when I read this article, my reaction was no shit, no shit. <laughs> yeah, I was not like, oh my, oh this is official. Oh my god. Official yeah, news fucking coming all over the place <laughs> from the Illuminati. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here! You look like Randy Marsh's <laughs> garage. <laughs> yeah, my fucking dick is still red from this announcement. This is fucking yeah. <laughs> this is jizz all over the fucking place. Jesus Christ! God. <laughs> I don't know. I I got some quotes here, I guess, from the Falcon and Winter Soldier series, but it's coming out so quickly. I don't know if I even want to. Go That's what happened yeah, when I saw it. the mutants article. <laughs> you want me to read? You want me to read the quotes? All right. Uh, let's see here. Here's some quotes from. This comes from the Direct.com. In the spring of 2021 issue of Disney's D23 magazine, obtained by the Direct, the cast and crew of the Falcon and Winter Soldier took a look at the evolution of Daniel Bruhl's uh, Zemo in the Disney Plus series. Head writer Carrie Scoglin reveals her excitement to work with the character with the fact that the story, quote, left him in a very dark place. This new chapter of his story will, according to Scoglin, show Zemo as, quote, much more complex than we originally knew. He's very exciting to bring back because we've left him in a very dark place. And it's interesting to go with him on this journey. What was fun about working with Daniel and all three of them is that we go on a very unexpected ride and we discover things about Baron Zemo we didn't anticipate. As a result, we feel satisfied that the character is much more complex than we originally knew. Falcon actor Anthony Mackie goes on to tease exactly how much darker Zemo will be than in his first appearance, although Mackie describes him as, quote, trying to fit in. He hints that the villain goes real bad real quick as well, quote, after the blip, the big thing now is how do we all fit in? Zemo is is back and trying to fit in, and Zemo goes real bad real quick, so that's a problem. Mackie's uh, co-star Sebastian Stan teases Bucky Barnes' personal beef with Zemo on top of the overarching plot. In a sense, as Stan describes it, the both have uh, that the both have a bone to pick, and it may not just be with each other. Both Bucky and Zemo still have a bone to pick, certainly with each other, but maybe also with the world. So his very inclusion was inevitable, in my opinion. The common theme from all three quotes is abundantly clear. Zemo is back, and all hell is about to break loose. So, yeah. The last fan saw of Daniel Brule's villain was Black Panther taking him into custody and speaking with Everett Ross after he incited the battles in Captain America's Civil War, with the MCU world completely turned upside down after half of all life disappeared and returned, the former Sokovian intelligence agent appears laser-focused on completing his work. So, uh, yeah. Did he, when, did he get blipped? We don't know. Or snapped? Or we whatever, have, and then like he's just appeared yeah, in the middle of nowhere? We have no idea, man. And here's the thing, like, I, and I can, I'm probably completely wrong in this, man. I thought, from what I thought, I thought Sharon Carter was going to be involved in this, and Sharon Carter, she is going to be involved in this series. 
I thought that she was going to tell Falcon and Winter Soldier that they need to break him out of wherever he's at and that he needs to join them on this fucking in, in, in the series. But I, I could do be wrong. Think- do you think we're gonna get a makeout scene between Sharon Carter and Old Cap? No. <laughs> Gee, I, I would thought Neil was getting ready to ask a serious question. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that um, Anthony Mackie is just throwing out these quotes as a swerve? Because we've kind of predicted that they would uh, make Zemo a little bit more gray and even possibly a good character. That's what I. That's what I thought. Well, I thought at first that they they would do that. I thought I thought that the main villains in this are going to be the Flag Smashers, and that they that they're going to bust Baron Zemo out of whatever prison he's in now. And you know, Sharon Carter was going to be like, "Yeah, you got to bust him out," and blah blah blah. And and um, you know, he would work with them and. At the, at the, at the last moment, you know, then he would go on to be the big bad for whatever was going forward in the MCU. And I don't know about that anymore, Jake. I really, I, 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 I don't know. But yeah, they would be I like reluctant allies at first, right? Like, that's what I thought with, or like, I kind of agreed with what you guys had said before. Like, they might start off as like, for whatever reason, they have to team up. Yeah, but they're basically saying in this article from the direct that, like, right. he's the big bad from the get-go. And it's like, okay, then who are the Flag Smashers? What's their deal? Um, you know, where does U.S. Agent come into this? And, I, I mean, I, I honestly, after the WandaVision finale, I, I fucking, I hate, I don't even want to make any theories anymore. I'm <laughs> shy. <laughs> I mean, I love swinging for the fences and the fact that I'm wrong in WandaVision is totally fine. And, but man, it's like, you know, I had theories going into the Falcon and Winter Soldier about Baron Zemo, maybe, maybe apprehensively working with them. Sharon Carter, uh, you know, you know, basically not being, basically Sharon Carter is like on the run as well. And, and, uh, you know, telling Falcon and Winter Soldier to, you know, work with Baron Zemo that they, they're going to need him and, and to take on the Flag Smashers. And, you know, they defeat the Flag Smashers and then Baron Zemo comes back full force as a villain. It, it but what they're, what they're saying here is like, he's, he's full on villain from the, from the get go. So I have no real idea. Bad, real fast. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I have no idea what the fuck is but going to go. On, Zemo's about to get bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I I guarantee you there are going to be so many memes when the show comes out of like it'll be screenshots of scenes in the show and it's going to be people going Mephisto because that's been like I guarantee you there are going to be so many of those memes. <laughs> to see yeah, I'm not taking that Carter <laughs> I mean, just like because a, a red outfit and like people in Mephisto. Like, Mephisto. Yes. <laughs> Do you think Sharon Carter will make out with Mephisto, Neil? <laughs> Again, I do not think Mephisto is going to be part of the MCU. I don't even know who Mephisto is. I tried to do like the Wikipedia lookup, and it was just too much. Like it was because there's so. And I was like, "Oh, this is." I looked at that Wikipedia article. Disney's I went, "Oh, reliant too much on normies to delve that deeply into lore." 
at this point. How oh, then? How do Get they? Out in, of here with how that the theory. fuck? They, they introduced Agatha Harkness, who is like one of the oldest characters in Marvel. So, but she's they new totally to me reworked too. her. They totally she's reworked there. her. Like, well, they can totally rework Mephisto if they wanted. They can introduce anybody. <laughs> They can, they, they, can. they can work in, they could work in any character that they wanted to, to be quite honest you're, with you. Yeah, they wrong. can. You're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. Yeah, uh, Agatha Harkness I, I, was totally new to me too. I, I was like, I get it. We were like, yeah. I get it I when know. people are saying about like how like China would not deal with like the devil. I get that. I get that. And I, I mean, like we, we talked about this last time I was on. I know. The devil stuff. But like, for me, it's more about getting into the weeds of of Marvel Comics. Uh, Agatha Harkness is a character that not many people know about, so they can just kind of do whatever the fuck they want with her. Uh, well, they can do whatever Mephisto. the fuck they want to with no, Mephisto. June, June doesn't even know who Mephisto is. It's the same thing. It's the same but, fucking but thing. Not the same thing. Like Mephisto is is well known throughout a lot of classical literature. Uh, whereas Agatha Harkness is not a player in Shakespeare or in, uh, Faust or, uh, a lot of this, this stuff. Whereas Mephisto is always and always has been the, another name for the devil. Whereas Agatha Harkness is just a creation of Marvel Comics. Mephisto is a bigger character that has a lot more lore to go along with it. So and did, so did Thanos. Like, like how are they, like, so they just can't, they can't, they can't introduce new characters. What, what Neil? Neil's talking about is lore beyond Marvel. Like yeah. how Thor, like Thor. Okay. Yeah. But because Marvel did Thor right from the get go in like, which, which you alluded to earlier when you said you didn't give a fuck about Thor until Ragnarok. I mean, I, I I am a huge Thor fan from <laughs> like studying Norse mythology. I I did that as a child. I I I've always been a big. Well, I've been a big uh, fan of Mephisto since my days of practicing Satan <laughs> Satanism and witchcraft. Neil yeah, worshiping the devil. I know. Since yeah. I murdered my first goat. I've been yeah. <laughs> since I fucking performed my first sacrifice in my backyard, dude. I'm sorry. I'm not respecting your beliefs. I, I am so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh my gosh. I don't know, man. I, I'm, you know, I'm done with Mephisto. <laughs> yes! Thank you! <laughs> yeah, I'm done. I'm done. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. Jake, what do you think, man? Is, like, who's gonna be the big bad in fucking, uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness? Is it, are they gonna, it's gonna be Nightmare, I think. It's gonna be Nightmare, so they're gonna stick with the Scott Derrickson thing, so even though they got a new director, Sam Raimi, Sam Raimi's gonna be like, yeah, I'm gonna do that Nightmare thing that Scott Derrickson was gonna do. Yeah, I mean, Bruce Campbell. Yeah, I think Nightmare is the perfect kind of villain for a Raimi villain. I think he'll do cool stuff with that. Alright. <laughs> cool man like I, I you know marvel and with with what they've been doing over the last decade now they are yes they're drawing from obscure corners of the comic universe but they're also 
very mainstream about it, and like that's what's led it to its success is that they transition a lot of these obscure elements into mainstream elements, and they recognize the fact that so many of their viewers do not care about the comics lore. And by doing so, they've created this huge juggernaut. And they're going to keep using that formula going forward because it's it's obviously working. Oh, man. Have you seen that Saturday Night Live sketch um, when Chris Pratt hosted? Um, it was basically like Marvel... You know, did Guardians of the Galaxy and the next summer they're coming out with Ant-Man. This proves that Marvel can do no wrong. And so <laughs> then it's like coming this fall, uh, Marvel picked five people off a bus this fall, <laughs> <laughs> bus people. And it's like Chris Pratt and then like random people from a bus, like w- like walking down that hallway to um, hooked on a feeling. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and then it's like and then next summer, uh it was just like it was like fancy ghosts, and it was like three ghosts like walking down with like top hats on, and then another yep. one was like Marvel presents shopping carts, and then it's just <laughs> shopping carts just rolling down the thing, mm-hmm. and then one was called Pam, and it's eighty Bryant walking down. It's like who's Pam? Doesn't matter. She'll oh, make yeah. millions. I did. <laughs> and see then that. it was like, and then don't miss the Pam, the Winter Pam. Oh Pam. <laughs> well, I, you know I would. What I would love to see is like a Marvel show that explains like what happened to fucking like people after they came back from, you know, the, the snap, the second snap. You know what I mean? Like, like blipped. Yeah. Like, uh, like, like, yeah, like a show like that. Like how do they, like, okay. So let's say you were in prison and yes, you I, come, yes. you come back do do they do you, do they take five years off your sentence or you know what I mean? Like, I asked this an qu- additional five years. Yeah, I asked my okay. I asked I asked my attorney husband. I was like, and I thought it was an interesting question. He was like, <laughs> "Oh my god!" And he was like, "I he's like I don't." Know. I said, "No, seriously." I was like, "I think it's did the blip happened. Like, yeah, five years have passed. But if you were in prison and so you had a ten year sentence and you got blipped." Like, you know, for you, it wasn't five years, though. Like, for you, it was it was, it was, was instant, right? Like, it was just, like, gone and back. I mean, and I so, guess it depends on what the purpose of the criminal justice system is. Is it to punish the people or is it to reform them? If it's well, to reform, then it wouldn't count. They would have to spend the five years again. Yeah. Right. And so... What if you were just I mean, about, think, like, let's say, like, right before people were originally snapped, like, some dude was about to shank you. And then as soon as he started, like, tr- try to shank you, you got fucking snapped up. And then you come back and you're in the same cell with that motherfucker. And you're like, you motherfucker. You. Someone else gets shanked because the guy shows up shanking someone else in front of him instead of the, the person that he was going to shank. That would suck. Or what if the shanker did not get blipped and was stabbing empty air and then got released and then you the guy who was gonna get shanked came back and then got released and then they found him on the street shanked oh a lot of shanking 
I think we just fucking found the title of our new show, Shanked. <laughs> Starring Kevin Shanks. Starring Kevin Shanks. No, the thing is, no, it wouldn't. No, you could like, if you say if your husband got blipped right and you like moved on and got married and everything, like, I mean, that'd be the same. Like, they would because your husband would have been declared dead. Like you, like it yeah, wouldn't have five been years. like. Yeah, like your second marriage would not be considered like void. What about those moments where it's like it turned out to be pretty damn convenient that you got fucking taken in the snap? Like, <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like you know, like you, like your wife finds out that you're cheating on her. Yeah, she's about to go off on you, and then all of a sudden it's like you're gone. It's like oh fuck! Thank God, thank God. Calgon, take me away. Oh. That was one of the funnier things of um, like I, I did not love Spider Man Far From Home, but the whole thing with Martin um, Martin Starr's like story, he was like, "Yeah, my wife. We thought she was blipped, but no, she just again started a new not family. The same character as the one he played in Incredible Hulk. Oh, that's right. I forgot he had a small thing in that. He was the pizza delivery guy, right? That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Mm. Uh, he was the guy working in the lab. Oh, he's a lab guy. Yeah. And oh, he I lets, asked, yeah, that's right. Uh, Edward Norton bribes him with the uh, pizza to let him in. And I asked him at C2E2 if he was the same character, and he said no. All right. Oh, C2E2. Uh, yeah. So many pictures popping up on Facebook. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a year. Can you believe it? Exactly a year. Yeah. It's been a year. I miss y'all. I'm sad I, I don't know. get to see y'all this year. I know. Same. It's not happening this year. That's all I got. We're going to lobby con, though, right? I don't know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what's happening. We'll see. I want to see you guys again. I, uh, that's all I know is I want to see you guys again. I want to see you guys again soon. Fuck yes. No, I'm not kidding. Those pictures showed, like popped up. On Facebook, and I like got like I did. I got a little tears in my eyes because I was like, "I'm not going to see these assholes this year." It was like it was the last good thing that happened to us. It I really know. was. Like we all came back, and then like shit went shit went to, down. Shit went down when we all came back. It's crazy. What a year! What a year! Oh my god! It's it's crazy to think we might not see each other for another year. So, oof! Don't like that. So sad. So sad. I know. That's all I got this week, guys. That's all the stories. I ain't got no DC. I ain't got no Star Wars. Good. <laughs> uh, unless you, hey, Neil, unless you, you want to talk to Snyder Cut for a while? I mean, oh. I can find something, dude. I'm fucking uh. with you. I'm fucking with you. I know. You can, yeah, uh. Snyder Cut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, I actually rented a little movie theater in my apartment so I could watch it. I so. can't. Oh, I can't wait for the Snyder Cut. I can't wait. I'm for actually the kind cut. of excited for it just because I don't know. I think it's just the anticipation. Yeah. I am. I am. I am getting a little more excited for it. I am super excited for the Snyder Cut. Uh, that is all I have this week. Got Neil. Where can people find you, you son of a fuck? <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> oh shit! I know. Yeah. Woo! Woo! I'm coming in hot, aren't I? Yeah. yeah. Not, I was Super not expecting hot. that. <laughs> uh, if you want my personal takes, I'm on Twitter uh, and Facebook and whatnot. Uh, I'm the only person in the world with my name, so just look that up. 
Neil Tholander. You can find me anywhere. Also, I have a podcast called Smorgasborg, a Star Trek Universe podcast, where we start off doing episode recaps, and we're still doing them, but for older episodes now. There so, you yeah. go. Jake, how did it feel being back? Oh, it felt great. It felt great. But I, I just changed my name to Neil Tholander. I, I'm tired of him. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck this shit. I'd say, I'd say about midway through this episode, I was hoping that I would be snapped up. Mm. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah. Or dead. I we talked about that early. Wow. <laughs> well. Well, I feel oh, great about myself shit. now. I live another day. I, I survived this episode. For as much as some people wanted to, like, actually, for that prophecy to come true, for me to die during this episode, you know what? I beat the odds, and I will live another day. I am not dead. No, no. Not this episode, Satan. Not this episode, Mephisto. <laughs> June, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun, as always. As always. It is. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Just like all good leftovers say in their doggy bags, Jake, just like all good leftovers say in their doggy bags, you've read all good leftovers and what they say on their doggy bags, haven't you, sir? Yeah, there's good leftovers? Yes. Oh, God. There's fantastic leftovers. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I like chili's way better the next day. Chili is spaghetti. way better the next day. Mm, spaghetti's spaghetti. a good one too. Spaghetti's a good one. Spaghetti. You know, I bought an air fryer. I love this thing. Oh, we bought an air fryer a few months ago. It's the greatest. Oh my god! Then Dan Ramirez just bought one too, and he's been talking about making fried pickles on it. Fried pickles on the old air fryer. That's fried pickles on the old air fryer. <laughs> <laughs> Stay with my next album. <laughs> uh, I don't know what's going on right now. We'll see you next week. Just like all good left. Over. I don't know what's going on. We'll see. Uh, yeah. You turned into Emo Phillips there all of a sudden. Yeah. Uh, uh, just like all good leftovers stay in the doggy bags. Thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week with more bullshit. Another stupid fucking episode where we talk about stupid shit. The same stupid shit we talk about every fucking week. See you then. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Drop by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it toss it, good it taste it, do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftover. And with the uncool kids, what's to say, they've already been said, leftover. Pretty sure that the only